Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good. M is for Mason. G is for Graham. B is for Blade Job. This is the MGB Wrestling Podcast, the podcast with PG-rated material accessible to wrestling fans of all ages. My name is Graham, and my co-host and creator of this podcast is proof that wrestling fans live with their parents, my 10-year-old son, Mason. Now, we were supposed to record Mason's intro after we'd concluded the interview, so we could let James go, and we ran over a little bit. Uh, we totally forgot about it, so we're just going to go straight into the interview with James. All right, so I'm wearing my Red Shocks. <laughs> Red Shocks. Oh, this is great. This is going to take like five hours to record. All right, I'm gonna. Leave, I'm leaving it running. This is. A, I'm gonna keep going. All right, I'm wearing my Red Sox shirt, Mason, because you know we've got a very special guest this week. Uh, we got James from the Blade Show. We've been trying to get him on for a long while. Um, James, I know you've been practicing PC. Um, how's it been going? How's that practice been going? Not very good. I don't know if you're familiar with the. Uh, oh, what's his name? Louis Black. I am familiar. Uh, yes. About doing the correspondence dinner and not being able to say the F word next to the president. <laughs> and I kind of feel that way a little bit. So in this scenario, Mason's kind of the president. All right. That sounds pretty good. Now, I've got a couple of questions for you. Now, originally when we started this po- uh, podcast, we said it was going to be for younger listeners. So um, can you tell us what a Blade job actually is? I know you posted this on Twitter today, but not everyone follows your Twitter account. So can you tell us what that is for our younger listeners? So we'll have a little shout out in this too, because... Um, I had a conversation about this a couple months back with uh, Melissa, who you can follow at Nails of Adamant on Twitter. And she asked, you know, what's a blade job? So a blade job in professional wrestling is when, you know, a wrestler takes the ring post or a chair shot and he takes out a little razor blade from his, uh, from his tape or his trunks uh-huh. and he nicks his forehead. And that's where the blood comes from typically. Yep. Uh, I mean, sometimes it happens for real. Uh, we all remember what happened at WrestleMania with uh, Mr. Reigns, but uh-huh. Brock is known to do that to people, um, yes. which in wrestling is known as the hard way. Okay, so we don't, I'm going to say, we've been watching, Mason's only been watching WWE for a couple of years now, so I know, I don't know when they stopped showing the blood, but I know that's definitely been limited recently. Yes, um, WWE entered their current uh, PG era. I think it was 2008. Eight is when they uh, they made the the decision that no more no more foul language, no more sex, no more you know blood, and they'd also just gone through the unfortunate situation with uh, Chris Benoit, mm-hmm. so they were really trying to clean up their image, and they knew that concussion awareness was really important. I'm not one of those people that thinks we should go back to blasting each other in the head with chairs. Every now and then, I don't mind it, but I do think concussion awareness is something super important, and I'm really proud of WWE for taking those steps to make sure their performers are safe. Absolutely, and if we want to see that stuff, we can always go to the indies anyway. 
All right. Now, I think actually, and I'm trying to recap, and Mason, I'm going to ask you to chip in on this one as well. I actually think the only reason we're doing this podcast right now is because of you. Now, I don't remember the exact comment. All right. Tell us what you remember first, Mason. So I came home and you were talking to me and then you said like Blade Job said we should do a podcast or something, some of that stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then I said, okay, that sounds really fun. And then I had my iPod at that point, and then I typed the whole big note, uh-huh. and then I gave it to you, and you said, okay, let's try it. Yeah, and I didn't see it coming at all. I was, It was Valentine's Day, and suddenly you presented me with all this type, which I had to read through, and it was like, oh my gosh. I was like, you've been thinking about this for a long time. I, I think it was even a throwaway comment. Do you remember anything about this at all, James? I do, I do. I actually, this is kind of a a moment of pride for me just because you know i've only been doing this we started the blade job in july of last year we didn't release our first episode until september and we we walked into uh beyond wrestling in july like we own the place (laughs) And nobody cared. And it was a huge knock. The only person that really gave us the time of day was Dave Cole, who has been an amazing ally, an amazing friend in this industry. Um, And I remember you reaching out to me after Mason had given you that information. And I remember the conversation that we had back and forth. And I, I got really, I don't know, I felt, I felt kind of strange because I, I felt famous for a second. And, and I had to, I talked to a couple people about it. And I was like, I don't want to give them bad information now. But at the same time, I really, really believe in, in Mason, what, you, what you're doing. Like, I think it's fantastic because there's not a lot of podcasts like this that are, are kind of like, you know, uh, oh, what is it? There was something... Nickelodeon or something used to do a, a, a thing where it was a by kids for kids kind of thing. Okay. And yeah, I, really, I, don't, we don't, I, I don't think we got that. Nickelodeon in England, so, and I don't think Mason, I don't, yeah, I don't know if we've actually watched that stuff. Now, yeah, I, mean, I was trying to remember back, and I know before, I just, this was before, way before we had the podcast, I know I used to interact with you on Twitter. And, um, yeah, I mentioned the fact that I listen to wrestling podcasts. I know I mentioned that Mason's starting to listen to them, but it's really difficult to get PG. And then I think that's where the comment came from. I think it was a throwaway comment, like, you should make your own podcast. And, yeah, I didn't think anything of it at all. And I am obviously mentioned it to you, Mason, and you totally took it on board and, uh, yeah, and ran with it. So, yeah. I just wanted to bring that up because we haven't talked about it since, like, episode one. And I wanted to see what your recollection was. And I'm too lazy to go back and scroll on Twitter. I'm sure I could find the exact conversation. Now oh, we've been... I, I tried to do it the other day. I tried to find something <laughs> that I said two months ago. No chance. Uh, no, no, no thanks. I tried to find a comment from you from today and I couldn't find it. So that shows you how unsuccessful it was. I was actually <laughs> going to add you as one of the bonus tweets of the week. And I couldn't even find that. So, yeah, I totally gave up on that little escapade now we've been saving you for a while we've talked about having you on for a while but we wanted to save you today um, because you know that i was going to see mick foley at the weekend so what's your connection with mick foley i know you're a big fan can you give us a little bit more insight so mick is one of those performers it's it's a mixture of of good and bad i haven't really talked about this on our show so you're kind of getting an exclusive when i was a young man i was training to be a professional wrestler, oh, okay. I had a group of guys who were training at um, the New England Academy of Professional Wrestling under Killer Kowalski and uh, and Brian Fury, and one of them wanted to start his own independent promotion, and he had a pro ring, 
but he had nowhere to put it. And my parents were naive enough to allow us to put it in my backyard. <laughs> so for years, I had a professional wrestling ring, a wrestling ring used by Sabu, might I add, wow. in my backyard. Wow, that's so, cool. So while I was training, though, this was probably 2002, 2003, some, somewhere in there. Fully, his career was kind of winding down. Yep. The Hardy Boys were really big. So the WWE version of extreme wrestling was really popular. So unfortunately, I took a lot of my cues from Mick Foley, and that's why I don't wrestle anymore because I kept getting hurt. So Mick Foley was an inspiration to me. I've been watching Mick Foley since 1992-ish when he was in WCW. Uh Um, And he is a guy that I have, let me see, one, two, three, four or five Mick Foley autographs. Okay. And I've never met him. Oh, wow. So that'll probably and, that's probably not a bad little segue then into uh, match one then I'm gonna guess. Yeah. All right, in match one, scheduled for one four. Uh, we have my trip to Joplin, Maryland. So this Saturday, so on the time recording, this is six days ago. Um, I went up to Joplin, Maryland, to where MCW does their uh, wrestling meets. And it was the 20th anniversary of the Hell in a Cell match. Now, it's called the 20 Years of Hell Tour, uh, when he fought against The Undertaker, and he got thrown off the top of the cage. And you see the picture of that all on the poster. Now, I wish I could remember the exact date. Um, I think I was probably the least informed person who was there. Uh, Everybody knew the exact date. Um, I have no idea what the exact date is. It's not exactly 20 years. I think it's 20 years in July. Uh, James, you want to step in? Any ideas? Uh, June. June, okay. I so I believe, I'm, I'm 90% sure, I think it was June 8th, 1998. Okay, and I know the ring announcer who came in announced it wrong. I had no idea. And Mick stepped in, he's like, I know I've taken like a few hits to the head, but isn't it this date? And everyone in the crowd in unison went, yes. And I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, I, I figured straight away, I didn't know much. Now, actually, probably the most important part of this was, um, I actually booked this six months ago, I think it was. So this is before we had the podcast, Mason. Um, I know you knew who Mick Foley was. Yeah. Um, I bought it as a present for myself, really, because it was my birthday a few days after. Um, it was kind of expensive. Um, I knew you got to meet him. I knew you got a picture with him, and I knew you got an autograph. Um, I thought you got a poster as well, and I didn't get that, and I'm a little upset I didn't get a poster, but I wasn't paying another $20 for it, so I didn't get that. And, um, yeah, it's been sort of counting down and counting down, and I think originally I was just like, well, I just get a picture. He can sign a picture. We collect pictures anyway, um, and that's what I do. And then I started to think of other things we could get him to autograph, and one of them was I was going to get you a birthday card. And I thought, wow, I could get him like a card. I could get it for his next birthday. I could save it for like his 18th birthday. Because how cool would that be? 18th birthday, Mick Foley autograph card. No one else is doing that. That's a kind of a cool story. And I think I talked to you about this, James. I think I suggested this to you. Because I think you actually said to him, why don't you get him to say, this is a lot closer to the event, like, hey, this is Mick Foley. You're listening to the MGB Wrestling Podcast. I think that was you I talked to about that. Yeah, yeah. So we we talked about that. And then... I don't know why I thought this. It's the most ridiculous thought ever. It was like, why don't I see if I can get Mick Foley on our podcast? I was like, we could create like a little contract for him, get him to say, hi, Mick Foley, um, will appear on the MGB Wrestling Podcast, and then get him to sign it. And I was like, well, he's not obviously not going to do that. It, it just seems so ridiculous. But I was like, it'd be kind of fun. I was like, he can only say no. I was like, sure, we'll, we'll give it a try. 
And anyway, sure enough, I did buy something else as well. I took it up because I was like, I can't ask him to sign that. Because if he says no and I don't have anything else, I just wasted an autograph. So we took the two things up. The whole way I was driving up, it took two and a half hours to get there. And as I'm thinking about it the whole time, I'm like, he's going to say yeah. Yeah. And you, I think somebody said to him, he's, he's, why would he say no? It's like, it's a kid's podcast. He likes kids. And then I was like, I think he's going to say yeah. I'm like, why, why wouldn't he say yes? I ran through more conversations in my head that whole run there than I did when I proposed to your mom. Because I spent the whole day doing that. I actually went to three baseball games on the day I proposed to your mom. And I tried to think the whole time, what am I going to say to her? How am I going to phrase it? And it was like that the whole way up. How am I going to say this? I was going to propose, right, look, Mick, I know you're a dad. I'm a dad. Look, i got to ask on behalf of my son. And um, yeah, I spent two and a half hours thinking of different ways I could do it. Anyway, I got there at the VIP gates opened at six. I got there at about five o'clock, went to the Wendy's that's nearby that we went to before, had dinner, got out at 5.45, nobody in line. I was like, oh, what happened? What happened? Nobody's here. There was one person. So anyway, I got in line, and um, as soon as I started to get in line, everyone started to go, oh, lots of people are going now, let's all go and wait in line. So I was about 10th in line, um, got through the doors, walked in, and I just thought he was going to be sat at a table. He was in the ring. So I realized, oh, God, not only that, I get to go in a ring, and there's a cage around the outside as well. This was the only one. He's doing a 20-tour date uh, for the 20th year, and it's the only one that had a ring and a cage background. So I'm waiting in line. I'm seeing what everyone else is doing. Um, about the fifth person said, how you doing, Mick? And he's like, I got pneumonia. I was like, oh, no. He's like, you're not really going to know it later, but I'm going to put on a show, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, no, he doesn't even feel very well. I had your contract all made up. I had it folded in my pocket. I was embarrassed. I was like, I don't want anyone to see this. This is, like, so weird. And, yeah, got into And then it was my turn. Stepped up into the ring. Got my box ready. And I sat down to him. I apologized to him straight away. I was like, look, I'm really sorry. I know this is a really terrible thing to ask you, but... My son, um, 10 years old, he's been doing a podcast for nearly three months. He would love you to be a guest. Would you sign this? And I showed the contract to him. And he looked over it and he said, I think I can do this. I was like, wow, that's amazing. He's like, I need to change one thing. I was like, you can change whatever you like. I don't care what you change. Now, we said short straight away because we wanted it to make to appeal to him. And we put five to ten minutes. We didn't specify a date. And um, he said, I'm going to cross this off. So he crossed the ten off. He says, you got a hard five. So that was the spoiler, that was the, sorry, the teaser that I was leading up to. Mick Foley has agreed to be on our podcast, Mason, uh, for five minutes um, at a date in the future. Now, I'd forgot, I actually written, wrote down our email address so he could email us later. In my nervousness, I totally left it in the car. So I have no idea how, we, how are we going to contact him. Because my wife said, can't you just mention it on Twitter? He has 1.8 million followers. So we, in theory, have um, an interview with Mick Foley for five minutes. I have no idea how to contact him. He did retweet me, actually, on the day. I mentioned it took two and a half hours to get up there. And I said, I'm, I said to say I'm excited would be an understatement. And he responded by saying, um, I'll try and make it worth your while. Or some words to those effects. And I responded back to him with your picture and my picture so he knows exactly who it was. Oh, you already did. So, I don't know. So, I think we've got that to thank you for as well, James, because I think you sort of led us in that direction. Um, I can't believe he said yes. I, I was going crazy on that day. Um, I wanted to keep it quiet, but I wanted to share it with everyone. And actually, I texted you because I was like, you would actually understand this. You would be impressed with this. And I didn't that know who else to talk to. That was a very excited message. <laughs> oh, it, it was caps. Um, it definitely wasn't PG. 
There was definitely words I don't use on this podcast. And my heart was still going an hour and a half later. And I was sat third row because I was watching him in the ring. And I can see him there the whole time. I'm like, oh my God, I just talked to Mick Foley. I got my picture with Mick Foley. He had soccer on. It was like, it was the coolest thing ever. The thing that I'm really disappointed about is one of the reasons I didn't take you was I thought it wasn't going to be PG. And I thought it was going to be cuss. He said on his first line at the start, uh, this will be PG. And I was like, oh, no. So luckily for you, though, and luckily for all our listeners as well, you're actually going to get the chance to watch this. Um, he did say at the start, put all your cameras away. Just watch it. Just listen. Concentrate. This is actually going to be on the WWE Network. So I don't know when exactly. but So we've got that to look forward to to watch. And we've also got that to look forward to in the future. Uh, we have no idea how we're going to do five minutes. Mason's got to plan some good questions. I think we should offer it up to our fans as I've well. Could they come up with a question? question? You want to say what it is right now or are you saving it? Yeah, I'll say it right now. Okay. So it's, um, you have been speared through a table on fire. Uh-huh. When does it cross the line? Okay, so that that's, and that sort of leads into what James <laughs> was saying earlier. Like the, this craziness and where do you draw that line? I think that would be a pretty good question to ask. Uh, I'm just trying to look on my notes to see if there's anything I missed. I can say I wrote every... I tried to write key points down in case... No, so anyway, worst case scenario, we have a contract that's signed by... And obviously not an official contract. It's not legal in any way, shape, or form. Um, that says he agreed to do this, which to me is like the coolest thing ever. Now, I'm, the only thing I can relate this to right now is buying a lottery ticket. Now, I know you haven't had that sensation yet, but I'm, when you buy that first lottery ticket... Well, I guess you've experienced yeah, it a little bit from parents, yeah. from grandparents. Um, when you buy that lottery ticket, your first thought is, what would I spend the money on if I won? Yeah, that would And it takes you away into a whole distant world until five hours later when you don't have anything. But for those few hours, it's like, what if? And for me right now, it's that same feeling. Except we have it, but do we have it? And I don't know right now. I think either way, we've got a cool story out of this, even if we, this never comes to fruition. But um, hopefully we'll get to talk to Mick at some episode in the future. And in match two this week in wrestling news. So this week, all the talk on Sunday was about the success of a big independent event. I am, of course, talking about the Midtown Classic. Not all in, of course. Uh, this was organized by Papa Hales, and it was at the Nashville Fairgrounds in Nashville. Now, we know Papa Hales from uh, Nova Wrestling. We see him there quite often. And it was a 16-woman tournament, and it was over. It was a, an afternoon session and an evening session, and it was a knockout, a knockout event. Now, Mason, I wanted to see how good your predicting skills are. Now, we signed you up for... And I don't know how it's going to work. The March Madness tournament, where you've got to do the predictions. Yeah. Now, Blade Job Show, I think I saw you signed up for this as well. Are you in that tournament? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Okay. So we're going to give it a little tryout. Okay, so obviously this doesn't count, but it gives you some practice. Now, I figured that neither of you would have seen the results from this. So I'm going to give you the lineup, and then you're going to tell me who you think actually wins this, okay? okay. So we'll see how your predicting skills are. Now, I'm going to read them in alphabetical order, okay? So that way you can't try and figure out, oh, I bet he put it first, or I bet he put it second, okay? All right, Mason, we're going to ask you first, and then we're going to go to James to see what he thinks, okay? So the first round matches were uh, Ali Cat and Sue Young. I'm going Alley. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to say Alley Cat. And you're both correct. Alley Cat won the first one. All right, next match was um, Faye Jackson, and I think it's Nina Monet. I think I'm going to go very French on her pronunciation. Yeah, I'm going Faye, Faye. Okay. I'm going Faye because I'm a big Stokely Hathaway Dream <laughs> Team fan. And have you heard of Nina Monet? 
I have not. Uh, that's a name that's, uh, that seems to pass me over. And I guess one of the other things we need to thank you for as well is recommending, well, particularly for me, the WWR. I, I'd certainly not heard of that um, organization, and I know we, but we watch on we watch on Powerbomb TV. And some of these names I'm reading to you are people who also appear on your local organization and also appear on Nova Pro as well. All right, next one is uh, Christy James and uh, Harlow O'Hara. Wait, who won? No, that's what I'm asking you. Oh, sorry, oh. Faye Jackson won. I apologize. You both got it correct. Christy James or Harlow O'Hara? Ooh, this one's hard. I'm going Harlow. Okay. I'm going to go Christy James. Uh, Christy James did win that one. Now, I don't know yes. if, some, if all these you've So you got a one-point lead there, so I'm going to try and keep a lead. All right, so James is up by one. All right, next one is uh, Jordan Grace and Savannah Stone. Jordan. Okay. Oh, Jordan. Of course. Now, I think we need to switch this around because otherwise uh, James could just keep saying the same thing that you say and then you'd never catch up, right? Yeah. So we'll switch it around. So, James, you're going to go first on the next one. Um, this sure. is actually a triple threat match. This was, uh, I don't quite know why they did this, unless they got one extra person at the end. Uh, or somebody might have dropped out, possibly. I don't know. It was uh, Hudson Envy, Penelope Ford, and Sue Young. I guess Sue Young got a second opportunity. Well, I got to go... Because she's a bad, bad girl, Penelope Ford. And she actually made her debut at Nova Pro this week, and we actually heard that phrase. So, yeah, Mason, who are you going with? Sue Young. Uh, well, you tied it up. Sue Young did actually win that one, so oh. she made the most of her second opportunity. So we tied it up. All right, we're going to keep James going first, though, for right now. Um, I'm not sure how you pronounce this one. It's AJA. I don't know if it's Spanish, so like Aja uh, Pereira, which is why I'm thinking it might be Spanish. Aja Pereira uh, or Laney Luck. I gotta go with my girl, Lainey Luck. Yeah, I'm going Lainey. And you both picked the wrong person, and I would have gone with oh, Lainey Luck what? as well. It was uh, the person who I don't know how to pronounce, and I've got to pronounce her game, name again now because she made the next round. All right, next one. Uh, Kylie Ray or Vader Scott? Ooh, see, that's a tough that one. That is a tough um, one, yeah. That's a good first-round match right there. So, uh, I'm going to have to go with the local girl, uh, Vader Scott. Okay. Yeah, I'm going with Vader. Okay, all right, and you're both wrong, actually. Kylie Ray actually won that one, but that was, yeah, that was a tough one to call. That was a good first-round match right there. And the last one for the first round is uh, Samantha Heights and Priscilla Kelly. Oh. Priscilla Kelly, because she scares me. Okay. Samantha. Uh, You got it right, Mason. Now, um, yeah, I didn't actually know any of these two at all. Have you heard of these two, Mason? Nope. Okay, have you heard of Samantha Heights at all, James? I have not. Okay, so that was one. Yeah, but you obviously heard of Priscilla Kelly from you from the comment that you made. All right. I once watched Priscilla Kelly lick Jordan Grace to try <laughs> to get her to submit. It was very weird. Yeah, yeah. All right, now we better switch this round because actually now you're in the lead, Mason, and otherwise you could just copy as well. So we're in the. It's actually the semi-finals or semi-finals, and they actually had four together, and it was actually a final four for the final. So the first of the semi-finals, Mason, is uh, in alphabetical order: Faye Jackson or Jordan Grace. Oh, oh. <laughs> Uh, that would be a good way to uh, eliminate Faye and Jordan. Yeah, I agree. I oh, agree. I guess we're the one of the Nova Pro girls, yeah. <laughs> and they're both so strong, it's very even. I'm going Jordan. Okay. Fake mama pump. So you're both picking the same, and you both got correct. It was Jordan Grace. All right, next one is, it's that Aha Perara, or however you say it, or Samantha Heights. Samantha? And this is obviously a guess Just now, because you don't know either of those two. Okay. And yeah, we'll go with uh, with with Aha. 
Okay, well, I'm pleased to announce Aha didn't win, so I don't have to guess on her pronunciation anymore. So you're two up, Mason, okay? All right, next one. And there's only three left, so you're in pretty good state right now. Uh, all right, the next one was Alley Cat and Harlow O'Hara. Oh, uh, Alley? Okay. See, I, I have to say Alley just because. Okay, and it's a good job you did, otherwise you'd have lost straight away. Alley Cat did win, so there's only two left now. So I think pretty much you've got to guess the opposite of what Mason says if you want even to if you want any chance of even tying this one. Um, yep. Okay, the last semi-final then was Kylie Ray and Sue Young. Sue. Okay. Oh, good, Kylie Ray. And it was Kylie Ray, so uh, yes. yeah, so that gives you a chance. Now this last one, actually, there's four people in this, so this should probably be worth two points, right, to give you a chance to also catch up as well, James, as you're one behind. So this sure. last one, I'm, like I say, I make the rules up as I go along, so I'm going to go with this anyway. All right, the final was then in alphabetical order: uh, Ali Cat, Jordan Grace, Kylie Ray, or Samantha Heights. And should we let? Oh, actually, you've got to go first, Mason. Jordan. You're going to go with Jordan? Because we've got to give James a chance. Because otherwise you could just say the same as he says, and then that wouldn't be very Ooh. fair. So... All right, I'm going to tell you straight away to make this even more exciting. Jordan Grace did not win. So this is between uh, uh, Ali Cat, Kylie Ray, and Samantha Heights. I'm going to go with Kylie Ray. It was Kylie Ray. And the part yes. that makes this really embarrassing is... I actually told you, Mason, that Kylie Ray won the whole tournament, and then later you I did? was like, "Yes, oh. I told you she won." And I was like, "Oh, I can," ju and then I thought, "Oh, I could do the matches," and I was like, "Well, I can just skip the matches that got Kylie Ray in and just tell James that you already knew the score for that one." And then in the first round, you picked against Kylie Ray, so I knew that you didn't remember. So, well, I guess technically it was a tie. That could make a first, an exciting first round matchup later. Now, also on this, uh, Papa Hales gave uh, what he called advice to wrestlers from an old man who had never wrestled but has unbridled passion. Now, I was more interested about advice to wrestlers from a 10-year-old who, who has never wrestled but has unbridled passion. I'm not including wrestling with your four-year-old brother, okay? So what were the five things that you came up with? And I, gave you, I gave, told you this ahead of time because I was interested to know what you'd come up with. My, my first one is put your safety first ahead of making a move look high risk. Okay, so Tim Donst is all thrown through there. Safety first. Alright, number and, two. Um, talk to your opponent before your match about what your match is going to look like. I'm impressed with all this stuff so far. It makes perfect sense to me. Alright, number three. Work out as much as you can. Okay. Yeah. Number four. Put your opponent over, not just yourself. I thought that was a good one. I was impressed that you came up with that one. Number five. No, that's great. That and, is a good one, yeah. Yeah, get your crowd involved. So what was the last one? Get your crowd involved. Oh, get your crowd involved as well. Now, it's amazing. I didn't tell him what Papa Hale said, and a lot of these he actually agreed with, actually. The first one was master a few key moves and perfect them. Um, don't try to do everything and be everything. Sell, sell, sell. And I think that's the one that you pretty yeah. much had, trying to put somebody else over. I, th I thought that was good. Uh, tell a story that is compelling and easy to follow. And number five, connect with the fans, which is pretty much what you got. Now, James, to give you something slightly different to do, seeing as you're our podcast guru, I'm not sure if you can come up with five, but as we're still a fledgling podcast, any advice to us or to other future podcasters? Because we want to try and help the next generation as well. We're trying to put over a few people as well ourselves, but advice for new podcasts. So, I mean, you know, it's it's something I, I've, I've done... It wasn't a podcast. It was kind of in the fledgling. I don't want to say fledgling internet days, but it was it was post YouTube, but YouTube wasn't as big. I worked on a, a film website, okay. and we did 
you know, a lot of video work and a lot of stuff like that. And my number one piece of advice would be don't try to force anything. Don't try to create a podcast, whether it's wrestling or movies or comic books or, you know, potato salad. It doesn't matter. Talk about something that you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. If the, the whole reason that we do the blade job, myself and Scott and Tom, is because we can talk about wrestling. We... Spoiler alert, we have zero preparation for our shows. We usually sit down and just start talking. And I think that's what sets us apart from, and, you know, wonderful podcasts out there. You know, uh, sure. let's, let's get some cheap pops in here. You know, uh, Taking the Bump and uh, World Class Daily uh-huh. and Super Kicking It With Kelsey. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, Two-Faced Wrestling Pod. You Absolutely. know, they do really fantastic work, but I... I just want to talk. I've always said that I want to be the Howard Stern of professional wrestling. Uh-huh. I don't want to, to be a structured show. And I think that's really important for a lot of people starting out is don't try to force something. If you're, you know, trying to be a, a WWE centric podcast and you really, really dislike Brock Lesnar, uh-huh. don't try to do an entire episode on Brock Lesnar sure. because it's not going to be good. You know, you have to do and talk about things that you're passionate about. That's that's number one, I think. I'm going to follow on from what you said, and I think that's the th- there's. I'm going to say, there's a, a million podcasts out there, but there's always something that you can do that's slightly different as well. Everyone has their own little niche as well, and I think that's important to try and find that little thing. Uh, we, we certainly have ours, the fact I have yeah. you, Mason. That, that's clearly our niche. And the reason I like your podcast as well, it is. It's, it's a lot more informal. Uh, it makes me laugh a lot. The other ones, I'm going to say, I listen to them for wrestling. I don't just listen to yours for wrestling. I listen because I know I'm going to be entertained at the same people. time. You get to hear one side of the story, uh-huh. two, and three. Okay. All right. You have some more advice, then? Um, I, I mean, we, some, actually something that we talked about off the air. You don't need to spend $1,000 on equipment. <laughs> Sometimes just having your phone or just having your computer or just having, you know, uh, one of those little microphones you can get at, you know, Best Buy or Walmart or whatever. Yep. You can do it because the, the quality isn't always as important as the actual product itself. I, I always like to think there was a couple years back, and by couple I mean probably close to 10, there was a guy in Korea, uh, South Korea, who filmed a movie and released it, and people raved about it. They said, this is gorgeous. He filmed it on an iPhone, and people had no idea because of how well it was done. You don't need high-quality equipment to give someone high-quality product. Just go back and watch ECW. Absolutely. And we, what we talked about off air is, I would say, we talked about, well, I had no idea how to do a podcast at all. And I know I talked to you, and a few people chipped in, and everyone was great. Definitely go to Twitter. Lots of people help straight away. And I had so many people who said, like, just text me whenever you want, DM me, whatever. And I got plenty of advice. And we bought the microphone, worked, got it all there. And then seven weeks later, we realized it wasn't even connected. It wasn't recorded from that. And also something you talked about off air was um, how one of your episodes that you didn't even have one of the microphones connected. And you didn't realize yeah. until later. Now, embarrassingly, and I don't know how I managed to stifle a laugh there, uh, while you were talking about point two, I actually realized I'm holding the phone up to the computer upside down for this last segment. So I'm not sure how loud it's going to come out, but this could be our special lost episode as well. We might have lost your first point. I'm not sure, but we'll see. All right, let's ah, move I'm on. I'm sure it wasn't very good. <laughs> 
All right, let's move on to match three. Now, we recorded over the weekend. Um, we went to Nova Pro's Thread of Joy, and we released a podcast, and I think it was our longest episode ever. And as soon as we released it, we realized, oh, we missed a ton of stuff. So as structured as or unstructured as it was, we forgot something. So, Mason, do you want to talk about three things that you noticed um, since we released that podcast, so I guess? So the first moment I have is um, the hooligans. They're coming out. They're mm-hmm. putting the index finger out, which is the one percent finger. It is. I didn't notice that at all. We saw that because we watched Powerbomb TV. We were trying to see if we made it onto TV or not, and we did. Um, but, yeah, I certainly hadn't noticed that at all. Like... Are they part of the one percenters? I no. really don't know, but no, but it they definitely really looked like to me. If you just started watching wrestling and you saw the hooligans for the first time, and then you saw yeah. the one percenters, I'm curious what the gated community think about that. But yeah, that's pretty much their symbol for that one. All right, what was your second moment? So Gresham's on the outside, right in front of me. Uh-huh. I didn't even see it coming. Last few times, I backed out the way so they would dive into the floor, not on top of me. Logan, he was just dancing around, and then suddenly he went off the rope. I thought he was going to do a um, a people's elbow or something. It looked like he was going to go for Williams. yeah on hot sauce, yeah. And then he jumped out on Gresham right into me, and I'm glad Gresham's not the biggest of people like Eric Royal or Gunnar Miller. And it, that was fun. It pushed me back a few feet, but it was fun. It did, and we 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 deliberately looked for that clip straight away. And um, yeah, I don't I don't yeah, it came from nowhere. It was totally unexpected, and you were scared in the previous match because yes. Gunnar Miller and Eric Royal are big guys. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, you couldn't even see it was you. You could see the chair, but they sort of blocked you as the yeah, camera. Yeah, you went. were in the way too. And yeah. then I scooted back, and then they just the guys they I stopped them, and then but yeah. All right. What about your third moment? My third moment is the man's villain. He's dancing around. Mm-hmm. He's um, fighting. So we go back to the first ever Nova Pro event, mm-hmm. and there's Money Green. He's the first ever. Pro- he's yeah, I think he's this the one first, first match. Yeah, yeah. Yep. he was the first match, and then he didn't come back. And now I know where he is. He's the masked villain. He looks like it. And I don't and remember. After the so. match, he went and changed, and then a few matches later, I saw him talking with Innocent Isaiah, and that was Money Green. I saw it. And you have a much better memory than me on faces, because I didn't recognize him at all. I, I remember the name, but that was about as much as I could remember. All right, my three moments were... Now, we actually got some uh, a WWE wrestler to follow us both on Twitter. Uh, I think this was Monday night. You have one. Um, Lady Frost followed us on Twitter. Now, she actually featured in a match against Oscar on March the 26th in 2018. Um, she was on the Big Gold Belt podcast, so I was listening to that as well, uh, with the Savage Gentleman. And, um, yeah, so we went back and watched. We missed that match at Sink or Swim. Yeah. So I went back, and actually it said that she was Lady Ellie Fredericks. And the other guy um, was Shane In Your Face. And actually they both changed their name now. So one of them is Lady Frost, and the other one is just the Savage Gentleman. So we've also found out now why. If WWE asks you to change your name, you change your name. That was the response oh. we got. So that was all from them. All right, my second moment was uh, Ricky Shane Page points us out. Uh, my head was pretty much in the whole film up to that point. You could see the top of my head. But this was the first time you could really see us. And he walks straight around the right side of the ring. And he points to us because we we're all wearing the uh, vests uh, for Tim Dunn's match. Now, James, I think you've seen Ricky Shane Page as well, right? I think you told me about this one. I think you said, go watch this match. From be- Is it from Beyond Wrestling? Yeah, no, he's had a... I think the match I told you is a match that is extremely extremely violent we uh, talked about Ricky, it on the, we talked about yeah. it on the episode on sunday okay. you're okay yeah. you can talk about it ricky shane page and uh nick gage yep. in a ten thousand thumbtacks match um I mean, 
that was uh, that was interesting. I was ringside for that, uh-huh. and I was picking thumbtacks out of my shoes for two days. <laughs> no, it was twenty thousand, and actually we found was out it on the twenty. Well, that's what they advertised it as, and we found out on Twitter actually they found a box that they didn't open later after the match, so it was actually nineteen thousand nine hundred. But yes, that was the that was the match that you told us about. Yeah, I did. Let, I did watch let Mason watch that one. Um, I, I'm sure it, it wasn't was, PG, it was but cool, yeah, he enjoyed it. That was your little you treat. You told for me that, that Ricky Shane's um, pages girlfriend kept was picking all the thumbtacks out of him oh i remember yes i remember reading that on twitter That's as well uh, that would have been a good one yeah. to mention actually yeah i saw a picture and it looked like they were coming out it was like his nose was bleeding yeah, but it was like thumbtacks yeah. were coming out it was it was a cool little match that was that was when nick gage pierced his nose with a thumbtack oh i'd forgotten that part yeah he also pierced his ears with thumbtacks <laughs> um which is really funny because i was explaining this to to someone not at that show, but at um, Heavy Lies the Crown, Beyond uh-huh. Wrestling's New Year's show, yeah. Ricky Shane Page came out, and a friend of mine kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, why are his, his arms so scarred up? Uh-huh. And I was like, well, he's a deathmatch wrestler. He yeah. does barbed wire and broken glass and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. And she goes, but he looks so goofy and friendly. <laughs> And I'm just like, well, he can be a nice guy and still be a little bit tapped in the head. Sure. And that was one of the things we commented on that match. He was a good sport. I think that was the phrase that I used. Uh, Because Tim Donst is definitely a gimmick guy. And, um, yeah, he played that role perfectly. So, yeah, he's definitely a versatile wrestler for sure. Now, my last moment was we found out, um, my picture on Twitter is actually the Ugly Ducklings. We found out Rob Kiljoy actually listened to our podcast. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. I didn't know that he listened to it at all. They'd not mentioned it before. So we mentioned a few. I think we had two new wrestlers we found who did listen to it. Yep. So now we definitely have three. And he actually said on Twitter, um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Always appreciative when promotions are put over and when people talk glowingly about the Ugly Ducklings. So that was kind of a cool one for us as well that we added in obviously we didn't know about that at the time when we released it in match four are you smarter than a fourth grader so we actually got a competition we're gonna have a heads up competition this time now i did ask your fellow podcasters which wrestler do you absolutely hate and they were going to try and find out, and I didn't really get a response from them. I know that you don't like Rusev, but I didn't find that out until yesterday, which was way too late. Now, Mason, you know what a hot take is, right? Yeah. All right, now, I had this hot take. Apparently, James thinks that Chris Jericho is better than Shane, uh, better than Shawn Michaels. That's because that, he is. That would be a hot take, right? I agree with him, though. You agree with James? Yeah. All right. Now, I think Chris Jericho is pretty good, but I don't think he's better than Shawn Michaels. So I deliberately looked up, obviously not Chris Jericho. So all the questions are actually based on Shawn Michaels this time. Now, <laughs> now all the also, we talked about we talked about recently, how can we handicap these matches? Because obviously it's not fair. You've only been watching for two years. All our listeners are real insiders. And part of our appeal, I think, is our naivety at some of these things. So I came up with questions where the answers, most of the answers are a number. So we're going to take it in turns. Um, we're going to let James answer first, and then you get to choose, do you want to go higher or lower than his answer, okay? So you don't even have to get the right answer. Now, after that, whoever's behind, I'm going to give you the choice. Do you want to go first, or do you want to go second? If you nail the answer, though, James, that's the end of the question, okay? You get the point straight away, because I think that seems fair, okay? okay? And then once the person's behind, I'm going to read the question, and you can decide, do you want to go first or second afterwards, okay? So we'll see how this goes. All right, so first question. Actually, I guess I should read it, because if you know the answer mason you want to go first right yeah. all right the question is how old is sean michaels he can go all right so he's gonna let you go james how old is sean michaels 48 
48. All right, so the question is, that's not correct. So the question is, you're either got to go um, over or under. I think it's under. You think it's under? His correct age is 52, so oh, I'm afraid wow. you're already one behind then. All right, now you get a choice on this second question. I'll read it and you can decide again. Do you want to go first or second, okay? Uh, according to Wikipedia, how tall is Shane? Uh, sorry, how tall is Sean? I've got to stop saying that. It's because we just had Ricky Shane Page, again. right? You want to go second, second again? All right, so James, he's throwing it to you. How tall is uh, Sean in feet and inches? Five foot eleven. Five foot eleven. I... That's not correct. So you got to decide, Mason, which way. I think he is over. And you're correct. He's actually six foot one. Oh, I. And I was kind of surprised. I thought five eleven would have been a pretty good I was guess. Actually, to guess six foot two. I thought he was under six foot because I'm six two, um, and I thought he was under my height. But I guess when you stood against wrestlers who are typically taller it makes you look kind of small okay yeah. all right now actually i forgot before i start the quiz i meant to mention this um i didn't realize this he was actually raised in a military family and he actually oh. spent a brief part of his early years in reading england i didn't know that oh I didn't so know he that. actually lived in england for a little while all right question three and it's a tie right now so mason you can decide first or second again how old was he when he debuted as Shawn michaels with the national wrestling alliances nwa mid-south wrestling territory I want to go. You can make him guess first if you like, or do you want to go? You want to try? If you first. if you get it, then it's the end of the question straight I away. I want to go like twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Okay. All right, James. Younger. Definitely Lower. younger. Yeah, you went way too high on that one. Nineteen was the actual one for that one. All right, so two on James. All right, fourth question. What year was the Montreal Screw Job with Bret Hart? Mason, you want to go first or second? I think it was nineteen eighty. One? 1981. Okay, James? Can I just give the answer? Sure. 1997. I think you were right um, to go. I had a feeling that you... I thought you both might remember it, because we talked about this recently. It was like the 20th anniversary, only a few months oh. ago. So I thought you might have a chance for that one. All right, so that's a 3-1 lead. All right, next question. How many times has Sean won the world championship? He can go. All right, he's letting you go. Oh, that's a, that's a tough one, actually. That is a tough one, yeah. The world title... It um, split it up into like like they have yeah, the, the WWE, WWE and the heavyweight, so, yeah. but they combine them, just like the Flair has title. sixteen. I don't agree with. Anyways, well, well <laughs> I can get into the Ric Flair thing later. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say six. Okay, Mason. Over. It's not. It's under. I was shocked by that. It's four. For how, and this probably this probably actually um, helps your claim a little bit, actually, that he might be a little overrated. I, I thought it was more than four. I was really surprised. Um, I've lost track of the score, but I know you're up by two, Blade Job. All right, Mason. What, well, you're going to decide. Uh, what year was Shawn Michaels inducted into the Hall of Fame? Uh, he can go. All right, he's passing it over to you. Oh, man. Ah. Uh, yeah. And that's what I'm I thought when I looked say, as well. I wasn't sure. I'm going to say 2012. That is not correct. So, Mason, you got to decide which side. Later. So, as in over? Yes. Uh, no, it was 2011, actually. So, you're, ah. you're three behind right now. So, this is not looking good. And I only have three questions left as well. Oh. All right, next question. The Heartbreak Kid has been in how many matches of the year as awarded by Pro Wrestling Illustrated? He can go. All right, he's passing it over again. I'm noticing a tactic here. I'm going to go with seven. Okay. Mason? Under. I'm afraid that's the end of the match. Then it was eleven. Ten of those matches wow. have been. At, ten of those matches have been at WrestleMania. 
four consecutive matches between 1993 and 1996. And he won the title. And during the dwindling days of his career, this is a quote, uh, between 2004 and 2010, he took part in seven consecutive matches of the year. So perhaps he's not so underrated after all. all WrestleMania right. 25 against The Undertaker. Probably <laughs> one of the best matches of all time. That would probably be one of them. I would agree with that one too. All right. So uh, we've got two questions to go. So we'll see how we can how this finishes up. Um, how much is Sean listed as weighing on Wikipedia? So I don't know if it's his weight today or his average weight when he wrestled. I'm assuming it's today. 262? 262. Now, when we played this as a game with your book, you were really good at this, which is why I threw this in at the end, because I was like, if it's close, you might get a chance to win this thing. So I was stacking the deck a little bit in your favor. And you decided to make a guess. That's an incorrect guess, so I'm going to go, go to James. Under. Uh, it's definitely under. That's the worst guess you've ever had. When we played, he was consistently within like five or ten. It was freaky how close he got. Two, uh, do you want to make a guess? Uh, you obviously won already, but what would you guess for Shawn Michaels? Uh, two, I'm going to say 219. 225. 225. So within <laughs> within 10 pounds, that's pretty good. All right, now, I, I, that was eight questions, so I left the possibility of a tie, and then I had a, a one question that's not a number question, which we could still leave it as a tie. Um, I guess you can just tell me the answer if you know. During the 2015-2016 hockey season, which team of the National Hockey League, uh, sorry, Hockey League, named a line HBK, consisting of Carl Hagelin, Nick Bonino, and Phil Kessel, the HBK line? Lightning. Not the Lightning, nope. Maple Leafs. Nope, and I didn't know it either, and it's the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, so if come it on, had been a tie, that too. If it had what, been a tie... When did Kessel go to the Penguins? How did I miss that? Um, I don't know. I can't give you the answer to that. All I know it was, I read the last part of the sentence that said it was only for that one season because uh, one of them got traded, one of them moved down to the second line, and I don't know what happened to the third one. He might have still been there, but yeah. No, I'm not... Um, I'm, I, I thought I knew some of the Penguins players, but I didn't recognize that line at all. I guess I'm not such... I've been more into hockey since Jackson, actually. I think our first season was 16-17, wasn't it? He's obsessed with hockey. That'll probably be the ho that'll probably be his podcast in the future, the hockey yeah. podcast. Alright. Uh, Phil I... Kessel did his rookie year in Boston. No, he did a rookie couple years in Boston. So, he's... Uh, we miss him. Um, I think the final score, it was either 7-1 to one or it was 6-2. to two. Uh, But yeah, I think we're definitely going to declare James our winner for that round. In match 5, we look at the highlights from Raw, uh, which was in London this week, so from England. Alright, Mason, go ahead. Give us your first of your three points. So, my first, my third moment is B-Team. It's the Miz Taraj, mm -hmm. without the Miz. And I guess um, that's why they had to change yeah, their name. They win, and then they start chanting, B-Team, B-Team. I thought that was really funny. And you like that? Huh. Uh, their shirts were hilarious, too. They just got a white shirt, mm -hmm. and then they in Sharpie, they wrote um, a bubble B. Uh -huh. with, then they colored it in with Sharpie. You know the thing that surprises me? What? I thought you were going to pick that next week. Because I know you always like it when it's the second time that it happens. Cause yeah, because I it. appreciate it more. Because you appreciate it more. But you picked it up on the first week. I'm proud of you. That was good. That was good concentration. All right, number two moment. Um, Roman spears Jinder through a wall. And then Kurt says, keep Jinder here. I'm going to go get a replacement. <laughs> And I kind of like that. I actually had that as my number two moment as well. Um, the wall looked a little flimsy again, which yeah. is the case. But so, I you like... saw the thin little wall. Uh -huh. He got speared through that, and there's another room there. If <laughs> it was a real wall, there wouldn't be... A... And it was enclosed. It was like... 
it was like a janitor's closet, but with white bricks. Now, the thing that I like, and I don't know your opinion on, um, do you like Roman Reigns, James? Uh, no. <laughs> I could, okay. As soon as I heard no. that sigh, you didn't even have to say it. That sigh said it all, I think. No, but there is an asterisk next to that, but... <laughs> You don't have the time to hear that explanation. All right. Now, the thing that I, the reason I picked it, it was actually for me. He's been so. Some of his characters have been so weak recently. I actually like the fact that basically now he's like, I don't care anymore. And he reminded me of his days in the Shield. I liked him in the Shield because he was like, I'm going to do what I want whenever I want. And it kind of went back to that. So that was the reason that I liked it. All right, Mason. Number one moment from you. My number one moment is Kevin Owens has to fight an intercontinental match, loses. Then he gets a money in the bank qualifying match. Sami Zayn steals it for him. He did. And then he has to fight a third match, a tag team match, which he loses. He did. That was for one night. He did. It was three. Now, having mentioned Mick Foley earlier, and this is one we've got to go and watch, I'm told that Mick Foley and James might be, as our expert, might be able to help us, much like we had Matt help us when we didn't know anything. Um, he appeared in a Royal Rumble three times in the oh. same Rumble. He appeared as, and I don't know the order, it was um, Dude Love, and then he got knocked out. Then he came in as Mankind, and then he got knocked out. And then he came in as, and I forgot the order I said, uh, Cactus Jack. Oh. Does that ring any bells with you, James? That is accurate, and it was amazing. Okay. Now, I don't remember the year, but I'm sure we can Google that easily enough, and we can find that. But that's one I definitely want to watch as well. So he did three. Did he win? Uh, no, he didn't. Well, no, he couldn't. Because, oh, I guess his last character could have won, but no, he didn't. He got t knocked out three times. I'm sure that's got to be a record as well, losing three times in one rumble. All right. All right, James, go ahead. Give us your give us your third moment. So I guess my third moment would be uh, it's actually the, the same as, as Mason's. Um, uh, it was just one of the pieces. Kevin Owens uh, winning via interference by uh, by Sami Zayn. Uh -huh. I just like... I love the dynamic between the two of them. You really can tell that these are two guys who have been wrestling together for the better part of 12 years. Sure. You know, if you ever get the chance, it's it's not PG, but go on YouTube and you can find a, a shoot interview with Kevin Owens, and he tells a lot of cool uh, stories about Ring of Honor and CZW and Dragon's Gate wrestling with El Generico, who, as we know, is Sami Zayn. And I, I, I like their dynamic. I mean, the fact that they're back together, and it's the second best thing that's happening on WWE television. And I know CZW is on Powerbomb, because I recognize that name straight away. So I know we can certainly we can certainly look that up. The thing I like with um, Sami Zayn right now is I like the fact that those those reading glasses. I don't know what yeah. it is about that. It oh, looks so. Grandpa Zayn is awesome. It looks so unwrestling like, and I I, I love it. I love those little gimmicks. He, he puts it on with a weird uh -huh. face, and he and then he puts his weird reading face on, and then he and then he reads like he's educated. That, that's one of my favorite things right now. All right, go ahead. Give us your number two moment. So I'm gonna skip to my number one because my number two is a little different. Okay. Um, Number one moment of Raw, it comes as no surprise, week in, week out, six weeks running, Seth Rollins is the best thing to happen to that company, uh -huh. it, since people may crucify me for this because this is divided, he's the best thing since CM Punk. Okay. And his match with Kevin Owens on, on Monday, which was the only full match I got to watch due to a storm that was coming through was a thing of brilliance and a lot of people I think don't really even kind of understand that not only is this just a, an amazing WWE match this is an indie dream match I mean this is Kevin Steen 
and Tyler Black, who were the top two indie guys, which is why they're the top two WWE guys, and at least in my opinion. And and I think they did a lot of fun stuff. They work really, really well together. I mean, Seth Rollins could wrestle a broom, and it would get a five-star from Meltzer. No, probably not. He hates WWE. Whatever. But so so now uh, I want I want to go to my number two. Sure. You don't have to talk me into it. So on Monday, they announced that Ronda Rousey uh-huh. is getting a Raw Women's Championship match against Nia Jax at Money in the Bank. And I've went, I've totally forgotten about this, and I, I I think I was just so appalled by it when I heard it that I didn't even mention it as anything. And I know we talked about this before. It doesn't have to be the top three moments, but it can be like talking points and. Yeah, she hasn't even had a singles match. She's had um, tag team matches. She's been by the, by the side of the ring. Um, that didn't make any sense to me at all. And I'm guessing it didn't make any sense to you either then from your toad. At the, at the end of the day, um, see, now I'm going into the mode I am when we do our show. <laughs> at the end of the day, Ronda Rousey is not going to lose that match. There is no possible way they have her booked to lose in her second match when she's such a high-profile star for them. So come, uh, I don't even know, Money in the Bank, what, five weeks or something like that? Come five weeks from now, Ronda Rousey is women's champion. I don't want her to become the female Brock Lesnar because you can already (laughs) draw parallels to her and Brock Lesnar. They've got a similar background. They're both UFC fighters. You know, they both have part-time schedules. I mean, she at least shows up, though. It's just, it's, it's boggling my mind that we're about to have two champions on Raw who do not defend their championships regularly. Seth Rollins has defended the IC title six times, I think, on television. And he, I would say he threw it open, an open challenge, and he's been sticking yeah. to it so far, and that's one of the reasons I think that we love him, that he's actually doing that. No, he absolutely is. And, and like the match on Monday, you honestly believed that Kevin Owens could beat him. Yep. Because that's just a good matchup. I know that Ronda Rousey's going to beat Nia Jax. Yep. And then who on the roster is going to beat Ronda Rousey? I mean, it's going to go on for months. I mean, now, I all right, Mason, let's chip in on this one because we talked about this in a previous one. We think Rousey's going undefeated until WrestleMania, right? Yeah, so she can have the title. Mm-hmm. And Charlotte or Asuka can have the title. Mm-hmm. And it can be a. It can be a triple threat match, main event for WrestleMania. It could be Charlotte, mm-hmm. Asuka, and Ronda Rousey. No, I don't think it's going to be a triple threat. I think it's going to be one versus one. But I guess and that's something we can we can see. All right. How do you fit off of those stars? We, you can have them in another match. You could, you have, the women, you could also have Oscar versus Sasha. There's a, quite a few possibilities you could have. You don't have to put them all together in I one match. I think it should be a triple threat. All right, well, we're going to see. All right, my three moments. I'm going to be quick since we've already got two people talk. Um, the Kiss of Deletion. It looks like it has a name now. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Matt Hardy, so that looks like the new finishing move. Um, I agreed with you on Roman Spears' gender. And my number one, Elias, live in London. They actually let him sing. I thought it was great. I can't repeat his lyrics because they're definitely not PG, but I thought it was cool that they actually let him sing a whole song uh, because normally he gets like a couple of moments, then he gets interrupted. All right, let's see how we did then. Uh, number 10 moment was Strowman runs through McIntyre, which no one has picked. Uh, nine, Elias plays a song mid-match. Now, I'd forget, I'd, I think I had a slightly different moment to that one. I had mine at the end, because um, Seth Rollins invited him in. But, um, yeah, why would he do that? We said that. Why not just wait to the end? That made no sense. Uh, number eight was the kiss of deletion. Number seven, Sami Zayn gets vertigo. 
Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> it means fear of heights is what it was. Or oh. It means you're kind of like dizzy and stuff like that because he was reading his doctor's note out and all that stuff. Uh, number six, uh, lift taps to Natalia and a six-woman tag team. Number five, glorious DDT on No Way Jose. Four, a stomp by Rollins as he retains against KO. So we at least talked about that match. Uh, number three, Mason, the B team, formerly the Misturage, pick up their first win. And uh, number two, Sami Zayn interferes, um, allowing KO to qualify, which we had. I and, kind of got that. And I was surprised when I actually picked Roman Reigns, Spear, and Jinder. I, I, I picked that as well as my second one. I was surprised, though, because normally, we've talked about this before, if you pick the last thing that happens... That's normally the number one moment. And this was fairly early in the show, actually. So I picked it, and I'm thinking, there's no way it's going to be that high. And actually, it was. All right, match six, tweet of the week. Um, this one's actually from at History of Rest, and that's with a W, so it's like History of Pro Wrestling, uh, from May the 13th. Um, 1930s match, and I showed you this one, Mason, as well. A wrestler versus a lion. Um, I've never seen anything as crazy as that. I know some of the olden days things, it's like, whoa, you wouldn't do that, it's not safe now. Um, that's the least safe thing I've ever seen. Do um, you want to talk about it a little bit? Didn't you say um, during the movies before um, there's a line roaring and somebody got bit? Um, worse than that, they got killed. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I could remember. I want to say MGM off the top of my head. The one where you see the lion roar at the start. Rah! And um, yeah, they didn't put it in a cage or anything. And it just went loose, of course, and attacked somebody. They did that. and Pretty much. You're wrestling a lion? And he was hitting it on the head as well. Yeah. I thought it was absolutely insane. He even picked him up. He, he did. I thought it was absolutely crazy. So uh, any insight on that one, James? So it's it's actually kind of funny. A lot of people don't think about the fact that pro wrestling has been around for over a hundred years. Sure. I mean, pro wrestling is 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 a very very old form of entertainment. Yep. It got its start as a carnival sideshow. Yeah. These these were freaks. I mean, they were they were you know not to use the derogatory term freaks, but uh -huh. you know they were sideshow freaks yep. and they would. They would wrestle each other, and everyone thought it was real until probably the 70s. Fairly recently, um, yeah. And you saw things like that a lot. You saw wrestlers wrestle bears. You saw wrestlers wrestle lions. You saw people do very stupid things. But at the same time, you know, kayfabe was it. It was all there was. Um, I've heard a lot of stories that are, you know, a little unfortunate not to bring things down. Uh, a lot of these lions and bears were declawed sure. and yep. made to be safe, which is kind of gruesome at the end of the day. But at the same time, they still got teeth. Sure. They still kill you. They, you uh, absolutely. Now, the one I saw, because we watched the J.J. Dillon podcast, uh, sorry, listened to the J.J. Dillon podcast, and I heard him talk about him fighting with a bear. And actually, on that same uh, Twitter feed that I just talked about, the history of rest, um, they actually showed you a bear, and I actually watched that match, and I actually asked them, is that, I wonder if that's, I asked J.J., is that the same one? And I haven't had a response yet, but somebody said it's quite possible. And they actually did put a muzzle on him for that one, so he couldn't actually bite you or anything. But yeah, there's some crazy things. And yeah, you just brought back a memory from when I was under your age, Mason. Uh, we used to go to a carnival in Nottingham, England, and they used to have the wrestling ring set up, and I think it was more of a, bo it might have been boxing, actually, and yeah, they would give you like $100 or £100 if you could manage three minutes with the champion. So, yeah, it's definitely a carnival just show. just stay out the ring. No, you've got to be in the oh. ring. You've got to be in the ring. I guess if he knocks you out or something, or if you get knocked out of the ring or something. £100? So, I would do that. Uh, you'd lose. If you don't make it, you don't win the 100 okay? So if you get knocked out, then you don't make it. But, yeah, I'd forgotten about it. I'd totally forgotten about things like that. But, yeah, definitely something you would see at the carnivals. 
All right, uh, match seven. This is, I think this is match seven. I've lost track. All right. Yeah, match seven. Because I misnamed them, didn't I? All right, match seven. This is uh, SmackDown, which is also from London and from the O2 Arena. I'm not sure. I think Mad Attack might have actually gone to this one. I'm not sure. We'll have to check with him later. All right, Mason. Three moments. Give us your number three moment. My number three moment is um, Daniel Bryan and Big Cass are both in the ring. Mm -hmm. Daniel Bryan grabs um, Big Cass's leg and he... And he's on near the post, uh -huh. and he slam and he runs and slams Big Cass's knee mm -hmm. into the post. He definitely went for his injury, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, and then yep. he rolled him back in the ring, and then he gave him a chop block, and mm -hmm. then he put him in a heel hook. Uh huh. Yep. And he's just straight on that knee. And amazingly, all the refs came straight out, tried to break it up, which doesn't normally happen. And now we've got the cat scratching in the background. We've got some little sound effects there. Uh, yeah, no, that's, um, yeah, that's exactly, I'm surprised. Like, you wouldn't think it would need six referees to break Daniel Bryan up. We had the general manager being beaten up on SmackDown only two or three months ago, and nobody came out at all. And, uh, yeah, so an interesting little dynamic for that one. All right, go ahead, give us your number two moment. My number two moment is Shinsuke... So, let's back up. AJ, he's doing a phenomenal forearm. Mm -hmm. The ref's right behind Shinsuke. Shinsuke ducks out the way, and AJ almost hit the ref. Yep. And the ref is tending. He's, like, down, putting mm -hmm. his head up. And then AJ's checking on him. And then Shinsuke, he pretend he's, like... He's, like, making the face light and holding his private, like... Like, he got a AJ, low blow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the ref talked, said to AJ, you gave him a low blow? And then Shinsuke stopped the act and punched him in the face. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, he finished that one off. And I think that was part of one of your uh, one of your top three moments as well, right, James? Yes. No, I, I'm a... I mean, I'm an AJ, Shinsuke, Mark, all the way. I, I love them. I haven't been overly thrilled with their matches recently, but I see that they're building up to something. What I don't like, and I just want to back in my day for a second, <laughs> what I don't like about this whole situation is they finished that match, and now Shinsuke gets to name the stipulation. Uh -huh. So what they've been doing recently have been the person wins the match, Renee Young magically appears out of nowhere with a microphone and says, Great job, Shinsuke. You won the match. What's your stipulation going to be? Uh -huh. And then the person says, hell in a cell. And everyone goes, all right, whatever. I, I miss the good old days where someone wins that match, goes on a rampage, just beats the, the heck out of the person. Oh, that was grabs, good. That was good. Were you impressed yeah, with that, Mason? Did yeah, you notice that? Look. That was good. That was good. Keep going. Grabs the microphone and then says, you know what? You and me, money in the bank, last man standing. And, and it just, it feels so much more aggressive and important, like it's a, a real feud. But now they're going to, you know, maybe next week, maybe the week after, maybe the week after. I, I just think they, they had a great opportunity for Shinsuke to go full heel, announce uh -huh. the match, beat up AJ, and then they can move on and then build it from there. Now, the one thing I did like about this, if it wasn't my top three moments, was I did actually like the fact that it was the fake low blow. Because I've been so tired of that low blow, and he could have easily done that. I actually liked that they twisted it around. I didn't imagine a fake low blow. So that yeah. threw something in that I wasn't expecting. So that's the first good thing I've had to say about some of those in a long time. All right, Mason, go ahead. Number one moment. My number one moment is... It's time for the Royal Melibration. And of course, we're in England, so that made sense. It was the I like that Melibration. I think that's very clever if she came up.
came up with that. And I've heard she's very smart, so she yeah. probably did come up with that name as she well. She came up with the James Ellsworth thing. Uh, yeah, she did, yep. And so an Englishman comes out and rings a bell. and The then, town, the town yeah. crier, yep. And then he says, Carmella, and he says, the women who beat Charlotte Flair twice... <laughs> And then the beef eater comes. Beef eaters come out, uh-huh. and then she comes out with the English music, and then her music. It was very stereotypical England. In case you hadn't realized, it was in London. They wanted to make sure they got the British flag in the background, and uh, yeah, they had all the stereotypical things that were there. I'm just surprised they didn't have a businessman with an umbrella as well, uh, using it as a walking stick, and um, probably drinking a cup of tea at the same time. But yeah, all right, James, let's go to some of your moments then as well. I think one of them we already talked about because it was Nakamura, but I think you still got two more, right? Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, so first, just because I know I'm going to get heat with you and Mason, uh, <laughs> the New Day um, qualifying one of them, I believe that was the storyline they were going with, one of them is now qualified for Money in the Bank. Yes. Now, I'm hoping it's Xavier Woods for the fact that he is the unsung underdog of the New Day, because if you notice, he's very rarely in the matches. Yes. He's usually just outside with his trombone. I'm a big Woods fan. I don't know if you've ever watched his uh, his stuff. He used to, when he was in TNA, he was a tag team with R-Truth. We're looking and at each other right now going, what? No, we didn't know about yeah. that at all. No. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was our truth and and uh, what was his name in TNA Consequences Creed or something like that. Okay, it was super entertaining stuff. I'm a big fan of his. Um, obviously, I'm a big gamer as well, and uh-huh. he runs Up Up Down Down, and it's really cool to to hear Samoa Joe or AJ Styles talk about video games. So huh. to me, that's really entertaining. Huh. Um, my other one. Now, I'm going to jump in before you said that. Yeah. Now, we're both Mason and I are both looking at the screen, and I normally share my moments with him, and I actually scrolled deliberately so he can't read my moments. So we talked about a hot take earlier, and Mason's going to verify that I'm not making this up right now. My okay. third moment, I'm actually starting to like The New Day, and Xavier oh. Woods in particular, right? You can see what that says right yeah. there. Um, I've been impressed the last few weeks, actually. It was like, whoa, he's really acrobatic. I thought he was the weak link in that organization. Oh, and the last oh, few no. weeks, i actually been like, no, this guy is the star of that group. And um, thankfully, I can skip through all the trombones and the stupid stuff like that. Um, but no, I'm actually starting to like, once they get into the ring... I'm actually starting to enjoy watching some of the New Day matches. You never thought you'd hear me say that one, did you? I know I stayed quiet there, laid it into it. But no, I've actually been impressed as well. All right, go ahead. I'm gonna so let I, you... Wait, I hope that they <laughs> um, that the New Day for the Money in the Bank. I thought I hope they throw a pancake in the ring, and that's their that's their that's who they're choosing for the Money in the Bank, so they have no chance of winning. Okay, <laughs> all right. You don't like the New Day. We got it. But I, I was I know you weren't expecting that. So the the one thing I have to say, and I'm going to word this as carefully as possible okay with the situation that arose uh regarding page about six months ago uh-huh. the most if, if you don't know what it is then you don't need to know what it is if you do know what i'm talking about then the biggest worry i had was xavier woods was going to be leaving the wwe because after certain footage leaked to the internet he was kept off tv for a while and it was that's what worried me the most because I, I I agree with you and I've said it from the beginning that he is that unsung hero he is the best part of the new day I love Kofi uh-huh. Kofi's 
getting up there. Kofi's been around for a long time. We had a question about um, ages uh, recently, and I gave Mason, I had to say who the oldest one was, and I went with New Day, and I know Kofi's over five years older than the other two. I remember that, which really surprised yes. me. I thought Big E was the oldest one, so I was totally wrong. Big E's pretty young. He's, uh, I, I think, think they, the other two the were, I think the other two were 30, and I think he, I think uh, Kofi's 35 from what I can remember. Um, they, they make fun of him a lot if you watch like the ride-alongs with them or uh, any of the behind-the-scenes stuff with them. They tend to, you know, Kofi's like the grandpa, and they tend to kind of rib on him a little bit for being older. Uh-huh. You know, because Kofi got his start, actually, uh, from from where I'm from in a promotion called Chaotic Wrestling. Uh-huh. He trained up in North Andover at uh, New, England Professional, New England Academy of Professional Wrestling. So he's kind of a local guy. For me, it, which is really weird because he's not from here, but that's my segue <laughs> into the uh, Melibration. I thought that segment was it was it, it, it was just the perfect amount of offensive to English people, <laughs> and I thought they really skirted that line really well without her just coming out, you know, and being completely over the top. Uh-huh. But. It, interesting thing so she is billed as the princess of staten island yes and she's totally not i think she's she from boston from worcester. oh she's, she's from, from worcester. worcester i knew she was she's massachusetts because she wanted to yep. go with that side but they said no sasha's sasha's got massachusetts locked up so you got to pretend to be something else so she became new york so i remember hearing that on i think lillian garcia i think yeah, I heard that. It was yeah She's also, in the, in the thing you talked about, like, Carmella being very smart, I'm not a huge fan of Carmella just because I think she's still very green in her in-ring performance, uh-huh. but she went to UMass Dartmouth. I mean, that's not a school you go to if you're just, you know, some pretty girl skirting by on your looks. Uh-huh. You know, that's big university, you know, that's what her degree was in, but I feel like it was like uh, sports medicine or something similar to that. Uh-huh. She's a smart woman, and I really do hope she does well. I still don't think she should have beat Charlotte. And I would probably agree as well, but we did know Charlotte had surgery, so I wonder if that was part of it, which we didn't know at the time. So I'm wondering about that. But no, I've heard that she's smart as well. Now, as we talked about the fine line of offensive, um, I'm going to go. jump in because my number one moment was um, she said, you're not quite following me here. She said, I'm better than you, I'm better than you, I'm better than Charlotte, I'm better than us. And everybody. And then she said, she said to one guy, she said, You're not quite following here. Let me speak your language. And then in her best British accent, she went, I'm better than you. So I wanted to see, Mason, you are British, technically. I wanted to see how good we could do our stereotypical British accents. And I'm losing mine as well, anyway, so mine probably wasn't that good either. All right, Mason, go on then. I'm better than you. Go on, give your best best British accent for us. I'm better than you. Oh, okay, that's all right. James, you got a fake British accent at all there? I tried to warn you ahead of time. I even posted on Twitter. I said, you make sure as it's from London, you've got your fake British accent ready for us. I'm better than you. Oh, now, the look Mason gave me there said, that was good. We, we, I don't think either of us thought that was going to be as good as that, did we? And I'm going to get rid of my last moment, because I think we're already back for the next segment. Um, number two for me was, Becky won something. I was like, whoa. Shocked. Yeah. She des- she definitely de- she deserves a much bigger push than she's been getting. Um, I know they let her win the SmackDown title to begin with, and then once they took it away from her, nothing. She loses all the time, and it was nice to see her win in a situation where I didn't think she was going to win either, because she was in a, a basically 
basically a handicap match for all intents and purposes. So that was uh, good to see that. All right, so the top 10 moments were Xavier Woods over the top rope to nail Sheamus. Number nine, Samoa Joe promo saying that he's not worried about Big Cass. Now, I like the Samoa Joe promos. I wasn't impressed with this one at all. It seemed kind of dire to me, but anyway. Uh, number eight, I'm better than you. That was Mella. And the whole of the Mellibration as well, but it was it, it, that was the moment that I picked out. Uh, number seven, phenomenal forearm from inside the ring to outside the ring. Normally, it's from the apron and then into the ring, so that was kind of a little different. Uh, number six, nobody picked this. I thought one of us might pick Sienna Elmas winning on his debut, but uh, I was excited by it last week, and then I just didn't care this week. Uh, number five, Mellas to face Oscar at Money in the Bank, so that's an interesting little twist on that. Uh, number four, Becky Lynch is in Money in the Bank with that disarmor. I wonder if they're going to let her win Money in the Bank, or are they going to take it away from her at the last minute? Uh, three, Spear by Big E on Sheamus, and then Xavier Woods gets the pin on Cesaro. Uh, number two, Daniel Bryan goes after Big Cass and gets him in a submission move. I think you both had that on your list. And uh, number one, feigns a low blow and then delivers a reverse exploder and a Kinshasa to beat Nakamura. And I know you both had talked about that one as well. Don't feel so proud, Mason. It was the last match. Obviously, that was going to be the number one moment. But it was a good moment. It was a good moment. All right, I'll give you that one. All right, and match eight, podcast of the week. Now, I'm going to go for it, and I'm not sure if I had this one before. I think I did. Um, Behind the Gorilla podcast, episode 13. And they said, they said, this is straight from their Twitter feed. Our season finale is here. This time, we both choose one of our favorite moments in wrestling to talk about. For Mark, it's Jeff Hardy versus CM Punk from 2009. And for Harris, it's the rise of Bailey. Now, I haven't listened to this podcast yet. I've listened to half of this podcast because I've been really busy this week. So you're kind of wondering, why am I picking this? So I asked the guys, I was like, season finale, I was like, I hope the hiatus is not too long. I hope you're not having a break for too long. Uh, and they put, unfortunately, it's going to be indefinitely. We are both finished with school and have taken jobs in different states so we'll not be able to connect continue for the time being hopefully we'll be able to record something in the future now i've lost a couple of podcasts recently that i really like i've been a big fan of behind the gorilla since episode one i've tried to retweet them whenever possible uh, she hates wrestling disappeared as well um, it's kind of a shame. So, James, I, I think it's a real shame. I can't think of any way that, um, I'm, if you're in different states, how you could possibly do a podcast, right? I, I just, I got no I ideas at all. It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, there's no possible way. Uh, I mean, you're, there's no way that you're in Virginia. Absolutely. In Massachusetts right now. There's so, no yeah. And now I feel bad because, obviously, new jobs, graduating, a lot of life changes. I can understand that. But come on, guys! You guys got a great product. You can you can do it. Your fans need you, man. And for ones like this, and I understand it takes a lot of research to do things like the ones they do, and they got to watch the matches, they got to find out the facts. But you don't have to do it every week. But yeah, I, the different states thing, I was a little disappointed in that. I didn't share that with them, but yeah, I understand the finishing with school and new jobs thing can be kind of busy. But yeah, um, I think Skype. I think that's my one word solution to that one. All right, Mason, go ahead, give us yours. Uh, mine is the Dullcast episode one. And it's, what is the Dullcast? It's P. Williams, his um, partner. For, Dennis Farrell. Yeah, Dennis Farrell and James Ellsworth. Uh-huh. They did their first episode together. Um, oh, God. Dennis Farrell. He already does a podcast with P.D. Williams. He's a very pro at it. He's really good at it. Mm-hmm. And James, I think he's only done, like, one episode, a few episodes with... Um, 
Dennis? D- yeah, Dennis and Pete. They're on about episode four right Peter. now, and you probably don't know this, but they're on StarCast as well. StarCast? Um, StarCast is, I believe, and you can kick in here if I'm getting this totally wrong, James. Um, I believe StarCast is the, the they're having like basically a podcast get-together before the All-In competition. Uh, the All-In, the ones in the scenes in Chicago with Cody. Uh, that's as far as I know. And I'm, I'm still waiting, but I don't think we made it, Mason, but I don't think we applied either, so I think that would probably wouldn't be very good. But definitely congratulations to somebody who you mentioned earlier, James, and uh, somebody who we're a big fan of. I don't think I told you this. Uh, Kelsey and Two-Faced Pod are actually going to be there. Oh. It was like, whoa, that, that's amazing. I thought that was really cool. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be there with people we talked about earlier, Eric Bischoff, people like that. So there's some really big names that they're going to be there with. Barrow the dog is going to be there. <laughs> Which is Cody Rhodes' dog. I mean, you, you don't Kelsey get any bigger than that. As, as as Pharaoh, like you don't understand how over Cody Rhodes' dog. I think Cody Rhodes' dog is more over than Cody Rhodes. I just want to point that out. <laughs> So when we met K9 Magnum this week, we, we thought we'd met the epitome of wrestling dogs, but I guess we didn't actually. So they have a wrestling dog, uh, Solo Darlin's dog actually has a Twitter feed as well. So we actually yes. got we got his autograph. So, so I guess that wasn't as so we got we got to aim higher. Then we got to try and get Cody's dog now. Real real quick about that. So I am not a huge Chikara fan. I mean, not that I'm not a fan. I just don't go out of my way to watch Chikara matches just because i have too many subscription services as is now officer magnum has i've known officer magnum for almost a year now because solo is a mainstay of beyond wrestling and women's wrestling revolution and magnum always comes with her Uh so i you know kneel down give him a pet or whatever i had no idea he was a wrestling superstar And he followed me on Twitter the other day, and it made just everything so much better. Oh, how can now? So, what did you do that got him to follow you? Is it just one of those random follows? Because we, I'm gonna say, we got there, we retweeted him, and everything. We tagged him. I think we tagged him in our Nova Pro release as well. And as far as I know, I haven't been followed. Well, so I, I I mean, I I broke the rules a little bit. I, I commented on a picture. Uh, that he was in, and I used his shoot name, uh, so I, I think maybe that was a little like, all right, this guy's in the know, he's cool. Um, honestly, good dog, real good dog. Yeah, yeah, we we missed it the first time because we collect autographs now, and then when we saw that there was a, an autograph, a wrestling dog that does autographs, and we're like, we'd already spent way too much money, so we're like, ah, never mind. But yeah, we we got it on Sunday, so that was good. All right, James. Now we we're going to let you promote rather than give you our pod rather than you give us your podcast of the week. We would like you to promote your podcast. Um, I think I'm going to make it clear in case it's not already been said earlier. This is definitely not one for Mason. This is definitely not for the younger fans. Um, this is the opposite of PG, but certainly for the for the dads and the moms that listen. Um, go ahead, promote your podcast yeah. away. Everyone, go check out Snackmasters Inc. You can follow them on Twitter at Snackmasters Inc. They're a podcast about snack foods, and they're way better than my podcast that I'm about to promote. <laughs> but I decided I wanted to give someone else other than me a shout out. Um, I, I'm not even kidding. These these guys do a podcast where they try different snacks and then they review them on their podcast, and it's amazing. Now I'm um, wondering if I don't think it's the same one. We have one at Nova Pro called the Is it the Snack Society, Mason? Yeah. And they have a YouTube one. So I wonder if they're like. I wonder if they're like rivals or something, but yeah, they were talking about different Oreos. They have like cherry cola Oreos they were talking about recently. So I don't know if it's the same group. I don't know if they have a podcast as well as a YouTube thing, or if it's just just coincidence that I'm sure more than I'm thinking in the I'm thinking in a 
America, it's more than possible there's two people that like snacks. So it could just be something totally different. It could be. It could be. These these, these folks are actually based in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Which I had no idea. This is just someone I kind of stumbled across. Um, so I'm trying to make a connection so I can be on their show <laughs> so I can eat food. Free I've food. Had carbs in two weeks and I'm losing it. <laughs> so, oh, oh, I'm stepping on my course. But... If, if people weren't paying attention earlier, I host The Blade Job, and with my, my fantastic co-host, uh, Scott, I'm sorry, he will kill me, High Voltage Scott Perkins, uh-huh. and Tommy Collins, and, you know, we're about 24 episodes in, we've had a lot of fun doing it, and I highly recommend everyone go over and check out our YouTube page, uh, where we post our podcast, or you can find our podcast Wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. I feel like I do this every week, and I'm going to do it twice this week. Follow us on Twitter at the Blade Job Show. You can follow Scott at High Voltage 1987, and you can follow Tommy Collins at Blade Job Collins. And I'm going to so, make sure that we include that in the program notes as well, just to make sure, because I'm going to say I can't take notes on things like that, but I'll make sure we include that in the program notes so everybody knows where to look and find you. So and and like like Graham was saying, our podcast is not family friendly unless you let your children watch Terminator when they're like ten, like my parents did. It's not. I, we we do use some vulgar language. We are not a news show. I actually feel like I need to stress this now. We are not breaking news. We're not really a review show either. Uh, we've been called. I think it was kitchen talk for pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> we, I yeah, uh, uh, something Melissa coined a couple months ago. Um, shout out to Melissa, what's up? And we just talk about pro wrestling. We share our experiences. We, man, it's really hard to do this PG. We just <laughs> complain, you know. We we try to have fun. I've always said I don't want to be Dave Meltzer. I don't want to be you know Bruce Prichard. Uh-huh. I want to be the Howard Stern of pro wrestling. And you, you know? do a fantastic job of that. So make sure you check oh, out those you. guys. Now, I was going to ask then, because uh, Melissa did make some comment on Twitter today um, about her toddler. Now, I don't think I can use that word on this podcast, so I'm kind of curious. Oh, no, no. Does um, does he listen then? Does it, or, or she? I'm not even sure if it's he or she. Does he or she listen on YouTube, perhaps? I think she's a YouTube listener. Yes, I believe she is. Does the toddler listen, do you know? Would, would that be, have you corrupted a toddler already, or is that just coincidence? I mean, I've corrupted plenty of toddlers. <laughs> I don't know if I've corrupted hers in particular, but, you know, I, I this is, I want to say, this is the longest I've ever gone, uh, you know, speaking to someone <laughs> under the age of 16 that I haven't slipped up. I'm, I'm actually really proud of myself. Oh, I, I'm very proud of you as well. And this is this is how little confidence we had. Um, in the Twitter, I actually asked the guys, "Can you please email me the uh, the wrestling bell?" Because I'm sure I'm going to need it for this episode. So, no, you did fantastic. And I think rather than jinx it now, since you've said that, I think this is where we should bring in a, an end to the episode. So, we want to thank you, James, for appearing on our show. And we're very excited for the future episode when Mason can come and join your show and he can just say whatever he likes when Dad's not around. He's going to sw- also- swear like a trooper you almost just made me swear twice okay so pulling back the curtain on this that you cut me off (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to say graham thank you very much for having me 
and that Mason, thank you so much for what you're doing. You're you're the next generation of podcasters, and I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. And the fact that just a short few months ago, you were just thinking about doing this, and you have stuck with it is really admirable. I'm the kind of person, I'm 32, and I can't keep my attention for more than a week half the time. <laughs> and you've done this for, how many weeks are you in? How many um, months are we you actually, in? well, he proposed it on um, Valentine's Day. So it was February 14th, and ridiculously, uh, that was a Wednesday, I think. We recorded our first episode on the Sunday, because we went to Nova Pro on that Friday. And he said, we talked about not just doing a wrestling podcast, and we wanted to do Nova Pro as well. I'm like, that's two days away. So we kind of took notes, and then, yeah, we recorded, I think we practiced on the Saturday. Yeah, we- which we've never done. This is, we have no idea what we're going on. Basically, just to figure out how to use Audacity and things like that. And then we record on the Sunday. So I think, um, let me work that out. Let me do the math here for a second, Mason. Uh, that would have been the 18th. So, yeah, it's coming up three months. Um, in fact, actually, when this gets released, uh, that'll be actually be our three-month anniversary. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, that's I'm, fantastic. Yeah, um, I haven't listened to episode one since, but I did listen to one of our more recent ones. Uh, Matt Attack said it was our best episode, and I actually feel I think we're a lot more confident than what we used to be. But yeah, it's become routine, I guess. I, it, once we figured out, it's not a big deal. I think that first week, I was scared when I when I messaged you guys on Twitter. I'm like, how the heck am I? How the heck am I going to do this? I got no idea. And then once I realized, it's like, oh, I'm just talking to Mason again. It's just I just have some equipment that's on and recording it. This time and once i realized that i calmed down a lot and yeah it definitely made a difference but no we appreciate those kind words for sure no anytime guys you know i've said it since day one because i like to i like to think that i'm you know i'm fan number one i was there at the beginning you were you were twitter i think you're twitter follower number two i I got in number one because obviously i set up the account and i followed immediately but i think you're number two yeah there yep If you, like I said, if you guys ever need anything, you know, never, ever hesitate to ask. And you know what? Maybe one of these days we can do a PG-esque episode. We'd love to have you guys on the show. That would be seriously cool. Mason's got a See, massive smile on his face already. At the, now just it's recorded, so I can't back out. <laughs> See, that's what I like to do. I like to say things on the air, so then I can't back out later. Yep, we got we got it recorded. All right, he, he certainly likes the idea of that. That would be fun. We got to try. We tried. He did listen to one of your episodes because you you gave us a big plug. Um, it was about five minutes, and because you told me, you said it like, like minute fifty four, and I listened to the whole thing anyway, so it didn't make any difference. And um, you even gave the warning. You were like, "All right, from here on in, guys, it's got to be PG." And less than thirty seconds later, you swore immediately <laughs> twice. Not you, actually. It was your co-host who swore. It was Tom. Tom yeah. said the f word <laughs> twice. He did. And <laughs> Uh, it was classic, and then said so. It was like a restart. Like I don't know, from now on, there's no more swearing. And then that's when I let Mason listen. And you did have to use the you did have to use the wrestling bell. And that's by yeah. far my favorite moment of all your shows so far. That that five minutes was comedy gold. Listening to you guys tripping over each other, trying not to swear, and not even making it. But yeah, you did phenomenal. I was saying we've been going for about two hours here. I don't know what it's going to be when we edit it down, but yeah. Oof. Managed it perfectly. All right, I think we better leave it there because I got to edit this because tonight he's got tomorrow he's got a baseball game so we got to get this stuff out. We got deadlines as well, so I think that's where we end it right there. Yeah. All right, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at MGB Wrestling Pod. Good. Bad. Hi, my name is.
Miss Jackson. You're listening to the, the 205-year-old live podcast. All right, so, Jackson, it's your first episode since you're five years old, and you really wanted a special guest. I know we've talked about it a lot. You're a big fan of Trash Can, right? He always makes you... Oh, you've gone super quiet now. He always makes you smile whenever you hear his name, so I knew this would be your number one choice for a guest. And um, we do. We got Trashcan with us. How's it going, Trashcan? I thought Trashcan had more to say than that. Oh, he needs a little moment. He needs a moment, right? Uh, oh, sorry. We're having some technical difficulties. Okay. Uh, you may have just lost video. Uh-oh. Um, and I can't but, see uh, him right can, now. That's okay. We'll be able to continue going. That's okay. We can still hear you, so that's the important part. We can see you. Let's just uh, shift around for a second. Here we go. Trash can, you doing good? You doing good, Trash can? You all right over there? All right, perfect. I think we're good to go. There we go. Did you hear that one? Yeah, he said a large piece of cake. Did you have a large piece of cake on your birthday? Alright, so first of all, we want to know Trash Can a little bit better, right? Because you asked me lots of questions, and I said, I said, I don't really know. All I know is Trash Can is on the Blade Job Show, and that was it, okay? I wrestling. that means? It means they put the trash in them. Are you a real trash can? I am a real trash can. Like Pinocchio was a puppet. Some days I wish I was a person. But other days it is fun to sit on a street corner and startle the morning joggers with a surprise rattle. You know who Pinocchio is, right? Yeah, we talked about that the other day. Why are you Chad Chaskin? It's another long answer. Favorite 
you have lots of favorite wrestlers, right? That is a really tough question. There are a lot of very talented wrestlers out there. I would say it's a tie between Josh Briggs and Jordan Brace. They both give an awesome performance every time they are in the ring. And they keep getting better and better every time I see them. For WWE performers, I am a huge fan of Dolph Ziggler. Although Ricochet is absolutely amazing and is quickly rising to the top of my favorites list. Did you recognize any of those wrestlers' names? Who did you recognize, Jackson? Did you recognize Ricochet? Because you like Ricochet. You saw him for the first time this week, didn't you? And you recognize Jordan Grace as well? All right, next question, Jay. Um, what's your favorite food, Trash Can? No question about it. It's pizza. There are so many different topping combinations and crust styles. I don't think I will ever get tired of it. Do you like pizza too? Yeah. I thought so. So you and Trash can share the same food, probably. All right, there was one extra question from Mason, so I might as well just read this myself. Um, Mason wants to know, do you know Oscar the Grouch? I don't know Oscar the Grouch personally, but I am familiar with him. He seems to be very messy, and I prefer to keep myself clean. Um, he looks in a trash can. He does. Do you think that's why Mason asked that question? Yeah. I think so. I think that was a good question that Mason asked. Do you know anybody else who lives in a trash can? Um, I don't know. I don't know either. I think Oscar the Grouch was a good one to ask then, right? Alright, so it's uh, this is the episode from... February, I'm trying to work backwards, Jay, February 26th, okay? And two matches this week, and the first match was a qualifying match to see who, first round match, to see who's going to face Buddy Murphy at WrestleMania. All right, who was in match one? Tony Nese! Okay, and who was Tony Nese facing? Lucha House Party! Who from the Lucha House Party? Don't shout, though. I don't know. Callisto. Okay, so what do you, we just had to rewatch this match because you've forgotten what happened. So we watched the ending, okay? So I guess first of all, then who won? Tony Nice. Tony Nice won. How did Tony Nice win? Pinfall. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, he pinned him. One, two, three. Um, yep. Any moments you remember from this match? Um, did he um, did a 450 and missed? He did. Tony Nice did a 450 and missed, yeah. And then what happened straight after that? Can you remember? Kalisto did a 450 and landed it, and it looked like he was going to get a pin, but... Put his foot on the rope. Yeah, he did. He put his foot on the rope, so that broke up the count, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. Um, you He's remember... about to do a three, but he didn't. He was. The ref said two and a half, didn't you? Because you wanted to know why he said yeah. two and a half. It was a little longer than two, but it wasn't quite three seconds, okay? Do you know what led to Tony Nese getting the pin? No. He actually did, and I thought this was clever. He did like a, a running knee, except he called it a running niece because it was Tony niece. I thought that was pretty clever. I like that one. And um, who was watching this match? Buddy! And you told me that they were actually friends, and I actually missed that part. I think I was doing something on my computer, but you were paying good attention to that. Yeah. In fact, actually, after he won, he got somebody to come in, and they wanted him to clap, didn't they? They wanted him to clap. Okay, anything else in this match that you liked? Yeah. 
All right, Trashcan, let's move on to 205 Live. I know you had a few things that you... I know you watched this. What do you think of the first match, Trashcan? Remember that part of the match? Yeah. Okay. I remember when he missed on the 450. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talked about that as well. That was part of your thing as well. Trash Kid, what do you like in the promos? Think Mike Canellis is going to face next week? Any ideas, Jackson? You think of any two or five wrestlers he might face? Yeah, buddy. A buddy? Whoa, that'd be a pretty big match. <laughs> All right, so we just watched the second match between. Juju like and the the Brian Kendrick. And I said it was Brian Kendrick, and you just corrected me, didn't you? You're right, it's the Brian Kendrick. All right, and this was a first-round match to see who gets to face Buddy Murphy at WrestleMania. All right, what you got for this match then, Jackson? Um, Any good moves in this that you liked? No. <laughs> there were no good moves? Did you like the match at all? No. You didn't like anything in this match? I only liked that You only liked that he won? You did say you wanted him to win, and you asked me, and I said Drew Gulak as well. I thought his moves were getting a lot better. I thought this was a really good match, actually. Um, I'm really impressed with Drew's uh, technical maneuvers now. Um, I think he's a much better technical wrestler than I realized. Um, different one for you this time, then, Jackson. Yeah. How did he win? By a move. By a move? Yeah. Okay, what happened, though? He walked, and then the ref decided that it was over, and he won. He did, yeah. That's the first time we've had that. Normally, I ask you every time, and you say pinfall, and it's been a pinfall pretty much every time. Yeah, the ref had to stop the match. Why did the ref have to stop it, though? I don't know. Um, he actually looked like he'd passed out. He lifted his arm up, and it just dropped to the floor, didn't it? So he'd passed out, so he couldn't physically tap, so the, the ref stopped that one. And that means uh, Drew Gulak goes on to the next round. Now, after the matches had finished, we did see who was going to be in the matches next week in the first round. Yeah. Can you remember any of those matches? Now, there was one person you thought there was Aiden English, and I have to admit, I'd never seen that person before. And I'm trying to remember who he's actually against, and I can't remember that either. Yeah, I got so distracted by the other... Oh, Umberto Carrillo. Umberto Carrillo's going to face him. Oh, we saw Umberto as well. Yeah. Who was he talking to in the promo earlier in the show? Because somebody was showing him some video, and he said, Hey, watch Drew Gulak's match, and you'll see a real masterclass. And it was Gentleman Jack. Yeah. And the second match for next week looks really good. Can you remember who's in that one? No. Nobody? Were you even watching this with me? Yeah. Cedric Alexander and Tazawa. 
I think that looks pretty good. All right, so I guess we should do predictions right now then, Jay. So, Umberto Carrillo or the guy who looked like Aiden English? The guy who looks like it. The guy who looks like Aiden English, okay? And what about for the second one then? Um, you're going for... Oh, gosh, I forgot who it Cedric. is now. Cedric. Oh, you're going for Cedric. Oh, Cedric and Tozawa. Okay. I think Cedric Alexander. Now, you actually said you think um, that he's going to face Tony Nice at uh, WrestleMania. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. All right. We got your predictions in nice and early then. What do you like in the second match? Trash can guest. <laughs> he might be your only trash can guest. I don't know if you're going to find a second one. That's going to be pretty unique. Jackson, thank you again for having me on your show. I've had a great time and I'm proud to be your first guest on 205 Year Old Live. Thank you for listening. Bye. Good. Bad. This is the MGB Wrestling Podcast, the podcast with PG-rated material accessible to wrestling fans of all ages. We could have our famous lost episode here right now. I have no idea how much memory Mason's got on his iPod, but we'll we'll see how it goes. All right. If it's like anything like my daughter's tablet, there's none. Uh-oh. All right. Yeah, you ready, my Mason? tablet doesn't have much memory on it either. Oh, good grief. All right. My tablet's different than my iPod. All right, we better stop gossiping and we better get on with this then, I guess. All right, you ready, Scott? Yes, sir. My name is Graham, and my co-host and creator of this podcast is proof that wrestling fans live with their parents, my 10-year-old son, Mason. And we've got a very special guest with us today as well, so we want to make sure that we get everything in, so we're going to start pretty quick today. Um, we've already had JRT from the Blade Job Show. I think it was like episode 13. Uh, episode 31, the other way around on the digits. Um, we've got Scott Perkins, high-voltage Scott Perkins from the Blade Job as well. How are you doing this evening, Scott? I'm doing wonderful, Graham. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just fine. I've had a two-day work day, so I'm a little bit more relaxed than I normally am. I'm not quite so stressed. How about you, Mason? I'm doing good. Yeah, Wednesday, and we've had one day of school so far, so that, that's that's pretty good. Oh, come on. That's not too bad. Somebody tells me we've got snow coming next week as well. We might get a snow day, Mason. Uh, you'll probably already had a snow day up in up in your area, right? No, we don't have snow days. No snow day? Uh, I guess you're used to having snow. I guess that's the difference. Yeah, so yeah. You, you guys can cope much better. All right, let's get straight into then. And this is a this was a special one as well, Mason, because we actually got um, this was all filmed in England. So it was all filmed in Manchester. So do you want to lead us off, Mason, with your top three moments from uh, Raw? Give us your third moment. My third moment is I don't know who I like better, the New Day or Baron Corbin. I'm getting tired of both of them. 
You don't know who you like the least? Who you mean? I like better. Oh, okay. I hate both of them. Um, They're you, getting both really annoying. Uh, I would agree. I don't particularly like either of them either. Um, I thought The New Day was SmackDown. Um, yes, but still. You'd be picking back because Baron Corbin's on Raw? Yeah. Okay. They're what do you think of those guys? Any opinions, Scott? Uh, I cannot stand Baron Corbin. I feel like there's no use for him, but I love The New Day. Alright, fair enough. I'm quite happy to move on from that topic. I have nothing good to say about those guys. I'm sick of them. Alright, next. Ember, she tried to do a crossbody on Nia Jax, but Nia Jax, she just had her hands there and swatted her down. Yeah, yeah. Um, to me, that wasn't... Mo that When you start, started talking about Ember Moon, I was like, alright, I know where he's going with this. And then you avoided the big thing. Um, Nia Jax absolutely crushed her. Um, Tamina came in as well, and they were double-teaming her as well. Um, not that Nia Jax isn't... Why does Nia Jax even need any help? I don't even understand that. She could beat anybody all by herself. Uh, you put Tamina in there... Um, and then Ember Moon... She doesn't really have any friends right now, and uh, she's she... against those two big women. Yeah, she has no allies at all. Um, I'm just wondering now, um, I thought Ronda looked unbeatable. Um, I think if you put her against uh, Tamina and Nia Jax, I think that could be, uh, I think that could be pretty dangerous. Alright, what insight do you have for us, Scott? Uh, I, I, don't under, I, I don't understand about Tamina either. I think it's just her dad was there, and they just need something for her to do, so they put her with her cousin. Um... <laughs> I, I think Becky is the one that's going to finally beat Ronda. Oh, a Survivor Series? Yes, absolutely. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm... so you said cousin. Who's the who's her cousin? They're related. To oh, me. they are? Yeah, they're all related. Yeah, from It's all that Roman Reigns family. Oh. Yeah, they're not like first cousins or anything, but they're, and they're not blood-related at all, but it just... Somewhere along that family tree. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Oh, so you learned something new. See, this is why we get quality guests on like Scott to educate you, because I don't always know everything about this, or sometimes I forget what I've told you. Every, every Samoan wrestler who's not Samoa Joe is all part of <laughs> that family. That's a pretty good summary. All right, Mason, what was your top moment, man? My top moment is Kurt Angle. Um, when he comes out, he does the You Suck. Uh-huh. So Sasha, she's, she, well, the whole group's out there, and Sasha, you can see her in the camera. She's pointing at Baron Corbin when they say, you suck, and pointing at, um, so she's basically saying that Baron Corbin sucks. Oh, see, I didn't think she was pointing at that. I thought she was just getting involved with the whole um, the I whole chant. I think she was pointing at Baron Corbin. And I watched it for a second time, because somebody mentioned it online, that, wow, she was really getting into it. And, and she was. And Bailey actually, as well. When they, uh, yeah. they kept flipping across from it, so you couldn't really see exactly what was going on. Anything to add for this one, Scott? Um, I agree with Mason. They, they definitely were pointing at, like, down the ramp at Baron Corbin, and I thought, I thought that was hilarious. I, I liked that bit, that, and I think Kurt Angle started to point at him, too. Yeah, see, I totally missed that part. Now, also, we should say, although we didn't have school this week, we were pretty busy. Um, I had end-of-quarter report cards to do and all things like that and training, so I didn't get to watch the full match. I got to watch the, uh, the highlights again. So sometimes they cut a little bit too much, and you don't always get to see exactly what happened. Yeah. So yeah. I might have missed that one. Well, you managed to pick it up, Mason, easy enough. Now, I'm going to guess probably those three moments probably didn't actually match with yours at all, Scott. So have you got something totally different for us? Um, my third was probably during that whole everything when uh, Braun Strowman came out and kicked that security guard in the face. <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments because he obliterated that poor guy. Just boot right to the face. Oh, he, he definitely did. And, um, yeah, I feel kind of bad. If that's the level of British security, 
Um, if, if that's the if that's the best that you can get, that that does not speak well for the for the Brits at all. But it was pretty obvious that he was going to break through them. Even Ronda broke through. Well, I say that only Ronda. Uh, Ronda beat beat through several people as well, and we've seen multiple. Actually, yeah. didn't they have? Wasn't it Brock and Braun? And they had like every single wrestler from the backstage they come through, still... and they still managed to get through. So if and you have the same thing for Brock and Roman. Yeah. So if you have a handful of uh, security guards, they're clearly not going to be sufficient to. And uh, Becky and Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much anybody who wants to do that. You got anything to add for this one, Mason? Um, no. All right, let's go to number two then, Scott. Uh, my number two, I I really enjoyed the the women's um three way match or six woman tag match, uh-huh. however you put it. Um, I I I like the way that that. Bailey, Sasha, and Natalia work together, and then I think the Riot Squad is amazing. I, I like what they do together. It's three very different wrestlers, but they kind of they just seem to work together. I also thought it was really, um, it was really good because um, I like all three of them, and I never would have thought of like putting them three together. So I thought that was some good teaming up on WWE. I I thought it was the same old stuff, though. We'd already seen it recently. I didn't think it needed yeah. to be done again. There was actually a few matches that were repeats on this one. All right, we gotta take a time. We gotta take a time out here for a second, Scott. We're absolutely killing ourselves. Was that trash can? No, that was JRT. You could see JRT's ass crack on camera. And we're trying to listen seriously, and we're like, "No, we lost it." Mason did a great job. He tried. He got up first, and you actually tried speaking. I know. I tried speaking a little extra so you could have some time. <laughs> oh my god, that was. This is why we do audio. This is why we don't. This is why we do podcasts and we don't do videos. Like, oh my god, that was funny. <laughs> I don't even know where we were. I didn't. I wasn't even sure which match you it said. It was the Sasha Banks. I, I thought I, I heard I you. Either, I, just heard. I thought I heard you say Sasha, and then I was just winging Natalia. it on that basis. I was like, Bailey. we got to at least get through that point, and then we continue. I don't even know. Was that your number two moment? I lost it. Yes, that was my number two. They, uh. they do do a lot of repeats in that. I don't know, it doesn't progress lines on a week-to-week basis, it seems like, but I, I enjoy that match. Are you guys on fire in there, or is someone just smoking? That, that'd be, uh... Okay, it just suddenly came down from the roof, though. It's like... No, no, he's just, he's behind the camera. Oh, okay, all right. Um, all right, then, I think we've got our composure back, Mason. Okay. Oh, my gosh, that was really testing art. We don't have many professionalism anyway, but that was really testing it. All right, what about your number one moment, then, Scott? My number one moment, uh, I actually meant to say the, uh, the Braun Strowman after, but... Apollo Crews, I haven't seen him wrestle in a while because I more or less only watch pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. He, he's impressive. He, he really is. Um, like, just his, his whole physique and then just the way he moves is, is very impressive to me. Um, I, like, I don't know. I, I feel like WWE's kind of sleeping on him, giving, like, I, I don't know, Bobby Lashley coming back. It's like, I don't know. I, he does nothing for me, but I think Apollo Crews is... He's he's probably my big like wrestler wrestler of Titus Worldwide. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily include Dana Brooke as a like full time wrestler. Okay, 
Um, I I started watching Apollo. Actually, this is when I started watching NXT because I sort of got heard people talking about it online. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll check out and see it, and I was really impressed then. I was like, when he comes up, he's going to be super impressive. And those first couple of matches, he was. They pushed him, and they don't know how to book him. They have no idea what to do with him. No, um, they, they'll push they him one week. And then he'll lose, he'll be a job in the next couple of weeks. And then you won't see him for six months. And then they'll take the word Cruz off his name and make him Apollo. Then they'll bring him back again as Apollo Cruz. Then they'll put him in Titus Worldwide. And then, I don't know what to, I don't know what to say. I agree with you. I think he's really good. I just don't think they know what to do with him right now. Put him back in NXT. Uh, you could put him back on NXT, but that's that's really frowned upon. That looks like they haven't made it. If they do that, that makes you look really weak. I think if you put if you if you've been sent back to NXT, well, Drew McIntyre did it. Uh, well, he, he left. He was like Vince's boy. He was, but he left. He yeah. physically left, and then he actually came back later. But yeah, it, it's a tough one for that. When he left, I don't think they really had NXT. Like it wasn't it wasn't what it is now. It was more the competition show. But yeah. I know what you're saying with that. Yeah, well, you guys both avoided what... And I didn't write, actually... I was actually bad cop on my other podcast, so I was actually writing down only bad moments rather than good moments. Um, but I had one clear good moment that you guys all avoided, and it might just be because it was specific. I really liked Elias again. Not that there's anything new there, but more the British reaction action to him. Um, they loved him. Yeah. They loved him. As soon as he came out, they were singing the Walk With Elias, but they were singing it to... And I can never remember what it's called. I think it's Seventh Nation Army. I think that's the uh, the song that they were singing it to. Um, yeah, they couldn't have been more over. Um, he beat Dolph as well. Yeah. I was shocked. I was like, well, he's obviously... He gets his moment with his song, and then obviously he's going to lose to Dolph. And they let him beat Dolph. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Is this finally the push for Elias? Is Elias going to get some sort of belt, like an Intercontinental Championship or something like that? Um, I hope so. I hope yes. so. I wouldn't be mad if he was IC champ. I, I feel like he would... He would carry that well. Oh, yeah. Also, if I was a WWE superstar and I had nothing to do, the Raw Tag Team Champions, I could have just walked out and helped Seth and then become a, a, a <laughs> tag team champion. Yeah, you just said, why didn't somebody just come down and help him? And then he could have been... Um, I don't know if you're allowed to do that. I know Braun Strowman Dude, did with... Um, did Nicholas? Yeah. Uh, Dude Love and... Um... Stone Cold Steve Austin was wrestling Owen and the Bulldog, I believe. And... Uh, Mankind tried to do it, and Steve said no. Do, uh, Cactus Jack tried to help him, and he said no, and then Dude Love came up. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Well, I think right now they just want him to... I, you can't have a one person as a tag team. Uh, I think they just want to set that rivalry up with um, with Dean right now. So that also made sense. Um, one you didn't pick as a moment, I also thought, why did they let Dean talk? Don't let him talk. I loved him not talking. Yeah. I loved him just scowling at... Um, at Seth and making him Somebody wonder what was going on. Oh, Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. Oh, it, it was like that. Correct. It worked brilliant, and I didn't think about that. That worked. Ciampa didn't speak for weeks. We had no idea when we started watching that together. Like, what's going on? He's not even saying anything because we didn't know the backstory yeah. at that time. So, yeah, no, I think it would have worked very similar to that one. All right, Scott. Another gentleman who did that was Y2J Chris Jericho. Alright, now we got a special quiz for you that I actually wrote weeks and weeks ago. And then this morning I was like, oh gosh, I hope I can find that because I lost some files on my computer. Uh, luckily enough, I still have it. Now, I know that you're a big hockey fan and you go and watch your local team. I'm not sure, is it the yes. Wo Worcester Bruins? I don't know if it's an affiliate of the Bruins, right? Oh, okay. So, what we picked for you, and I'm, I'm, I think we might have talked about this before. Are you aware that there's a Boston in England as well? No. 
I, well, I mean, I assumed. I don't know where it is. I assume there was because that's where we got all of our talent. Sure, of course. And I used to travel through there many times when I used to go to holidays on the uh, east coast of England. Um, yeah, Boston, Lincolnshire. And um, they actually have their own wrestling organization over there. It's called the Fight Factory Wrestlers. And I've picked some classic Bruins players. Now, I don't know how good your knowledge is, so I went back quite a few years. So it might be, it could turn out this is like the Babe Ruth of the Bruins, and you're going to go, well, I already know these, but we'll find out, okay? So your answer is either uh, hockey player or wrestler, okay? All right. Now, we haven't, we've, we haven't recorded with Jackson because we just wanted him out of the house. We're like, go, get out, so we can record, and it's quiet. So we'll record with him when he gets back. Um, we always like to pick anyone who we recognize who has a name like Jackson, Mason, or Graham. So we got a couple of those in here as well. Okay. All right. First one is Art Jackson. Art Jackson. I'm going to go with a wrestler. Okay. Uh, Dave Isaac. You see how much? Did you see how much thought Scott gave to that one? I might have to edit that one down. You could see the thoughts going through his head. All right, number three, Edward Ripper. Ed Ripper, I'm going to say a wrestler. Okay, Fred Gordon. That's such a hockey player name. They call him Gordo. I already know it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say a wrestler. Oh, okay. I do like to put reverse psychology questions in there as well. If sometimes I think I can mess with you, uh, Kip Sabian. Now, how far back in the Bruins did you go? Because that is I picked one. I'm looking on here. They're all at least fifty years old. Some of them are nearly a hundred years old. Excellent. <laughs> um, this is just a psychology quiz. This is just so Jackson can be part of the podcast. I will say wrestler. Okay. Uh, Magic Myers. Hockey player. No, no, because no one would have that name if they weren't that good, and if they, I'm going to say wrestler. Okay. Uh, Ron Shock. That's a hockey player. Is that a famous player, then? <laughs> Not famous. But you've heard of that person. All right. Yeah. That was the most recent one I had. That was from the 60s. Uh, Teddy... I was kind of hoping you'd be like, oh, Bobby Orr. <laughs> I know Bobby Orr. I know a few people. Uh, even Jackson knows yeah, Bobby Jackson. Orr. That's his... He actually got that jersey for his fourth birthday present because he loves the Bruins. Uh, he loves Bobby Orr. And, and when he was three, he used to do the Bobby Orr dive. He did, yeah. He used to do the Bobby Orr. He knows him very well. Um, next one, Teddy Graham. That's a, that's a, a, a snack food. That sounds like it is. a wrestler have that. Oh yeah, Teddy Graham. Trash can't say no. I'm gonna say wrestler. Okay. Tiny Thompson. That that's a hockey player. And Will Cruz. Wrestler. Alright, let's go back through. Uh, number one, Art Jackson is a hockey player. Uh, Dave Isaac is a wrestler. Edward Ripper is a wrestler. Fred Gordon is a hockey player. Kip Sabian is a wrestler. Magic Myers is a wrestler. Uh, Ron Shock is a hockey player. Teddy Graham is also a hockey player. Tiny no Thompson way. is a hockey player. And Will Cruz is a wrestler. Mason, I counted six out of ten. 
-hmm. All right, Mason's nodding. So obviously average would be five out of ten. And the challenge, of course, is to uh, not just tie. You've got to try and be smarter than a six-year-old, uh, smarter than a four-year-old. Yeah. So we'll have to see. So if Jackson can get six or more, then he is good for this one. And you'll have to listen on Friday to see if that's actually true or not. Excellent. I was I was getting ready for all sorts of uh, Chris Jericho questions. To be honest with you. All right, Jay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. First one. Art Jackson. Yes, Louise. Uh, nope. Dave Isaac. Wrestler. Correct. Edward Ripper. Wrestler. Correct. Fred Gordon. Wrestler. Nope. Kip Sabian. Wrestlers. Correct. Magic Myers. Wrestler. Correct. Ron Shock. Hockey player. Correct. Teddy Graham. Wrestler. Nope. Tiny Thompson. Um, wrestler? Nope. You got five. This is the last one. Will Cruz. Hockey player. Oh, it was a wrestler. All right, you got five out of ten. Scott got six out of ten. So who's the winner, Jackson? Me. Come over here. We can't hear you. Who's Me. the winner? Me. No, you got five. Scott got six. Which one's more? Um, five. No, it's not. And he's laughing and he's running off. All right, good job, Scott. We declare you the winner on this one. Anyway. I wish there was a college that was wrestling, that taught wrestling. They have wrestling schools. No, like, teach. <laughs> what, like Harvard? Yeah. Go to Harvard for wrestling? Yeah, sure. Boston College? Well, you can go and be, uh, you're talking about WWE-style wrestling, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, they have yeah. wrestling, you know they have wrestling in college, right? Yes. Because Brock Lesnar won, like, national championship. Uh-huh, and, and Kurt Angle? Like, um, Kurt Angle, probably. It wouldn't surprise me. Wrestler. Yeah, but you mean you want to teach people how to take a bump? Yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds like, hey, anyone wants to sponsor Mason's business idea here, that would go down pretty well, okay? I'm sure you'll put your name to it, but yeah. So you want to know how to take a chair shot safely, yeah. how to take a bump, all that sort of stuff? All right. Sounds good. All right. Let's move on to our second event of the week then. Uh, this was also from Manchester. I don't know why they stayed in one place. That didn't seem very nice for the British fans. Uh, anyway. Um, I thought they would have like, been one near the top and then one near the bottom. I would have thought so. Was I know they did one in... In no, that was in America. That was in New York. I thought they would have done one. I know they did London before, but I thought they would at least moved somewhere else. All right, we're going to reverse it. We're going to go the other way around. We're going to let the guests go first this time. So, Scott, what have you got for your third moment from SmackDown? My third moment from SmackDown. I didn't actually watch SmackDown. I watched a condensed replay. Well, that's uh, perfect because that's I, what all of us did. None of us had time. Mason literally, he had to eat his uh, dinner at the same time as watching it and take notes. Um, I didn't have time. I caught it quickly this morning because I had to record as soon as I got home from school with Matt. So, yeah, we're all on the same We're on the same level for this one. Um, I, I love the fact that they made D-Bright and The Miz co-captains of the SmackDown team. I thought that was really well done. Oh, I think that's absolutely perfect. They don't get on with each other. I, I thought that was um, I thought that was good. Uh, they can always one up each other as well. And they started they to do that when they were picking people for matches. Well, I'm picking this person. Well, I'm going to pick this person. I, I totally agree with you. I think that was a great idea to do. I think that um, that they're gonna, are they both on the team. Um, so they're both going to be on the team, and I feel like they should pick like 
one to each, and then like have a a match to decide who gets the other pick. All right. Did you watch this? Did I put the right episode of SmackDown on? Yes. This is the one that you watched 15 minutes ago. They just picked the teams. You saw that, right? I didn't... They picked the whole one? Yes, they picked the whole team. Oh. That's why they were having the matches. Oh. They each picked one, and whoever won that match, they're on the team. Oh, the Usos were on the team? Well, no, that was a different one. That was just a regular old match. Um, I think I might give Mason too much of a condensed highlights one, because I think he missed a little bit on this one. I know um, Samoa Joe's on there. Samoa Joe is on, I correct. that's all I know. All right, give us your second moment, Scott. My second moment was actually with the Usos. Uh, their match with the New Day, thought it was really, really good. And they, I get they do the the tag team Survivor Series, and they picked the Usos won, so whoever won got to be the captain. And they picked the New Day first, and they, you know, gave them props and gave them hugs, and I thought that was that was pretty cool because they've had some battles over the years and. It's good to see them, you know, show each other respect because they are both good tag teams, even though I don't really like the Usos, but they're undeniably good. And I think this is where I've got to admit that um, I wasn't really paying attention. Um, I like the, we're the reverse. I like the Usos and I can't stand the New Day. And I was like, man, I've seen these so many times in pay-per-view events where they really do put on a show. I'm like, this is a house show. I, I didn't pay any attention to this match at all, Mason. i got to be honest. So I'm going to be adding very little to this. Um, I'm hoping you paid more attention than I did. The New Day is like, I just, they just act so weird. Like, the, who throws pancakes in the crowd? See, that's oh, why... I dump pancakes on a kid. They just dump the whole box of pancakes on this kid's head. And the Budios we... who throws cereal into the crowd. We talk about at Nova Pro when we go, we like the silly matches. We like the ugly ducklings. We like their silliness. And for some reason, it doesn't translate to the New Day. I don't know what it is. I personally think it's their annoying instruments, because they really sort of... Yeah, they don't play it as much now, though. Thankfully. I think it's just that sound that annoys me. I don't like them being... I don't mind them being funny as much. And I've actually said recently, I actually admire the New Day for their wrestling ability now, which I never used to really recognize before. Um, but yeah, no, I don't have anything to add for this one at all. And Xavier Woods doesn't do much. Uh, I would disagree with you on that one. I, I really like Xavier. He's probably my favorite member, actually, He's of New not, Day now. He, he doesn't really... He either wrestles and does, like, all the work or doesn't wrestle and do none of the work. Like, he doesn't, like, split the work with anybody. All right, I think we're at number one moment, right, Scott? Yes. Uh, my number one moment is uh, there was a match for, I don't know if it was the final spot, but a match for a spot on the team between Andrade Cien Almas and Rey Mysterio. And Rey Mysterio is old. I don't know how old, but... I can tell you exactly how old he is, because I looked it up because I was curious. He's older than me, which absolutely shocked me. Um, he's going to turn 44 in December, so in one month's time, he's going to be 44. And I was like, wow. Um, considering my body and considering his body at that, I'm like, I can't even, yeah. It's like, it's crazy how much agility he has. Oh, exactly. So, yeah, he's 44. I'm sorry for interrupting, but I, it's not very often I know a wrestling fact, so when I do, I have to get it in there. They, they put on an absolute lucha, like a, a lucha-style classic. Like, I, I kind of want to go back and watch that again because it was, it blew my mind that that's what they had on free TV. Like, if they put that as, you know, in, in WrestleMania or a crappy B pay-per-view main event, like, I would be absolutely happy with it. But the fact that it was just on regular TV 
is nuts to me. I I don't understand why WWE doesn't do that more often for big events. And I would absolutely agree with you. Like I said, I was recording bad moments, but the one that stuck out for me as a good moment, I, I like Rey Mysterio anyway. Um, I've been really impressed with Andrade since he's come up. A lot of those people who come up from NXT, like we said with Apollo, they don't seem to know what to do with them. Um, they get lost in the mix a little bit. He went straight up to... Uh, he was fighting AJ. I think he fought AJ two weeks in a row, and both of those matches were absolutely brilliant. My only surprise is, kind of like Apollo, where did he go for the last six weeks, though? Um, I'm hoping he was injured. I know that sounds bad, but I'm hoping that was the legitimate reason why he didn't appear on the screen. But if you're keeping that sort of talent uh, backstage for six weeks, I think that they're really missing an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Anything yeah. to add, Mason? I have a Rey Mysterio moment for my moment, so I, I just... Okay, keep. so you want to go to your three? All right, go ahead. Give me your third moment then, Mason. My third moment is Nikki Cross is on WWE against Becky. Like, Sanity moved up, didn't do much, but then Nikki Cross is down in NXT doing a lot. And she finally gets to move up to WWE. Honestly, I think Nikki Cross is, like, half of Sanity. She's really good wrestler. And, um, Alexander Wolf, he's like, eh. And then, um, Killian Dane, he's just a big guy. But, and, um... Darren Young, I think he's a... Eric Young. Who's Darren? Oh, yeah, I remember. Okay, so (laughs) Eric Young, I think he's a really good wrestler. All right, so who's Darren Young, then? Okay, he's the other guy in Titus Worldwide. Like, is the guy with the afro? I don't know. And then he's he's in Titus Worldwide. It's him, Darren, Titus. Isn't that Dana Brooke? And Dana Brooke. Oh, okay. Yes, Dana Brooke is the guy with the afro. No! <laughs> Dar- Darren Young is not in WWE anymore. Oh, he's... He, um, he got released a year ago? Oh. Two years ago? Something like that. Um, he's actually from around here. Oh, okay. Yeah, he he went to... Yeah, oh yeah. Jarek, he's shaking his head, no. He is... He's, he's from the, the Boston area. He went to the New England Pro Wrestling Academy. Okay, fair enough. So basically, what you're telling her is, what you're telling is though you love Nikki Cross and she, you think she's the best thing in sanity. Now the thing that surprised me most about that, obviously, she's been pretty prominent in that storyline with um, who attacked Alistair Black recently, and for that reason, and with already sending um, sanity up, I was not expecting her there at all. I didn't see any spoilers. Actually, I saw a couple. It said ahead of time. Um, it was only like a couple of hours before that she was moving up. And, um, yeah, no, I was totally shocked. I was like, wow. Against now, the WWE champion. Against Becky as well. Now, my only problem is, though, obviously she had to lose to Becky. You're not going to beat Becky straight away how strong she is right now. Are they going to... You said they've moved her up. I don't know if they have moved her up. Is that just a one-match thing? Or are they going to send her back down again? I, I'm hoping they keep her up. I'm hoping not. you hoping they keep her up as well? I'm hoping she's not going to be one of those jobbers and then just go back down. I hope not either. I, I'm thinking... Possibly right now, it might have just been a been a one shot deal only because they were in Manchester and that's a um, stone's throw from Scotland. It's, that's not, <laughs> it's not terribly um, far. To know. American audiences, I could uh, I could possibly understand that. Uh, from a British perspective, I find that very amusing. But yes, I could. I guess she's from the United Kingdom, so I guess on that basis, yes, that would be fair enough that you would uh, you would put somebody back like that. Asian Finn, that's why. 
Well, Paige is the gen is the general manager, so I'm gonna, I was expecting her to be there. That would have been kind of mean not to include her, but no, she was back in England, which I'm sure she liked. All right, Mason, I've lost track because that was so long. We talked I about that. Two. That was two. All right, oh. next one then. No, I'm on two. Oh, you're on two. Okay, go ahead. I like Becky and Ronda's promos, both of them. Ronda's promo and Becky's on SmackDown. Huh? You like Ronda's promo on SmackDown? No, Ronda's promo on Raw. Okay, you and know we're on SmackDown right now. I know right we're now. on SmackDown, but Becky, I, I just think... So you like know, Becky's promo then? Yeah, All right, Becky I'm and you... Ronda's. <laughs> oh, did they play them back-to-back? -back? Yes. Oh, okay, well, I'm being they harsh on like you then. They played like a replay, and then they showed Becky. Oh, okay. And I like Becky's the week before. And it looks like definitely Becky's going with that theme that she's the man. And uh, uh -huh. we're not going to repeat what thought, um, Ronda okay. said. I thought it would have been, I'm the woman. Well, I thought it would have been as well. And particularly with evolution all being about exactly. women's revolution. And then I was surprised by that. And I, um, she's definitely going with it. She's actually thrown out a challenge to Seth Rollins as well. She did. So we'll see what happens with that one as well. well all right, what did you make of their promos then, Scott? I absolutely love Becky Lynch. She's, she might be my favorite WWE wrestler right now. Like, just overall, I think she is... Just the way that she's taking to that, to the to turning heel, I think she's great, and I would love to see her wrestle Seth Rollins. They would put a great match. I and think that would be, be great too. Challenge partners. I don't want to see them as mixed match challenge, but I want to see them facing off see, against um, each other. Becky and face to face. Um, men, men can wrestle women. It's okay. Correct. It's 2018. I want to see Becky and Finn be partners. Oh, that would be. Awesome. That, that would be great. I wonder why so they didn't Irish do that. Oh, I guess the only reason they didn't do it is one's on Raw and one's on SmackDown, so they can't, otherwise they're going to be in different towns, but yeah, if they could switch brands for one of those, that would work really good. If they could move Finn across to SmackDown or something, that would be a, that would be a great combination. Now, well, I know you're a big fan of indie wrestling as well, Scott, so, um, and I talked about this with somebody recently, I don't see any reason why they couldn't do that as a one-off match. Um, who's the better one? And I actually said, who would be the perfect person, like at a WrestleMania match, perhaps? If you're going to bring in a revolutionary match, why not do it at WrestleMania? Um, Becky versus who? So, Seth, would that be the best combination, do you think? Uh, I think I think her and Seth would have a great match. Her and Finn would, because mm -hmm. they shared the ring, you know, during during Finn's uh, teaching days. He, he trained Becky Lynch. Um, I think they'd have a good match. AJ... I think Becky and AJ would have a good match. Okay. You're kind of thinking the same thing that I'm thinking, except I'm thinking for Raw. Both champions, um, women's and men's. Brock versus Ronda. Brock and Ronda? <laughs> That would be exciting. That would be exciting, but I think she'd get crushed. But yeah, I, I think that would be an exciting. I think that would definitely be um, an exciting one. Now, I actually asked that. I was trying to remember as you were speaking. I was trying to buy myself some time. It was the uh, Take the Bump podcast. I asked them who they thought would be good, and they came up with a few names that I know JRT likes. Uh, Jericho would be one of those. Um, Jericho and Becky Lynch. Yeah, he's he could always put people over pretty well. If he takes a loss, I don't think it's so bad. But you know, he's going to put on a show as well. Possibly Shawn Michaels, if you want to get the big names out there again. That could be somebody who could probably match up with her as well. The Marine Six. 
All right, um, are we on to your number one moment, Mason? Yeah. I've lost track a little bit. So, um, when Rey Mysterio, you know how he slides off the mat into, like... He like his new move? Yeah. yeah. Slides through the bottom rope? Instead of that, he slides under the bottom rope and does a DDT on Andre, Andrade Cien Almas. And when I watched that to begin with, I thought he'd messed up. I thought there was another bot. I should have known better. Rey Mysterio is class. He's been doing this for long enough. But, yeah, no, I'm really loving Rey since mm-hmm. he came back. Um, I think it's fantastic. And I know you were, we already talked about that as one of the matches as well that you thought was really good. Um, anything specific on that one, Scott? Um, that, that specific uh, spot where, where he did slide out, that, that was cool. I thought, it, I thought he messed it up too. Um, just all the different lucha moves. I'm trying to think of what they're called. Where they're spinning around. Torn- all like- tornado oh, Tornado DDT? DDT? Uh, yeah. yeah uh, like all that, all that kind of stuff. That... That takes such coordination between the two wrestlers. Like, yeah, vertical suplex, you know, you got to jump as they, you know, pull you up and, and all this and that. But just the whole, you know, I'm going to flip around you 20 times and then I'm going to say, me like, I, I love that. I, I think that just those two guys, grow, both of them growing up in that style, I think just worked great for them. Now I can see his butt crack. <laughs> <laughs> Now you would see why we... And we weren't expecting it either. It was like, okay, we're just talking, and then it was just you, and then suddenly, nope. We got partial butt crack. <laughs> I think we did... Actually, you made it through, because you were worried about this, Scott. You were worried about not oh, being I able to... Absolutely worried about it. And uh, you've done it fine. I'm I just forgot. checking. Yeah, we've been on for we've been on for nearly 40 minutes, and yeah, you haven't... Um, I don't think you've even been close. I know JRT no. said he almost dropped one, and he sort of had to wind it back in again and use a different word but i don't think you've even been close i've not been worried at all i absolutely did on uh Mavs podcast oh we as well as, as well as uh jrt he did as well we did we did and i heard the ring bell for that one and you got one of you i think it was right near the end wasn't yeah. it like the last few minutes yes then I, I i threw a pen at our trash can and it it, it scared jrt so he said the brown word <laughs> alright I think that's going to do it for us we've talked about Raw we've talked about Smackdown um, do you want to plug the uh, the blade job for us do you want to tell us where we can find that where we can find all you guys who are on there and where I guess when you release as well because I'd like to know to be honest because it seems pretty random from my point of view absolutely it is um, we release every Saturday Sunday whenever JRT gets around to, uh, to putting it up you can listen to us the Blade Job Wrestling Podcast. We are on uh, Google Play. Now they're just pointing at me. We're on Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. That's the big one. Um, iHeartRadio. Spotify actually just released this week, and we were making fun of it on the episode that it was, you know, first released on. And uh, ah. you can follow me at Blade Job Perkins. You can follow the show at The Blade Job Show. You can follow Trash Can at Steel Trash Can. You can follow John Olin at John underscore Olin. And you can follow JRT's personal account, which is mostly about video game and nerd stuff, at LayJobJRT. Wonderful. Um, I will make sure... We're on YouTube. Oh, of course. And that's how I started watching you guys. That was the, uh, yeah, that was originally how I started watching. I can't remember who I interacted with originally. Um, but yeah, I remember you saying it was on YouTube, and that's how I used to watch. And I was so glad when you got it onto iTunes. Uh, I don't so like watching. 
Yeah, I don't like watching it on YouTube as much, but I persisted. Now I refuse to do it. Actually, I don't want. I don't listen to any podcast that's only on YouTube. But I made the exception for you guys because I think I've told you this before. I nominated you guys for my podcast of the year. Uh, it was pretty unanimous as far as I was concerned. So um, I will make sure that I get all those um, Twitter handles in the episode notes. So if you didn't manage to take notes thoroughly, you can do that. I'm sure everyone who follows us must follow you as well, anyway. But just to make sure, hopefully, we can, if we can find any new followers out there, we'll do. So. And we'll try and bump. I think we're. I think you're up to eight listeners now. Is that right? So we'll see if we can get you up to nine by the next episode. I don't know. I'm happy with six or seven. Okay, that sounds good. All right, I think including myself because I listen every week. You've got to pad those numbers how you can. I always listen to the own podcast as well. And if we can get Mason to listen to it, then we consider that double (laughs) listeners for that week. Yeah, I want to listen. All right. Oh, what to the Blade Jam show? Yeah. You got to listen to five minutes once, I believe, right? Yeah. And actually, they did put a special one. They said Mason could listen to the first five minutes, and that's when you said, I don't listen to podcasts anymore. So I don't what? think you actually got to no, listen I to did. it. Oh, come on, dude. I didn't swear for 20 minutes just for you, and you didn't even listen? You I will. No, on the episode where we're trying not to swear. Oh, yeah, I guess I did swear. Yeah, the one where you tried not to swear, and you're like, well, I'll put in a mention so you'll know it's safe for Mason to listen. It's like, all right, we're not going to swear now. And then literally within 30 seconds, there was a swear. That should be like a... um, Instead of trying not to laugh, it should be try not to swear. Uh, It should be. I think they've done pretty pretty good on that today, but yes. Um, I remember listening to one, actually, and I said, I'm going to try and find an episode that Mason can listen to. And I got 50 minutes into it, and I was like, this is the one. And then last two minutes just like we talked about on matt's episode there was quite a few swear words at the end so we didn't quite get to do it all right i think that'll do it for us thank you very much scott thank you it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him goodbye Good. i believe you're an expert on uh, matrimon i've met him quite a few times he knows who i am okay um and we we uh we talk you know frequently on twitter um i i I haven't seen him in a while because ever since he started h2o he hasn't been going to beyond shows yeah so i haven't haven't seen him in you know i think the last time i saw him was new year's maybe maybe rana last year i am trying i'm trying to think uh whenever the barbed wire match with david star and joey janela that's the last time i saw him so i think that was i think that was new year i think you're right i think because i was actually talking to uh, mason about that he was asking me about which death matches had he seen and i mentioned the david star match well he thinks that they're death matches and i was like yeah i was like certainly they're more violent than what you see on wwe but i wouldn't class it as a death match per se yeah i i, I wouldn't classify our wire match as a death match it definitely is part of the death match formula Sure. Where obviously they'll barbed wire matches, but then they kind of take it one step further. I usually categorize death matches when you get really over the top spots. Usually, if there's glass involved, I automatically death match for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, uh, if you saw the tenth anniversary of Beyond with the skewer, or the needles through the cheek. <laughs> that's yes. definitely death matchy, and they had forks attached to a shopping cart for some reason. Oh wow. Now, the reason I'm asking you is, I recognize the name. I, I recognize, like, CZW. I recognize, like, H2O. Um, I didn't know he wrestled in GCW. I was wondering if you could give us any wonderful insight, then, about Matt Tremont that we can either add your voice into the podcast or anything that you could throw for us that would be interesting to our listeners. I mean, Tremont is, in my opinion, the godfather of modern deathmatch wrestling. 
thing. I mean, obviously he was inspired by guys like Terry Funk and guys like Mick Foley and the kind of stuff they were doing in Japan and they were doing in ECW. Um, Tremont has, for the most part, been a deathmatch wrestler the majority of his career. Um, you can you can go and find matches where you've got a little baby-faced Matt Tremont, you know, going through light tubes, going through barbed wire boards, that kind of stuff. Um, my biggest point of respect for him is, A, you know, and I, and I hate to maybe break kayfabe on him a little bit, he's a nice guy. He's just a very, very, he's, he's soft-spoken, he's well-spoken, he's, you know, when you have that idea in your head, and it's an idea that I hate about what a deathmatch wrestler is, a lot of people think someone like Nick Gage, mm-hmm. and he could be farthest from, I mean, he's he's a friendly guy, you know, he's, uh, I've never had a bad experience with him, and he respects the art of deathmatch wrestling enough where he created H2O, and he created his own promotion, and within a year, he also launched a sister promotion, no pun intended, WH2O, and the, is the women of Hardcore Hustle Organization. Ah. The matches that they put on are, are fantastic because it's not all just straight death match. There's a lot of really good wrestling happening at the same time. Uh, he runs his own wrestling academy, uh, the H2O Wrestling Academy, while running two promotions. And they also, every... Monday or Wednesday, I, I can't remember. Like, I mean, they actually do similar to what Beyond Wrestling does with their Discovery Gauntlet. They do up and comers, no namers. Just they they give them a chance to, to to wrestle, and then they release it on YouTube to hopefully get these individuals' names out there. Um, a gentleman that I, uh, I I I consider a friend by the name of Johnny Nova, who's from. Um, Pennsylvania uh, recently was featured on H2O's YouTube channel at a at an undiscovered uh, event, and he, he does a lot for the business. You know, not just deathmatch. I mean, the, the guy cares. The guy, the guy definitely he he loves the business more than a lot of people that I've come across. Um, I think Tremont is probably my favorite guy who was never huge. You know, never, never big four, never, you know, WWE, ECW, WCW, um, TNA, Ring of Honor. You know, he, he's, he's always just kind of done his own thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's, he also runs his own uh, wrestling memorabilia store uh, in New Jersey. So, I mean, the, the guy stays busy. The guy works and he earns it and he puts his body on the line for us. And I, he's, it, it's Tremont is fantastic, in my opinion. Probably, like I said, my my favorite wrestler who never got the chance to go to the big stages. Sure, I thought I I thought I saw because we actually reviewed when we reviewed episode two, we actually mentioned somebody who yeah, it was some quote on Twitter, and it said it was his last match in CZW. This was two thousand and eighteen. I went back and looked on like cage match or whatever for a list of events. It looks like he's still wrestling. It looked like there was like six events. I don't know if he's just on a much lower scale, uh, or if he's focusing more on promoting. I don't know if you have any insight on that. Obviously, just looking at a website of a list of matches you can't really tell anything well that's pretty much what happened is he wanted to spend more time once again i feel bad kind of like putting uh putting words in his mouth but from what i understand what i saw on twitter and 
and things like that. He wanted to kind of focus on his promotion, so he did. He stepped away from CCW. Um, he did make a return though, um, and he he kind of he, he he doesn't show up as often at other shows anymore. Now that he runs H two O, like I said, he was a mainstay at Beyond for a long time. I mean, uh, I've I've seen him wrestle. Matt Riddle, I've seen him wrestle. Uh, uh, actually, I've seen him wrestle Matt Riddle a couple of times. Which, which is, you know, you look at Matt Riddle in NXT, mm-hmm. and you don't see him doing barbed wire matches, you know. Um, but uh, Tremont was that. Actually, uh, 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 I'll give you a funny story of Tremont when he was wrestling Riddle at Beyond. Uh, at one point, they had a barbed wire chair uh, propped in the corner. <laughs> And Tremont took the chair and hit the chair. He comes all the way out of the ring. He knocks both of my beers out of my hands and his foot crushes my hand. Like I actually had a legitimate boot print on my hand. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, there's a mixture of this is awesome. Where's my beer? How my hand hurts. And I think he's blading under the ring right now. He comes up covered in blood, gets back in the ring, the match continues. I happen to mention, you know, yo, take a look at my hand to someone. And uh, Mr. Denver, Colorado, uh, from Beyond Wrestling, immediately comes over because he's thinking a fan got hurt. Yeah. And, and I'm like, no, man, I'm good. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I'm good. And I, uh, I brought it up to Tremont at one point. And he was very apologetic. And I just said, look, man, I, I know the risk when you're at a show when there's no barricades. I mean, if yeah. someone comes flying out of the ring, you get out of the way, and I didn't get out of the way. Yeah. You know, simple end of story. And um, I would say that story is worth the price of a beer. Yeah. No, um, I, I, I agree. Oh, I've, I've, I've stopped drinking at this point. So, I mean, if Tremont hears this, uh, if he could buy me a Red Bull, I mean, that would be great. You know, love Red Bulls. Um, but, yeah, he was also, uh, for the David Starr-Joey Janela barbed wire match at, at Beyond Wrestling, he wasn't wrestling that night, but he was there, and he actually helped them set up the barbed wire, Yeah, uh, something he's very familiar with. So uh, I thought that was neat, and I actually have a picture somewhere. I think I posted it on Twitter at one point that just said, I want someone to look at me the way Matt Tremont looks at Barb Wire, and he's just got this <laughs> look on his face like he's proud of his work. Yeah, no, stand-up guy, great wrestler, really happy that he's doing so well. I think H2O is going to blow up. I think H2O is going to become the same level of CZW and GCW at, at, at one point, well, you know, as time goes on. Let me give you some insight on H2O. Obviously, Mason, he doesn't really understand the death. Even Mason knows who H2O is. So the fact that it's entered his consciousness without even watching those events tells you that it's, yeah, it's becoming big. So, hey, I want to thank you for this. This was exactly what I thought. I knew this would be in your wheelhouse. I saw the name Matt Tremont. I knew it was way outside my comfort zone, as it were. Uh, I'm getting better on stuff like that, but I knew I wouldn't be able to come up with anything. But as we were talking to you anyway today, I thought it would be the perfect time to ask you about it. Hey, why don't you give us all your details about how to find you on Twitter, um, how to find a Blade Job show, and all that wonderful social media stuff. So you can follow me and the show, because we are one and the same, at The Blade Job Show on Twitter. 
We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Blade Job. We're on YouTube, all the major podcasting apps. You know, we're on Google, we're on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify. And you can pretty much usually just find us on Twitter starting fights because it's funny and people like to take things way too seriously and they just need to remember pro wrestling is supposed to be fun. So why don't we just enjoy it? All right. Thank you so much. I know you're in your sickened state today, so we're going to let you go back to your bed. But once again, thank you so much, Ryan. Of course. Anytime. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye to me. And it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. All right, match five, singles match, Eric Royal and uh, Donovan Dijak. I think this is actually where we're probably going to, after the match, uh, I'm going to be talking to Ryan from the Blade Job Show podcast. Um, I know Donovan Dijak used to appear in Beyond Wrestling, and he's our kind of expert from people from Beyond. Um, on our last episode, we actually talked to him about Matt Tremont as well, because we want to know a little bit more. So I think it's tomorrow we're going to record with him, or I'm going to record with him. So I don't have anything to talk about on this match because I knew that he would be the expert. So go ahead, tell us about this match. How tall is Diamond uh, Dominic? You might say Diamond Donovan Dijak Page or something. I think um, six foot six, I believe. He had to duck to get under the tent, and <laughs> Dominic threatens Eric to never slap him again, or else something bad will really happen. Something bad will happen, and Eric he slaps Dijak again, and then Dominic gives Eric a huge spinning kick. And a two, a two double knee by Dijak in the corner. Eric gets gets a gets a mid air space jam. Eric gets out of the feast your eyes. Eric wins with a shoulder tackle, and he's still undefeated. Yeah, I was gonna mention that. I know he had an undefeated streak going for a long time. I don't know how many events he's appeared in at this time. This might be his second or his third. I'm not quite sure. I meant to look that up and then forgot to do that. And um, yeah, I'm gonna insert the clip now from Blade Job. All right, after we finished recording last night, I noticed that I'd missed a few things with my notes. I got my notes slightly mixed up. So um, Donovan Dijak also fe uh, featured in matches against Dalton Castle, uh, Cody, and also Marty Skull for Ring of Honor in early 2017. And actually, he reappears at Nova Pro in February 2017 in a match against Sanjay Dutt, which on current recording levels, we'll probably review in about four years' time, where Mace has no interest in wrestling at all. As we alluded to at the start, we didn't talk much about Donovan Dijak, because I knew that we had an expert on this. Ryan from The Blade Job. This is a special moment, I think, because this is my triumphant return to professional wrestling podcasting. I have not done this in months. Dominic Dijakovic. Ugh. I hate it. <laughs> now, now, I, I, first and foremost, I want to say, I, I don't hate it in the sense of, oh, you know what? Vince or Hunter gave him some horrible name. Because I know a lot of NXT people get to choose their names. I, but they had an interview with uh, the king himself, Baron Corbin. Mm -hmm. And he talked about the process of getting your wwe name and a lot of the times apparently what they do is they give they say you need a name give us give us names and they will list out 10 20 30 written names and they will submit them 
to WWE management. And WWE management will go, no, 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 no. Okay, we like the first name. We hate the last name. No, no, no. Try again. Dijek, I don't know. I, maybe that was something. Maybe it's a, an old family name. Because, I mean, Dijak is not, you know, Dijak and Dijakovic, there's a very good chance that when they were in Europe, his family was Dijakovic, and they changed it when they came to America. I had a lot of experience with Dijak. Dijak was probably the first local indie wrestler from the New England area that I really was like, man, this guy's going to be big. Like, this guy's going to make it somewhere. It's going to happen. And, and, I, and I think one of my favorite Dijak moments, I might get some of the details wrong because it's been a while. Matt Riddle was a pretty big heel in Beyond Wrestling at the time. And Dijak was pretty much their top face. And this was just after Riddle's initial signing with WWE. So for those who don't know, Riddle was signed and then let go. And then he came back to NXT, as now we see, because he reformed his character a little bit. And there was a brawl going on, and Riddle was brawling with someone, and just it was just like a like a two-on-one, three-on-one attack kind of thing. And Dijak comes out to break up the fight and cuts this scathing promo that, uh, that starts with, Hey, Riddle, how was NXT? Did you have fun, bro? They just went after each other. And I think it's funny now that both of them are back in NXT together. And we have not had Dijak versus Riddle. No. As far as I know. I don't think we have. They gave us Dijak and Keith Lee, which is a smart pairing because they work really well together. Now, their matches haven't been up to their indie spec, except for their takeover match I thought was brilliant. But then again... Dijak doesn't get nearly as much ring time as Keith Lee does. No. So I think that Keith Lee might be even just a little more comfortable with the NXT arena, the NXT crowd at this point, even though he signed after Dijak did. Dijak was an interesting thing in New England, New England wrestling for a lot of reasons. Seeing him in Beyond where he was such a... He was so over as a face. People loved Dijak. I mean, from his theme song to his in-ring ability to his size, everyone loved Dijak. That's where I saw him primarily. And then I went to a promotion called Lucky Pro Wrestling, and Dijak was there. This was as he was signing with WWE. He was. This was pretty much his last show for the promotion that built him up, and... He comes out, and everyone's cheering, but then I'm realizing, oh, wow, here, he's a heel, and he is a monster heel. So I'm like, this is really interesting, because days before, I saw him get pretty much a standing ovation as a face, and here, it's his swan song. It's his final show for Lucky Pro. I'm like, man, this is this is going to be great. He's probably going to, like, you know, thank you all very much, blah, 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 all that kind of crap. But he doesn't. He stays healed the entire show. And pretty much his goodbye speech is, I want to thank everyone for absolutely nothing. None of you have (laughs) ever done anything for me. Kiss my ass. And I was like, see, you stayed in heel mode, even though 
you know this is it. It was so cool within three days to see both sides of a performer, to see I can be a face, I can be the face of a company, but I can also be a dastardly heel, someone who just doesn't play by anyone's rules except for my own, but not even my own. You know, it's just there was so much to him, and I think he's such a multifaceted performer, and I really think that NXT knows what they have. They obviously know, or they wouldn't have put him in the North American title picture with Keith Lee. Mm -hmm. Now, I wrote down a few things, and just in case that you couldn't ad-lib, I don't know why I was even worried. Um, Some of the matches I saw, he actually had a match against uh, Walter in August. That was actually in Somerville, so obviously those guys are both NXT. Uh, David Starr at Beyond Americana... Uh, sorry, American Rana in 2017. Uh, the Gentleman's Club, Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy defeat Donovan Dijak and Mikey Webb. Also, Donovan Dijak defeats Mikey Webb at Beyond Seven Years of Bad Luck. And also, uh, Team England, Anthony Green, who you mentioned, Brick Mastone, Donovan Dijak and Mikey Webb defeat Team Ohio, Dave Christ, Desmond Xavier, Jake Christ, and Zachary Wentz. Does that jog any memories for you? So, I was at Seven Years of Bad Luck. I remember that match clearly, uh... I mean, I couldn't tell you what happened in the match, obviously, but I remember it happening clearly. But yeah, him and Dijak worked really, really well, both as a tag team and as opponents. Dijak is one of those performers who can work with someone his size. He can work with a big man, someone like Keith Lee. Yeah. He can also work really well with with a smaller guy, someone like Mikey Webb or someone like, you know, JC Dunn. All right, this is the MGB review of H2O Destiny with a special guest, the inspiration of the MGB Wrestling Podcast, Ryan from The Blade Job. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing great, Mason. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, you got a lot to answer for. There's a lot of podcasts that kind of uh, have started because of you, um, and then they kind of spiraled out, and then that, that domino effect or the butterfly effect, I don't think it could be... I don't think it could be demonstrated better than one small throwaway comment that you made that I mentioned to Mason that started our podcast that then started another podcast and then another podcast. And then, uh, uh, yeah, then now there's hundreds of different podcasts that kind of all start from one little comment. It's uh, amazing. But yeah, three and a half years later, actually, I guess the speed that it happened as well. That's not that long a period of time. No, three and a half years. Because I never... Like, I think about that sometimes, and it's it's such a strange thing to me because it was, I, you, you know me as well as anyone of my, you know, our, 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 our Twitter group, the seven, as we, as yeah. we, you know, lovingly call ourselves sometimes. I, I, I don't take myself too seriously. I, I really don't. I never have because I'm just here to have fun. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud that so much kind of came out of this dinky little show, which has been picking up steam on YouTube for some reason. I do not understand why, but I've been getting a ton of views lately and I have no idea why. And they're, they're full views. They're not like one minute drop offs. They're, you know, 30 minutes in, 40 minutes in. Um, I don't understand why. I think some of them are because of titles. I have a couple, as you remember, titles that spark a different interest than professional wrestling. Um, you know, and and uh, intergender belly button does really well for some reason. Um, and the 18th or 19th episode, Barely Legal, 
gets a lot of views and I don't really understand that, but I think it's because <laughs> the internet is full of terrible people. I would hazard a guess. It wouldn't surprise me at all if it was a Melissa, a Mags, a Matt. I would have, if it was myself, I would have admitted it, but there's been times also when it's kind of like, man, I miss a blade job show. Like I, I'm an audio person though. So I, I don't really watch the YouTube, but when you said YouTube, would it be YouTube specifically? I'm thinking Melissa. Yeah, I um I, I think that too sometimes that sometimes people just put it on in the background just to get me off my butt to do something else again. And I do have a little tease. Um there is something that I'm considering doing um that is very, very different from everything that um Scott, uh Tim, John, rest in peace, um, and and myself were doing and trash can, of course. Um, yeah. it's a, it's a very big departure and it's going to take a lot of work. So I don't want to say too much, but th there's something I'm kind of working on more, more of a serious note. Is that um, on top of the thing that you already shared with me or is this something? No. This is something very different. This is actually a oh. conversation that was had, um, between myself and another person during the main thing we're going to be talking about uh during this show okay um a conversation kind of uh came out of that about um some human behavior and some potential mm -hmm. mental wellness that goes into professional wrestling and so it's something a little more dramatic from me than, than okay. i usually do um but we'll we'll see we'll see there's i gotta make some some calls mm -hmm. So I was going to ask you then of how the other project was coming along, because I don't think I've talked to you about that in, well, here's my guess. I was going to say about six months, probably about 12 months then. Um, things have changed a lot. Um, the, the, the moving to a new house uh -huh. put a lot of things on hold. Um, okay. A lot of things. So I am about six months behind on everything. Okay. Um, and my new work schedule in the real world is not as easy to get around because I'm just always working. I know that there was going to be people who were going to listen to this episode once they realized that you're on it. So it would have been a miss not to at least ask for an update. So, yes, there will be a yearly episode of The Blade Job. It will happen 100%. You will get a new episode this year. We're getting Oof. down There's to not the long wire. Left. We got like seven weeks left, something like that. It's yep. Oh, yeah. All right. No. You heard it here first. There's going to be a new Blade Job show. Now, Mason, I'm not quite sure. We never discuss ahead of time our kind of uh, where we're going to. I'm just looking at reading the first line of yours. So I think you're ahead of me. So I'm going to introduce a little bit. Now, we were talking off air just before you came on. Uh, Ryan, about H2O and kind of like the frequency of their matches. And I was telling Mason, I'm like, oh, they're really frequent. Like, they, they'll often have a match each week because you were like, I wonder when the next one's going to be. And actually, the next one's like a month away. But in general, in case you didn't realize, Mason, they had three events this weekend. So you're, we're going we're gonna to talk about the third one of the three. Uh, but the first one was um, the Hustle Cup. So there was um, Austin Luke, Darian Hardaway, Adonis Valerio, uh, Reed Walker, there was a false count anywhere barbed wire bunkhouse brawl match. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, Alex Stretch and Drew Blood, an H2O tag team match. Chris Bradley and Kristen Ross defeated the Extricated. Uh, Eddie Only defeated Frankie Picard. Ricky Shane Page, Atticus Coger, and Eric Ryan defeated Ryan Redfield. 
And uh, Adonis Valerio defeated Austin Luke, Darian Hardaway and Reed Walker um, in the Hustle Cup final. Oh, that first one I mentioned, there was four single four-way matches to qualify for the final. I just didn't want to read them all out. So a lot of those names you're going to hear, I guess, in a little bit when we get to the main thing. Mm -hmm. Saturday, same thing, Tremont's Deathmatch Tournament. Uh, Marcus Mathis defeated Jimmy Lloyd. Uh, Tremont's Deathmatch Tournament first round. A four-way bulldozers barbed wire massacre deathmatch. Just looking at the names on cage match make me kind of want to go back and go, what the heck is that? I, I need to know a little bit more. Uh, Brandon Kirk, Mitch Allen, Bobby Beverly, uh, Kennedy Copeland all won their first round matches. Uh, Greg Excellent and Jeff Cannonball defeated uh, Eddie Only and Gregory Iron. I have a feeling I caught some of that match because I remember seeing Greg Excellent because I don't recognize him from when we saw him at MCW because he's lost, I think, 80 pounds or something. Like I just he's got so much weight. weight. I just don't recognize him anymore. Uh, dog collar match: Declan Grant uh, versus Devon Moore. Uh, Ricky Shane Page defeated Ron Mathis, and the uh, Tremont Deathmatch Tournament's final: Taipei Fists Shattered Dreams Elimination Match. That might be the longest title of a match ever. Uh, Kennedy Copeland defeated Bobby Beverly and Brandon Kirk and Mitch Ballen. So a lot of those things. I always think like with deathmatch wrestling. Like you have the match and then it's like, well, at least you've got a weekend to a week to try and recover before you get into your next one. And some of those names I read out, they had three matches and some of these matches are not like they're short matches either. They're not like four minute spots like you get on WWE, um, 18 minutes, uh, 16 minutes, and more, almost every single match on here is well over 10 minutes. So I'm um, impressive of the endurance that they actually have for this. It's really right. impressive. To just real quick, if uh, um, you remember a couple of weeks ago, ICW held a show, and their main event was a 60-minute Iron Man death match. Yeah. And about 20 minutes in, I was worried about these guys falling over just from blood loss. Yeah. I mean, it was brutal. So, I mean, these, these men and women, they have extreme stamina. And you got to think that adrenaline is really pushing them to be able to, And just the idea of we're doing something crazy right now. Let's do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of respect for these wrestlers. Um, just normal wrestling. Just your regular <laughs> wrestling. You can appreciate the toll it takes on the body. And then you add this in as an extra step. And you do it three times in one weekend. And you do this every week of the year. Uh, it's suddenly like, wow. It's, yeah, it's pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. Now, I think the thing I've got for the start that I don't think you have, Mason. No, you went straight into match one, didn't you? All right. Well, I, there was like a promo for uh, Matt Tremont. Oh, there he was. Came out of retirement for this match. He did come out of retirement for this match. Yeah. Um, it was called I Want to Feel Alive Again. And I didn't realize at the time it was actually produced by Kenny Johnson. Oh, it was? So, yeah. Having to see afterwards, once I looked back at it, I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. That kind of fits in with him perfect. Um, it showed you the uh, Trenton Thunder Stadium, which we actually went to probably about five years ago. I don't know if you remember. A little bit. The only thing I remember particularly is um, the ball boy, uh, not ball, sorry, the bat boy uh, was actually a dog. That's about the oh, only nice. thing. That's <laughs> the thing I only remember. Yeah, the dog used to come out, he used to pick the bat up, and then he would walk off the field with it, which was really cool. I have no idea who they played. I don't remember anything else at all. That's about as much as I remember. All right, shall we get into match one then? All right, match one, uh, four-way match, Adonis Valerio, Declan Grant uh, with Jess Moss versus Gigi Everson. And uh, Ryan Redfield. Mason, I'm going to let you go ahead. Go ahead. Um, tell us about the match. I like the fact that there's no apron so you can see what's under the ring. Hmm. I personally like that so you get to see what the weapons are under the ring. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that. But 
I did not like the font they used for the wrestlers. The font? Yeah, like... <laughs> when the wrestlers came out? Yeah, like it was... that I couldn't do it, so I had to go to cage match. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Because uh, for the first match, I did it, and I got De- Devlin. Oh, okay. Um, I don't remember. You got it was. Declan. I have Declan. Well, that's fairly close. Yeah, it's fairly close, but it's just I just couldn't read that font for some reason. I just didn't huh. like it. I, I don't remember anything about the font. So I'm gonna. Yeah, now I'm looking it up to see if I can find any pictures of it. Yeah, I I, I don't really remember. Yeah, I wasn't because that that wasn't my site because I went straight to Cage Match because I actually. Um, I just because the matches had already happened by the time I was doing uh-huh. it, so I'm like, well, I'm just going to be lazy. Why would I write these names out when I can just go straight there, yeah. copy the whole page, and then put spaces in between each match? So I didn't really even give it any thought. Um, the other thing is, um, I knew a lot of these wrestlers though as well, yeah. Um, because I've been watching more H to O recently, just mainly because of the No Holds Barred Network. Like um, Tiffany's been doing lots of interviews with those people. Um, so yeah, like a lot of those people, I already knew who they were. Um, Adonis Valerio was actually being interviewed tonight as we're recording. Um, I think around. 6 p.m., 7 p.m., um, and I've certainly seen Gigi Everson. Gigi Everson, we saw in one match, actually, so you might have known that one. We, when we reviewed IWTV 100, um, there was a lot of those H2O people in that. That was one of the questions I was going to ask you as well, actually, Ryan. How familiar were you with um, some of the younger wrestlers, particularly? Like, I know we, when we had you originally, the last two times we had you on um, MGB, Mason wasn't actually here. I was actually just asking you for, well, the second time it was actually, hey, tell us more about Matt Tremont. And then the third time, I think it was tell us about, oh, gosh, I want to say T-Bar now because I've totally forgot what his name is. Oh, my gosh. It was a Beyond Wrestler. Oh, gosh, this is embarrassing. Dominic Dijakovic or whatever. He was gone through different things. So, yeah, I was kind of curious. So we know that you have experience with lots of different things, which is why we keep bringing you on the show. I was curious how much that H2O you watch, still watch, and how much you actually knew about some of these younger wrestlers. I watch a lot of H2O is the primary independent organization that I watch. Okay. Um, sorry, just pulling something up to send you later now. Um, it, H2O is I'm, I'm I'm very familiar and I love the uh, H2O Undiscovered. Yes. Where it's it's students, but it's not just a student show. It's a lot of the times it's students versus veterans and stuff like that. But but it's showcasing their talent. Um, I I I got I was kind of hesitant about it at first. However, one of the originals, the the OG um, undiscovered talents, was Johnny Nova, and Johnny Nova is actually a good friend of mine. I've known him many many years at this point. Um, so when he told me that he was training with H two O and he was going to be wrestling for them. It it, it 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 evolved my interest in the promotion. Um, you know, obviously I had a very casual relationship with Tremont, so I was very interested in the first place. But having someone who I was close friends with uh, performing for the organization really kind of so a lot of these guys I am very familiar with because I watched a lot of Undiscovered, um, and I've been watching H two O pretty much on and off since its inception um Uh, it used to be harder because you know you had to find it on youtube or whatever but now with iwtv mm -hmm. is a lot easier because they stream almost every single one of their shows the only shows they don't stream live are undiscovered but they usually have them up within a week or so so Mm -hmm. that's usually what i'm watching um yeah I, i actually i'm really bad with indies right now 
I pretty much watch H2O and GCW. So, but I am very familiar with a lot of the the H2O mainstays, um, especially the the trainees. Whew. Well, that's good. So when we got something we don't know, <laughs> we can pass it straight across. Like I didn't want to throw something across to you, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm really watching H2O." Like, <laughs> so, go on and tell us about the match, Mason. Um, Adonis does a suicide dive, but there's no really padding, so he just does it on top of the grass. Um, I think grass is a little softer than like uh, concrete, though. Yeah, it it is. It does have a it does have some softness to it, but it does it doesn't feel good when there's someone like flying towards you and then you have to fall on top of the grass either. They could water the grass ahead of time. That would make it softer. I don't know that they do that. I'm just so. trying to think for soccer. Like they would water the field ahead of time. No, I'm not saying like it make it waterlogged or anything, but they can uh, make it a little bit softer. Maybe. I don't know. All right. But then that would mean they were they would be wet the match, wouldn't it? I guess. They All might right. slip on top of the ropes. All right, you're like probably if you're right. Like running the ropes, water could get on. All right, the ropes good point. They slip. didn't water it. You're right. Uh, Adonis does a, a Bronco Buster, but it's just more disrespect than actual damage. But he pays for it by getting suplexed by Gigi Everson. Um, and d- d- what, what was his name again? Uh, Declan, I think. Declan. Yeah, De- yeah, Declan. He, uh, his, the person we came up, came in with, uh, Jess Moss, uh, got, uh, tries to attack Gigi, but also pays for it by getting two by two frog splashes by Adonis and Declan. Oh, and by two frog splashes by Adonis. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why you need to use like punctuation when you take your notes. Like, if you put like a comma in there or like a period, then you'll know where one part ends and then the next part starts. And then if you use like a capital letter or something, this is some good English uh, experience. I'm going to be looking at your report card a lot more closely on the next one, the second quarter. Um, and every um, frog splashes then by Adonis and Declan, and everybody is down. And then Ryan wins with a rock bottom, which he calls a redemption. Now, this is interesting because normally when we when it's just us two recording, we sit on opposite sides so we can kind of look at each other. <laughs> but with having a guest, we're sat right next to each other. So I can actually see what your notes are. So this is kind of a little uh, this is kind of insightful, actually. I'm getting a little behind the scenes of MGB three and a half years in. Uh, Ryan, what do you make of the match? Anything stick out to you? Ryan Redfield, first and foremost, has been one of my standouts from H2O um, the entire time. And it's not just because he has an amazing first name. It's just because he has he has evolved so much. I remember first seeing him and just kind of being like, he's good, but he's young. You know, he's, he's you know, he'll he'll get there. Mm-hmm. And he really got there a lot quicker than I expected him to. Mm-hmm. Um, Gigi Everson, another guy I just absolutely love i i think he has such a good look to him i honestly can see him gg everson is one of the guys where i can see him transitioning from deathmatch wrestling to aew or nxt or something he he's got a look to him and it's really impressive and he's good in the ring um i thought it was a fine match for the opener um i really really and this is nitpicky of, of me. Um, I feel, and GCW does the same thing. I feel if you have a deathmatch style promotion, you should probably open up with a little hardcore wrestling just to whet the appetite of the mm-hmm. viewer. And then you go into your, you know, I, I know, I know everyone likes to say like a big thing in wrestling is nobody wants to have the second match. 
the first mm -hmm. match and the last match. Those are the matches that people, because everyone's really excited at the beginning. Yeah. And everyone's obviously really excited for the main event. And it's the middle card where you got to work your hardest. But I just feel like they should have come out a little stronger um, in the opening match. But I thought it was a great match. I really, I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it kept my attention, which is really hard to do. <laughs> Now I gotta ask Mason, did you um, watch this with the sound on or the sound off? I had the sound on. Okay, the reason I'm asking is, um, you were kind of joking. You're like, well, if we got the blade job on the show, then this doesn't have to be PG, right? So I was like, oh, yeah, we're gonna keep it PG. Oh yeah, this was. So PG. I was, so yeah, we came. Well, I, I would disagree because I was kind of curious. The thing with um, Gigi, uh, when as soon as he came out, it was the same thing when I was at IWTV. Like he gets heel he immediately. It was uh, FUGG, except they obviously didn't say that. So I was waiting for. I was like, all right, I'm gonna look over his shoulder and see if he has any mention. <laughs> His nose. So no, Gigi Everson is somebody I've quickly warmed to as well for that same reason. That it just the, the, you can get a reaction that quick. It doesn't matter whether it's positive or negative. Um, it's it's great to see. Uh, Ryan Redfield as well, Big Red, somebody who I've kind of latched onto as well, just through those um, no holds barred network interviews. Some people come through a lot stronger, and he was one who definitely resonated with me as well. Um, but here's my confession for this one: I started to watch this event live because I knew we were going to review it. And I actually switched off at the end of this match. I was like, I can't do this. I was like, I, I don't know. For whatever reason, I did not feel uh, grabbed by this. Um, we haven't even talked about this, Mason. We were actually going to go to this event at one point. It was discussed. Um, the initial prices for the, the very front row seats were very prohibitive for us. Uh, but general admission seating was pretty reasonable. I think it was $25 were the cheapest seats, which is not bad at all. For a unique event. And actually, it fell at the end of first quarter. I had my, uh, it, I literally had to do all my grading all my um, grades posted and it was like look I can't do this I can't travel four hours up four hours back and do it so we didn't go um, there was a few other things I didn't like see I didn't like the fact that there was no apron there at all I wanted there to be an apron it didn't look as professional to me now that might have been the look they were going for uh, but I didn't like it um, I also there was several other things I didn't like I didn't like the sparsity of the crowd I thought it was going to be a lot more packed now I know it's a big baseball stadium and that's a little different from packing um, a small little village hall or whatever the equivalent is um, it didn't feel it didn't feel like a normal wrestling event would um, and I didn't like that. And I didn't like the background either. The fact that the only thing you could see from the main hard cam was the center field wall, probably 300 feet away. And you could see the American flag and that. And that was it. It just felt a little empty. I like that. I, I, and that's fine. For me, it didn't grab my attention. I guess I've got used to watching and you can see a crowd behind. And then that kind of makes a difference because they're moving I, around. and there's, But all you could see was just literally a wall. And I, it wasn't grabbing me. So, no, I, I quit, actually. I was like, I'm going to watch it another time. I'll, I just watched the first bit. I, I can agree with that. I think hard cam should have been the opposite side so you could see the crowd as well. And you could yeah. also see the entrance where they were coming out of the dugout. Yeah. Um, for the apron standpoint, um, I can understand you don't see aprons in a lot of events that involve fire. Uh-huh. Because if the apron goes up, that's oh, really hard still. to put out. Uh, it's just something I've noticed. Um, it's it's one of those things like um, WWE, to use the example, when Raw goes on the air and you notice that they don't have those big things around the turn uh, the the ring posts. Yeah. You know something's going down. Either you're going to do a ring collapse spot or you're going to do a cage match or you're going to do something where those are in the way. And you can tell that as soon as the show starts because mm -hmm. it's something that's missing. Um, also, there's little brackets they put around the ring that hold the cage in place. 
And whenever you, you see those, you know, oh, we're going to have a cage match tonight, regardless if they've announced it or not. These are little things that I notice because I pay too much attention to things. Um, you know, just like when you know there's going to be an announce table bump where, you know, they don't have as much stuff on the table all of a sudden. You know exactly what they're planning. They moved it so nobody gets hurt or so someone's iPhone doesn't get crushed. You know, it's little things like that. And I think that might be the reason why we didn't have an apron because H2O normally has an apron. It could have been wind too. They didn't want it blowing all around, especially sure. once again, using fire. Yeah. You know, you might not want that involved. Spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't seen it yet. Main event, there's fire. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually something. They changed the hard cam, I believe, because in the hard cam, you can see that there are other cameras. It's like two other cameras on the other side. Wasn't it? Uh, because yeah. I, if I remember correctly, they did have that one side. It had the apron with the hard cam. Oh, okay. I don't know if they changed it because the crowd looked too empty. That's my best guess. Don't know. I'd be curious to know what the attendance was. Uh, there's no way of finding that. Like if it's a baseball game, they'll announce it like the attendance to today game was blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, I don't think they really do that at wrestling events unless it's like um, a record or something. Like I know they'll announce it for that. But yeah, I was trying to do a little count and I was disappointed how few people were there in the end. I thought it would be. It, it, there were a couple of shots where you could definitely see that there was a decently large crowd there. But I think you're right. I think we're so used to the modern style of independent wrestling where everyone's right there everyone's up you know so, a style that was pretty much popularized by beyond yeah. allowing yeah. the fans right up to the ring mm -hmm. which um you know is something that you know five years ago i was really a fan of and now i just want to sit down because i'm tired <laughs> and I don't want to stand for four and a half hours, um, which a funny story about that, uh, Santana Ortiz versus uh, Eddie Edwards, and they were the Wolves. I can't remember what his tag team partner, who his tag team partner was. Anyways, um, Ortiz, uh, I'm sorry, Santana comes out into the crowd and he pushes my girlfriend out of the way. And she Ooh. looks at me and she goes, this was her first Beyond show, might I add. And she goes, Welcome to Beyond. She goes, That guy just touched my boob. And I went, No, there was probably a reason for it. About three seconds later, Ortiz comes flying over the top rope into the crowd. And I just go, See? Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was Eddie Edwards that pushed her out of the way. And oh. Go, and she goes, Oh, no, that made sense why he pushed me out of the way. <laughs> you know, it's just something we're used to now. You know, standing ringside. See, I thought happen. you were going to say you were against it now because of, like, COVID and social distancing. Oh, no, 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 I'm just tired. Um, I, uh, Tremont broke my hand uh, coming out of the ring, uh, taking a barbed wire chair. Uh, and afterwards, I was talking about it because my hand was all swollen and bruised. And he came over, and he was very apologetic. <laughs> he was like, I'm sorry, man. I, I'm like, don't worry about it. He knocked two beers out of my hand, though. So that was at least $7. He's just gone. But... <laughs> Totally worth it for the story. Yeah, no, that was the thing that was noticeable as well. Like those front row seats that were $200, like that was probably would be like the worst seat that you could get if you went to Beyond. Like obviously, obviously this is a very different, for the main event, if you're going to have an yeah. explode, you're going to have to have people further away. But for, yeah, when you, when you talk about that proximity, that was the thing. It just wasn't 
it just wasn't as close. Now, I don't think I specifically wrote this down in my notes, but I was going to mention it at some point. It was interesting, though, that although the fans were a lot further away from the ring than you would expect to be normal, I could hear the fans better than I could hear the, mm-hmm. the wrestlers in the ring on the microphone. I have numerous times when I was like, I have no idea what they're saying, but I can hear the crowd chanting very clearly. So, like so that was, well, that, I'm sure there was a mic for that, but why is the mic that's next to the crowd better than the, the handheld mic that they give? What, to I, the what the I think is they probably had the hard cam microphone on, which was right next to the crowd, and that was picking uh, up the crowd noise. Um, the, the issue, and, and I have this issue with a lot of, indie promotions too is that they don't pipe their mics through their camera systems and we all know iwtv brings professional camera equipment to these shows um they don't pipe that through because they pipe it through the same speakers they do the theme songs which they cannot pipe through their stream or they're going to get sued um and and i think that's the problem because i know when uh chainsaw tony was talking I didn't hear a single word he said. Yeah. I, I have no idea. I couldn't understand Onita. I couldn't understand Tremont. Yeah. Um, I could barely understand uh, the ring announcer, who I feel very bad because I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, I can't remember either. Yeah. I'm, I want to yeah. say J Rose, but I don't think it was J Rose. Uh, yeah. I could be wrong, though. I, I, it's, it's, it's been like a week and a half. I can't be expected <laughs> to remember things. Um, All right, let's get on to match two then. Uh, this is the H2O tag team title. Uh, Lucha Rules four-way match. Uh, Chris Bradley and Kristen Ross are the current champions. Uh, they were facing Bobby Dempsey and Mike Quest and versus Jeff Campbell and Tara Calloway and White Trash Forever, which is uh, Bruce Gray and uh, Tyler Vox. All right, Mason, tell us about this one. Uh, I didn't like Mike Quest's name. It's kind of hard to say. Like, Mike West. You just did it perfect. No, like, twice in a it row. just rolls off the tongue better when it's like Mike Quest. Um, I don't like the K and the Q. I think it, I don't know. It's just something. So you well, want it's, his first name to quest. be Mike? No, Mike no, Quest. Yeah. Yeah, I just, it just, I don't know why, but it just something I nitpicked. And you thought your level of pettiness was uh, bad on here. <laughs> All right, we, we're going to try and one up each other, aren't we? Coming out with the most pettiest things possible. Now, now this is this will work. Um. Chris Bradley and Christian Rocks. Uh, oh wait, never mind. Tyler tries to shake Tara's hand, but then tries to cross her. Tries to cross her with a suplex, but can't lift her. Uh, Tara tags Bruce, and now it's WTF versus WTF in the ring. Um, and huh? uh, no, that's the tag team. That was the tag team name. White Trash Forever. Oh, okay. They shortened it to. WTF. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, in the ring, but is broken up by the outside so they don't pin each other for a cheap win. There was a train of sleepers where everyone gets a sleeper in a, on each other, and then the ref raises one hand for the pass out, and everyone's hand goes up, and then go up on two, and then everyone's hand stays up. And then I think Tara messed up because her hand went down, and then she quickly raised it up. I don't know mm. if anyone else caught it. It's true, I caught that. <laughs> yeah. And then the ref got put in a sleeper inside the train, inside the sleeper train, and then he does a do- jawbreaker, and that like domino affects everyone, and then everyone goes out the ring. And then, and then during the ref's ten count, everyone gets in at the count of nine. Um, Bruce gives Jeff Cannonball the kiss of death, and then he, when he wants to leave with Jeff, 
he kicks the ropes to hurt Jeff's dingo. Uh, Bruce accidentally runs into Tyler's dingo, which is his own partner, and Chris picks and slams the whole of WTF and Christian finishes it off with a splash off of the top rope for the win. Hmm. Um, I wrote down one thing. I, I just love the uh, jaw breakup on the ref. Like whenever the ref gets involved like that, I, I just think it's instant comedy. I, I like the the difference in. We talked about this as obviously a deathmatch kind of tournament. That just so far away from the deathmatch side of it that it just can't help but be funny as far as I'm concerned. And it kind of took me back to that first time for our first indie event. Like who did we fall in love with first of all? Tim Donst. Safety first, Tim Donst. We knew Tim Donst first for his comedic wrestling rather than his, because he does deathmatch type wrestling as well, but we just didn't associate him with that at all. But no, it was something that I certainly appreciated. I thought it was, um, yeah. No, this was the first match that I came back and watched like a week later. And after I'd watched this one, I was like, all right, I'm ready now. This this got my attention. I felt a lot better about the event. I was like, perhaps I did quit a little too quickly uh, like a week ago. Uh, But no, I I thought it was a thoroughly enjoyable match. It had his silly moments in there as well. But hey, you got to mix it up. If you're going to have, I think it was seven matches on the card. You can't just have seven death matches. You've got to have something that's going to mix it up a little bit. Ryan? Eight person referee stunner is one of my is my favorite spot since uh, Tommaso Ciampa put his finger in Jushin Liger's butt. <laughs> if anyone knows what if you know what I'm talking BMG, about, I believe, right? Oh, yeah. Where everyone just kept. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the reason I know is um, for Jackson's little spinoff podcast, Jackson's Goofy Brawls. When I was doing like a, a search for like goofy matches. That was one that came up, and I was like, oh, Jackson would love this, but there is absolutely <laughs> no way he's watching this match. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things, too, because it's, it's, a, it's a very good match with a very, very silly moment. Um, I mean, you, you look at some of the, the talent that was involved. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not, <laughs> we're not talking random people. We're talking Malachi Black, Tommaso Ciampa, you know, like... These are, you know, actually, you know what? No, screw that. I'm going to call him Tommy End. I'm sorry. I, Tommy <laughs> End. But I digress. Um, this was a fun match. Um, it, it's unfortunate because I'm such a big, big fan of hers, but um, Tara really shows her ring rust, unfortunately, because she does not wrestle full time anymore. And mm. I'm noticing she's a lot slower in the ring than she used to be. Um, Still a big fan. I mean, I, I just think her whole persona and the good things she does um, in in her life now while she's not wrestling with dropkick depression and, and working with Rain, um, I think it's really, really commendable. Um, Jeff Cannonball might be my favorite wrestler of all time at this point, just because he's Jeff Cannonball and he's amazing. Um, and if you watched um, Tremont Deathmatch Tournament the night before, he goes to do his uh, short soda review, but Eddie only sneaks up behind him and puts his cigarette out in the soda, which I thought was amazing. <laughs> um, Eddie Only's another guy who I just absolutely love. I love him so much. His character is so fun. And and even though uh, the the, the gen- general consensus is F Ohio, um, 440 in general is probably my favorite faction on the indies right now. They're so good. They're so talented, and 
Um, I mean, you know, they're, they're just based on one member, they're inspirational, really. You know, it's it's except for RSP's new eagle tattoo across his chest, which is just horrible, horrible. Anyways, not as bad as Cody's neck tattoo, but, you know, that's <laughs> Eddie only was actually part of uh, Tim Dump's safety squad. So that's was another he really? one. Yeah, so that's another one. Like when I actually saw Eddie Only uh, recently, I was I think it was at the uh, I have saying recently, it probably wasn't recently, that 24 hour continuous wrestling match, uh wrestling event. Um was he was uh, oh yeah, he, exactly. It's probably seven or eight months ago. Come yeah, to that. Anyway, ne- besides that, when I saw him on that, I was like, that's Eddie Only? I was like, oh my gosh, like I did not recognize him at all. Because he was in like the high fluorescent visible jacket and uh, like goofy attire. I think he had a brush with him as well and he was like sweeping there and then i was like that's eddie only I was like, oh my gosh so um yeah amazing those transitions how you can get so used to one character and then not realize that other people have a totally different impression of that same character all right match three was the h2o hybrid uh, title uh five-way match kennedy copeland was the champion mickey knuckles uh, jenny rose casey katal and masha slamovich mason i gotta tell you when i looked through the card and i saw this one i this was one i was definitely excited for um i've heard a lot of good things about mickey knuckles but i'd never actually seen her in any matches before so go ahead tell us about this one um, everyone is fighting and Masha's just letting them fight. She's just chilling on the ropes. Um, Masha does a senton off of the top rope onto the outside and takes everybody out. Masha then does a suplex off of the top rope to Casey. And Mickey and Masha just keep headbutting each other. Like, they're, like, running into each other, like, head on. And Kennedy wins with an Alabama slam and, and a jackknife pin. Uh-huh. Yeah, Kennedy Copeland is somebody who I've saw several times over the summer. And uh, Masha Slamovich, I can never see enough of her matches as far as I'm concerned. Now, I, I haven't got to see as many as I would like so far, just because she's a kind of a new name on my radar within perhaps the last two, three months. Um, I was surprised by the number of high-flying moves, though. You mentioned that, like that sent on from the top. I don't remember that from her other matches. I think of her, when I think of her, I think of her as like as a hard hitter. Like, she'll do a lot of those intergender matches. Like, I saw one with her recently against... Um, one called Manders, like he's definitely a hard hitter as well. So it was surprising to see kind of um, that. That was not what I was expecting, but it was inter- as good as I think that she is. Now it's like, oh, not only is she good, she can she has this tool to her armory as well. Um, yeah, I think the sky's the limit for Masha Slamovich. But yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. Yeah, usually I wouldn't put a senton in, but um, well, she does it off the top, top to front. the outside, yeah. and that's really cool. But I don't. And I, she had to land on the grass as well. Yeah. Woof. I mean, that grass is so hard, but yeah, no, I'm going to say that impressed me too. That I was think hardest like, part of the field. Yeah, I didn't see any any maps like that. I've only seen her in CFU. Uh-huh. You don't oh, you haven't seen her in an actual wrestling match then? No. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you CFU is one of our local, well, we say local organization. They're actually wrestling out in New Jersey. It's, um, they have the, the every single match is a cage match, and it's kind of set up similar to MMA rules. So they have uh, three-minute matches, and uh, yeah, but she's their current champion. They've only had two events so far. She was uh, crowned at the last one. So yeah, I've forgotten that you haven't actually seen her in a, 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 a traditional so wrestling contest. This promotion is essentially Ken Shamrock's Lion's Den, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Could be. I am not familiar with that one. So they, 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 they ran it in the, the mid-90s where he wrestled Owen Hart in essentially the octagon, but they didn't want to put it on the ring, so it was down by the entrance, it was really awkward and really not great. I think he had another one with uh, Steve Blackman. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Who I love, by the way. Yeah. Bonds Bailey. Oh, yeah, he's good. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. Thoughts on this one, Ryan, at all? Um, let's talk about Kennedy Copeland. I love her. Yeah. I absolutely adore everything she does. Um, seeing her and having her win Tremont's deathmatch tournament the night before, um, it really it, it showed her her moxie, as it were. You know, it, she uh, even though no matter what they did, uh, they could not get the pane of glass to break when trying to put her through it. Um, if you didn't watch the event, it, it was. I think four or five spots that uh, Brendan Kirk tried to put her through the glass and it just would not break. Probably because she weighs like 97 pounds. Um, yeah. Having flashbacks to Charlotte, Sasha, Helena Cell all over again. Um, yeah. And I was there. And I could even tell with a giant cage around them that things weren't going well. Um, uh, it was a good match. Uh, Jenny Rose... I was really happy to see. Um, I used to see her everywhere, and I haven't lately. So she was... Uh, I didn't look at the card. The, the only match I knew about going into this was the main event. Yeah. Um, so Jenny Rose was really excited. Um, Casey Cattell, they may say F the Kirks, but you got to love the Kirks. I mean, they're so good. They're yeah. so talented at what they do. Uh, Mickey Knuckles... Um, I can take her or leave her. Uh, she's fine. I, you know, uh, same thing with Masha Slamovich. I know she's got such a following right now, and she's fine to me. Um, the match itself, I thought, was really good. Uh, I would have actually preferred it to be maybe trimmed down a little bit, maybe a triple threat, um, or maybe a, a, a four corners. Um, I felt that that five was just i don't know it, it felt like it was at least one too many people yeah. um that's just me i'm actually not a fan of multi-person matches uh, when they get too much i love a good a good three-way dance yeah all day long uh, you know i was watching ecw in the late 90s where three-way dances you if you saw one-on-one -on -one match you were like oh it's going to be good if you saw uh tajiri super crazy and you know I don't know, whoever, uh, psychosis in a three-way yeah. dance, you were like, this is about to be the best match I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, I just felt there was too many people in it. But Kennedy retains, and I'm happy with that because I really want to see where where they're going with her booking in H2O because she has moved her way up. I, I, I can see Kennedy Copeland being the first ever female H2O champion. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, I have a similar criticism. As, at this point, I'm going to say, having kind of tapped out after match one, but then came back for the first two, I was like, okay, we've got some different things in here. But then after that, I felt there was too many people in a lot of the matches, with the exception of the main event. So we started with a four-way match, uh, then another four-way match, then that five-way match. We were about to talk about the Rumble match, so there's like 20 people in that one. Uh, we then had a 12-man tag team match. Uh, another tag team match, which is essentially four people as well, because that's always how they break down in the end. Everyone just gets in the ring. Um, and then it was the uh, the main event. Yeah. I thought that they, same thing. I thought they could have taken out a few. I know they want to get everybody involved because it's a big event, but I also thought less is more for this. A, a three-way match would have been good. Just a singles match. Besides, the obviously, the main event, you can put that one in the middle of the card somewhere. Yeah. I, I thought there was too many events, too many when there was just just too many people, particularly There's the 12. Literally 12 one one-on-one -on -one match. 
on the yeah. on the entire card. And and I agree. I I think you know it, it's kind of a running joke um, in wrestling. You know, uh, you know, you you guys can't get along. Well, you're gonna have a tag team match, players. You know, like it, it's it's just it's a joke at this point. You know, and and WWE obviously does it all the time. You know, you cannot go a single WWE event without having a six man tag or an eight man tag, or mm-hmm. you know, because tag team wrestling is great when it's done well. And WWE has a stacked tag team roster. AEW has a stacked tag team roster. We've got a lot of good tag team wrestling happening, but and we'll we'll you know we'll we'll get to it you know in you know momentarily even on the indies when you just put people together as a tag team it's just as bad on the indies as it typically is in wwe or AEW. sometimes it works great the bar sheamus and cesaro were amazing as a team and we all thought the same thing oh yeah all right they're just sticking two random guys together you know that's what wwe does stick two people together and see what happens this is when they got lucky, um, and and we'll get to it in in a couple matches. But yeah, not enough singles matches. Um, really, really could have benefited from um, a. Uh, I, I think the hybrid championship, like three way ma- three way, like I said, yeah. um, and also I think the. Um, um, I, I feel like the first match too. You know, Redfield versus Everson. Yeah, make it sim- short and simple to the point. Yeah. But you know, yeah, n- no singles matches, which is a little disappointing to me. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I-, I wanted to see more singles matches, but I really like Masha Slamovich's name. Like when you n- look at the card <laughs> and you just don't really know anybody, then you want to look for the name that sounds the coolest. And Masha Slamovich is just such a cool name. Not my question. No. Oh, okay. I wouldn't. Have well, I mean, she but- just. She yeah. had her own show for Beyond, uh, what, yeah. two months ago? They had yeah. Porsche at the beach, yep. um, and her and Alley Catch, I have to get used to Catch. Yes. Um, uh, they forced each other to eat Porsche. Like, I, I don't know what was happening. I really, I, I kind of, I, I'll be, I'll admit it was one of the few Beyond shows. I was just like, whatever, I'll. I don't, I don't, I don't like the the pier shows. I don't like the the shows at Showboat where they're out on the pier. I don't. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of outdoor wrestling, to be yeah. fair, um, especially because there's a lot of things you cannot do outside, um, especially on a public pier. Um, you're not going to see a lot of broken glass. You're not going to see a lot of. T- you're not going to see anything that's going to damage the pier. Um, mm-hmm. And nobody went into the ocean the last couple of times, so I'm I'm pretty over it. Okay, people went in the ocean. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we'll have to wait. We'll have to do some more reviews of uh thing. We'll have to we'll set a grapple box MGB up for uh Beyond That'd Show. Be okay. Cool. If they like pre like bury like pre dug out a hole, <laughs> and then it was oh, like yeah. first to get buried in the sand. Yeah. Why aren't you doing buried alive matches on the beach? Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. Drown somebody in the water at the same point. Force their head under the water. I, I can see where you're going with this. All right, match four. Hardcore rumble match. A lot of people in this one. Uh, Alex Stretch, Mark Angel, Chainsaw Tony, Rukus, Crazy Ivan, Low Life Louie, Robbie Illuminati, Drew Blood. Oh, I'm not sure how to pronounce that one. Is it Katie Lothbrock? I don't know. Neil Diamond Cutter, Brandon Kurt, Casanova Valentine, Connor Claxton, Frankie Picard, Bam Sullivan, Dan O'Hare, Mouse, Larry Legend, 
Uh, Sean Henderson, I think that's everybody. Now, I actually, the one, that, the name that caught me on this, because normally when we're doing our reviews, Mason, I'll pick out a name who I don't know as much and I'll go research them. I didn't even do that for the first three matches. I was like, ah, there's nobody really, like, I've, I know some of these people, but I was like, there was nothing really that kind of caught my eye. Um, Chainsaw Tony definitely caught my eye, though. So I, that was one person I did start looking up. Um, and our, this was from an article in Slam Wrestling, December 6th, 2020. Uh, Chainsaw Tony started off as a video trader and made his debut as a fan at an event age 15. So I don't even think, from, from the article that I read, I don't even think he realized he was going to be in a match. And then it sounded like they were like, do you want to be in a match? And he's like, sure. And then that was his debut. So I don't know. That's, I would like to know more about that. Um, wrestling legend Pogo would bestow the mantle of Leatherface permanently upon Myers. Uh, Pogo was protected with the name Leatherface. Outside FMW, WWS, and certain other promotions, Myers used the gimmick under other monikers. Uh, Chainsaw Tony Myers is the third ooh, gaijin. I'm not very good with my Japanese words. Uh, to terrorize Japanese ringside fans with his chainsaw. And following Mark, Mike Kirchner and Rick Patterson. Uh, the lineage and visuals of Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. I realized I've been trying to go through films that I've like missed and I should have watched. I've never seen a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I feel like that I should have seen one of those. So I'm adding that onto my list of films to watch. Um, and um, yeah, he said it was perfect for his merchandise. I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So he was definitely a character that was definitely very noticeable within this. Um, it made me a little uneasy, actually. Like I'm watching this, he's got his chainsaw and he's like swinging it around one handed. I'm like, uh oh, safety regulations right here. Um, it did make me nervous. I was like, if that slips, <laughs> that's something that's. Uh... Anyway, go ahead, Mason. Tell us about the match. What I didn't like about this Rumble match was they didn't have the countdown. No, it was it was a little it different. Was, it looked like sometimes a group of people would it come out. Like, yeah, it felt more like um, AEW's Casino Battle Royale, where they had yeah. groups come out, which makes sense um, for anyone who's ever seen the Royal Rumble. You know, you you've got thirty people, you know, to start, but you've got thirty people with what two minutes in between each of them, or five two minutes, right? Yeah, I want to say it's two. You know that's a minimum of like 60 minutes just to get the people out there. Whereas what AEW does and what HO do, having them come out in groups, I do enjoy because it makes them go quicker. I love a good battle royal. I love a good rumble style battle royal where it's it's entrant based. Um, but sometimes they're just very, very long and they make me very, very tired. <laughs> I like. Uh, I didn't like that they didn't have the countdown. I wanted to see like thirty seconds in between with like a five yeah. second countdown to get the crowd like. They could have at least put it on for the uh, afterwards for the effects for the people watching it. Like they didn't have to do it necessarily live yeah. at the arena, but well, they could have made a better, better effect if you got the crowd chanting. Five. Of course, you got to get the crowd doing the famous ah once it gets <laughs> down to zero. It's not like it's not a, a rumble without the crowd uh, mocking the sound sort of fact at the same time. But what I did like a little bit about it though was the surprise element. Like you don't know like how many people are coming out when they're coming out. I I, I didn't listen to. I don't think I had the commentary on this. I think at most of the, I think I did for half of these matches and half I was like listening to music and just watching. So yeah, I'm not sure if they announced they, like coming up, get ready to see like I don't know. Uh, Mark Angel's about to come into the ring, so I don't know. Any, I don't know if they did that or not. They didn't say that. They just said it can be like how they they said it could be like four or five or whatever okay. m- amount of people, and they said the the time is like randomized too. 
Okay. So whenever they're ready, they'll just... Whenever someone got tired, they were like, okay, send some more people out. Yeah, just go. Just go. Get out there. The crowd's starting to get uh, restless. Go on, send a few more names in there. Yeah. And uh, at the start, it's four people start in the ring, and then three more people enter after, like, 30 seconds. Brandon Kirk gets handcuffed to the ropes, like, before he entered the ring. And I didn't like that because, well, I want to see him get in the ring. Like, just because I want to see him wrestle, not just stand out on the outside. But this is my continued problem with rumbles that if you don't get into the ring within 15 seconds, you should be like instantly eliminated. I, I don't like any of that. That was the one thing I wrote about this match. After, I don't know quite when the handcuffs came off, but then also he was just stood on the outside. And I know you said Marsha did that in the previous one as well. He's just there with a grin on his silly grin on his face. And I know he's playing up a heel character. I don't like it, though. I don't like. Thankfully, that was the one good thing with having uh, no apron on there. No one could actually hide under the ring. I hate it when that happens. That's been just been done. Oh, well, I so mean, much has, has Curtis Axel been eliminated from the Rumble yet? <laughs> I'm just wondering if that's happened because he could come back and he could Any win point. the Rumble by just showing up. <laughs> it is ridiculous. If you're at the ring for more than 15 seconds, it should just be like a count out. Uh-huh. Like it would be in any other match. Well, I think you if, can't if, make if it you back don't within that. enter the 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 ring within 15 seconds, um, you know, because obviously, like, just thinking of it from a logistics standpoint. You know, rolling under the ropes, that's that's their rest period. You know, that's okay. you know, from, from the idea of like the performance of professional wrestling, it makes I sense so. that they would allow it. Um, but yeah, there are too many times. I don't know how many times the Miz has hung out outside the ring during the rumble for the entirety of the whole thing. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, yeah. and and that. it's it's not heel heat to me, it's just like you're trying to swerve us but you're not doing a good job at it, you know, have someone under a mask or something enter the ring and win it and then take off the mask to reveal Dolph Ziggler, you know, like, oh, oh my God, I can't believe Dolph Ziggler won the Rumble. We had no idea, you know, uh, there's other ways to do it, you know, just have the the 29th entrant be question mark. Yeah. Like you said, Masha Slamovich on the ropes, like that's still totally different though. Because, like, you can only sit on there for, like, 20 seconds before you're getting, like, punched or somebody is getting you down from the top rope. I I guess. And it's different because on the outside, you can just stand there forever. Ever. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't like it. But there's only one person I love under the, like, under the ring. And that's Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle will get a pass from me as well, actually. Does anyone remember when DX went underneath the ring and found the whole, like family of hornswoggles living under there where they had their whole like vince's office and everything it was wonderful <laughs> i hadn't seen that until literally this week somebody had actually posted this someone was like really? does anyone remember when this happened and i was like no but i was like i need to now like you definitely go no i did not watch wrestling at that period of time yeah, that, that was, was like, the beauty because it, it was it was really hard when dx came back because it was you know getting into the pg era so they couldn't be Full DX. Uh, actually, that one may have been pre-PG, but um, Michaels had come back as a born-again Christian, so he didn't want to be involved with the more adult-themed things. Yeah. So there used to be a there used to be a bit where Triple H would was about to make a sexual joke, and he would be like, "Oh, hey, hey, Sean, check that out!" And Sean would go, "Ooh!" and then wander away. They would do the bit, and then Sean would come back and be like, 
Rosario Dawson wasn't over there. What are you talking about? You know, like something random like that. It was very funny. I recommend going back and checking out the 2008 DX, I think it was. Um, it was not the original DX. It was a lot more family friendly, but it was still pushing the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, very funny stuff. I think the biggest mistake WWE made was going to PG. I think that that was their biggest mistake. I think part of it is it was more what the advertisers want, though, as well. I, I think it's, it's not necessarily if, if it had been if WWE would have been allowed to do it, I think they probably would have continued. But there was pr- outside pressures as well. And money talks. So if yeah. the advertisers are saying, hey, look, we don't want that. We don't want to be associated with that anymore. Can you tone it down a little bit? Then you're going to do what they do. Same with like yeah. Fox paying all that money. If Fox now says, hey, we want this, then you're going to provide whatever Fox wants. Um, because they're not going to give you the money otherwise. So, but no, I would agree with you. The main story is that Mattel did not want blood, and Mattel is their primary action figure, which is a primary source of revenue for them. Um, And Mattel doesn't want blood because of whatever reason. You know, there there were talks, I don't know if you remember, uh, a couple of years ago, they sent out the fan council emails you know, hey, please fill out our survey and let us know. And one of the questions was, would you like a show on the network? Remember the network? That was a good time. Um, Would you like on a show on the network of more mature content akin to ECW? And I I actually opened it with multiple emails to vote yes, because you don't, Ron Smackdown, if Ron Smackdown is going to be marketed towards younger people, which is fine, WWE has always been marketed, you know, the Attitude Era was a drop in the bucket. Other than that, it was always marketed towards a younger audience. Mm -hmm. Give us one show, just make NXT TV 14 and let it be its own thing instead of rebranding to a weird tie-dye, which is weird. Um, unless they change that tie-dye one day to blood and it's like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's just that's just me. We're we're getting off topic, I think. <laughs> Something Mattel does is like if the paint comes off of the action figure, there's red. Like my Rusev wrestling figure, like the paint has come all of, all, off of his face. Uh-huh. And it's red, just so they can keep it normal. I think I don't know, but what do you mean yeah, normal? I think it's a. I think it's how they paint them because I used to do um, miniatures, and they they start gray, but you actually want to paint them a solid color, and it's usually red or black before you start painting over it. I don't know. I'm you know I'm not a, a professional, but it could be something related to that i don't know i haven't i don't take my wrestling figures out of the box anymore so they're not as fun i've got an i've got an ortiz figure back here that's just sitting there i'm gonna give it away on for christmas <laughs> i saw some on ebay this week i can't remember what i was searching for but there was like a, a lot of something so the price was significantly lower than everything else so i clicked on it you could even see who the wrestlers were it was so bad like all their face had been like um been eroded away it was like oh my gosh i can't imagine anyone. I, I go to a lot of flea markets and that's what i that's what i come up with usually like the figures are just in such poor quality it's like it's a you know it says oh yeah the tag says hacksaw jim duggan but it just looks like <laughs> like a, a tan blob <laughs> Yeah, I actually thought it would make an interesting uh, quiz. I did think about it. I was going to do screenshots and then show them to Matt and he's got to figure out who it is. Because I think there was a list at the bottom, like it said who it was. And I'm like, 
Now, is that really that place? Yeah, you got to think those figures back then, too. Like, if you're looking at older figures, they didn't have yeah. the quality in the first place. Yeah. yeah like, these they don't were, have those face scans that we do now. These were early 80s figures. So, yeah, 40 years of play, then, yeah, they're going to be. That's going to happen unless you look. I remember my first ever WWE figures. It wasn't the normal ones. It was more like, it was like smaller in height, but like more chunkier. And like you could take the arms off and pull it away and there would be like a string. And then you, when you would let go, it would snap back to the body. Oh, oh like the old G.I. Joe figures um, from the, the 80s. Miz. Yeah, it was the Miz and Zack Ryder. I don't remember you having a Miz figure, but I don't remember that yeah, like, property at all. I thought it was really huh. cool. It's a King of the Death match we're talking about right there. Yeah, do you remember your first figures? Uh, I remember my first figure, yeah, because I didn't have figures, wrestling figures <laughs> when I was a kid. So my first one was, I kind of felt a little left out. You had you had all the figures, and I was like, I don't have a single one that's mine. <laughs> like, you'd give me one to use, like, if we were having a match or something. So I actually got Honky Tonk Man. Honky oh, Tonk okay. Man's my first wrestling figure. I saw it. It was on sale. It was, like, half the price it should have been. And I was like, it looks cool. I was like, I'm getting Honky Tonk, Honky Tonk Man. So, yeah, that, that's... That's my first figure. I, I, I want to I say my first wrestling figure was Sting. Um, and I, just, to, just to, to, to date a little bit for those listening in the world, I'm pretty sure it was Surfer Sting, not Crow Sting. Um, I can't remember, though. I didn't. It was funny. I, when I was younger, I watched wrestling. I didn't get a – I didn't – really want wrestling figures though i i wanted ghostbusters and ninja turtles and aliens for some reason the alien franchise had a, a whole host of action figures for movies that you should not be watching if you're buying action figures um luckily my dad didn't care and i saw terminator 2 and the alien trilogy when i was like eight <laughs> <laughs> now i actually gave like i'm, I'm watching some classic ones like, if i haven't seen them in a long time if i see them at the library I'm like oh, i haven't watched this in a long time let me go so alien was one i watched and i seem to remember i gave that to you to watch when he said i was like hey look you got to watch this it's like a classic and then i asked you about it and you had no idea what i was talking. i think i gave you the video and you gave it back to me without even watching it is that right I think yeah. that was alien oh, well, that was the only one but <sighs> that was because i was pretty busy because the science fair just started and then I had to do the background research. You get three weeks to watch a DVD when you get it out from our library right now. They've extended the time since the uh, pandemic. It used to be a week, and now you get three weeks to watch them. But all right, so I'll rent it out again. But yeah, you definitely need to watch Alien. Because I was like, hey, what did you think of like when the alien came out of his chest? And you had like no idea what I was talking yeah. about. Especially I... Aliens, the second one. <sighs> Such a good movie. Mm-hmm. You gave me The Martians, and I liked them. I did give you The, the Martian, which that's is... Top that's a three movie. Uh, it, it's a good movie, but it's not it's not on the same level of uh, sci-fi horror, which Alien is. So, hey, never like mind. Horror movie, yeah, <laughs> to be honest. All right. It's not my favorite. So, and here you choose you whenever we pick. Like, hey, you got a free choice. What would you like to review? You always pick something that's got blood and gore in it. Like, you love your death matches. You love anything that's like that. But your films, you don't want anything like that. No, I don't know. Well, it's like. The creepy stuff, that's what I don't like. All right. I don't mind the blood and stuff like that, but just jump scares. I don't like jump scares. Okay, all right. Like, when Boom. I was like, no, not like that. When I was like nine or ten, 
Uh-huh. It was always so scary when, like, the good guy would always go to the bad guy's, like, house or something to go look for something. Mm-hmm. I would always be, like, so scared because there would always be a jump scare, and I would hate it. Okay. I would always be so scared for that. It's a good job you don't watch WWE anymore because Seth went around to Edge's house recently. He was like, he's getting things out of his fridge and eating it. He was he left the fridge his, uh, I was his... so mad about that. I, w- I watched it live and I'm like, <laughs> do you know the electricity? I don't care how rich Edge is, the electricity bill. And plus there's probably some like deli meat and stuff. Like you're ruining it. What if their cheese goes bad? Like I'm so upset right now. He was critiquing the kids' artwork. I think it might have been even on the front of the fridge. I can't quite remember, but yes, it was. That, uh, that was honestly Edge Edge and Rollins was is my favorite feud in WWE. But I digress. All right, tell us about the rest of this match, Mason. I have no idea where you're up to. I'm hoping you put like your thumb or something on the line you're up to. No. Uh, someone comes in. Oh, someone comes in with what looks like a huge wooden axe wrapped with barbed wire. Okay. I don't know if you remember that. Like, I um, do not. Nope. Brandon still it was still handcuffed, gets the first elimination, which I don't like. Stupid. <laughs> He's handcuffed out of the ring and he gets an elimination. And he just pulled the rope down, I think, with his with the handcuffs. Sounds like kind of small. But yeah, it was a little small. Um but Brandon eventually gets out of the handcuffs by just pulling it. And that's the part I missed. I don't remember. I remember being in handcuffs, and then yeah. it was like, oh, he's not in handcuffs. And I must, uh, yeah. I, I don't always give 100% concentration when some of these matches are on, I have to admit. So, and that yeah. wasn't me watching it. We, was we, like, we, I, we have Twitter, you know, you, you got to look down on Twitter every now and then. Yeah. Uh, someone hits uh, basically everyone with a street sign. I don't know who it was, but uh, Chainsaw Tony comes in with a live chainsaw yeah. and eliminates just a few people. By just like having the motor on. Sure. But I don't. I think they took like the actual dangerous part. The, the blade. Yeah, they, they, they take the chain off the actual, so oh. it's just going. Um, I, and I only know this because um, pre uh, Warhorse, when he was Warhorse Jake Parnell, uh, Jake Parnell and he was yeah. in the Viking. What was it? The Viking War Party. Uh oh yeah oh gosh yeah the it was Viking. it was the, him and yeah, song sounds- and. Anyways, they also brought a chainsaw to the ring one time at Beyond, and I was like, this is not safe. Yeah. <laughs> but there was no chain on it. He put it oh, down okay. right in front of me, and I went, oh, it's just to go meh, 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 meh. And I was like, all right, all right, hey, it please worked. don't cut me up. It got me. Yeah, it totally got me. I was nervous watching it because I was like, if that slips out of his hand, he was swinging it one-handed. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. Like, you got to use two hands. The only time I've seen a real chainsaw was when, oh, my God. What the hell was the name of that? Retribution. Mm-hmm. When they came and they started cutting the, the ring ropes and yeah. stuff. That was a real chainsaw because they actually cut the ropes. With could, yeah. Um, but they probably, since they were under masks, there was probably someone more trained than just like T-Bar, you know, or <laughs> Mace Slapjack. <laughs> a lumberjack. They probably hired a lumberjack. <sighs> like, I don't think they... Like leave the can. There will probably be a low a load of paperwork to have a live chainsaw. Well, that's what I was like. I don't know. Like they do some crazy things, and I was like, hey, I guess. And I was like, also, this is from Japan as well. I was like, hey, they have some different things out there. Like you already, we talked about some of the things in um, BJW. Like they're crazy. They have piranha matches. They have they have these exploding matches that we're gonna be talking about in the main event pretty soon as well. So I was like, it's to me, it seemed plausible that somebody could have a chainsaw. 
could have been Whew. just because the fans were away. Yeah. That probably would have been, uh, I guess, one of the instances where they possibly could have. But when there's fans where there's no, like, barricades or anything, and you need to sign, prob- I think you probably need to sign something if you're going to have minors there with a live chainsaw with chains. Probably sure. even, maybe even adults need to sign a waiver. But the fans being so far away made it seem more plausible. But I yeah. did worry about, as a wrestler, if I was in that, I would have been very uncomfortable. But I didn't realize mm-hmm. at that time that it wasn't real. So. But then the next, like, ten seconds, the chainsaw, the chainsaw is still on, but the wrestlers go attack him to get the chainsaw out of the ring. That's right, when sensible. the chainsaw turns off. Uh-huh. Um, okay, now I need to find where I am. Um... And eliminates a few people. Everyone attacks and gets the chainsaw out of the ring. Six people left, and Brandon still hasn't entered the ring. Three people left, and he and he finally enters the ring now. Yep. Brandon eliminates someone and gets his foot caught, it, it caught in the ropes in doing so, and then gets eliminated. And Tony misses a moonsault off the top rope, but chainsaw Tony still wins by hitting the other guy in the head. I did have written down here. Do you think Brandon's foot was supposed to get caught in the rope? Because I didn't. It it didn't look like that was supposed to happen. It looked like the referee and other people were trying to get him free. Um, The fact that other wrestlers and ring crew were kind of over at him tells me that it was... um, It was the same situation of like when Foley would do the, 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 the rope twist where he would lynch himself in the ropes... Um, and he did it in, you know, we all know 1992 in Germany and it was too tight and he lost a piece of his extremities in that moment. You know, um, this, I think this is a situation where he just, he just went over bad and went, uh, oh, this isn't good. And those are steel cable ropes too, where that's, that's very tight. Yeah. Yeah. Mick Foley actually wanted to keep that ear. I would have. I would have kept it in a jar. Yeah, and he's... I read the book about that. Not the whole book, but I read the part about it. But he, like, instead of going to the hospital in the ambulance, he wanted to take pictures of it instead. Yeah, Hmm. so by the time he got there, they had thrown it away, and he was like, oh, well, I kind of needed that. He said that he wanted the award for the most patient, like, or the most calm, the calmest patient, because the doctor said that he was very, like, calm. For someone who just lost their ear. And he said that sounded pretty cool. As like. When he's getting announced to the ring. As the most calmest person in the. In the emergency room. Mm-hmm. If you if you watched. Um, if you've ever watched the. Um, Untold. About Foley and Edge. At Wrestlemania. Um, they have footage of them after the match, you know, thumbtacks, barbed wire, flaming table spot. Like it was a crazy match. Foley's making jokes and he's pointing at his arm and he's like, Hey, you can smell the burnt flesh. Ha. And he's just like cracking jokes as they're stitching him up. Edge looks like he just went through an actual war. His, his eyes are glazed over. He's just staring off into space because he had never done that before. He had never done fire and thumbtacks and all that kind of stuff. And you can see it in his eyes. Whereas Foley's like, this this was nothing. You should see the other stuff I've done. Yeah, like he's had third degree burns before. He's had, really he said all, he, in the back of the book, it shows like his body and then it has like little labels on everything like that's really bad happened to him. Like, 
broken noses, bones. He's broken like over 200 bones, I think he said. I can believe that. Some of them probably the same one more than once. Oh, now, yeah. as you were talking about Mick Foley's book, of course, it reminded me of very early MGB. Oh, we yeah. used to give our guests uh, a signed uh, Mick Foley book. So I know Ryan is certainly the recipient of one of those books. Um, I know yeah, Matt yeah, is. I'm yeah, trying to think. Yeah. I know um, at Rain Counter is as well, because I'm never quite sure how to address him now. So I'm going to use his Twitter handle. Uh, but, yeah, that's something that we're out that's a so long, there. long time ago. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think it's three plus years ago since we left, but that was one of the first things that we uh, did. I can't remember why we started to do it. <laughs> that part's been lost a little bit in history now. I'll have to. I know Matt's listening to this. Matt will remind me next time I talk to him how that actually started. The historian. Yeah, the historian. I don't think he rem- He never forgets a fact. It's just uncanny his uh, recall mm-hmm. of things like that. I want to see, like, I want to look up the most obscure facts ever in wrestling. <laughs> And see if he can know what it is. Um, <laughs> having been in a quiz with him recently on the um, on the Devoid Wrestling uh, Entertainment Network or whatever it's called, um, they one of the rounds was as soon as you get one wrong, you're eliminated, and it was literally um, NXT champions and him and Brett from the Brainbuster Boys. They went every single one, one for one, all the way back. Uh, to the first champion and then so they had to have a tiebreaker and then they, it was what's been the main event at the last at the uh, pay-per-views so they were working back they just went back so far it was ridiculous like oh. i'm just i'm uh matt he, he's uncanny. I, I don't remember the results of i don't remember the results of aew last night and exactly that's what i'm like like i enjoy it more low one like, like it's, that's about it. It was uncanny how good some people are at doing that, but that's certainly not my strength. And uh, one more thing from Chainsaw Tony, um, from that same interview from earlier, uh, with regards to the differences between the gimmick table culture between the USA and Japan, Myers made it clear with an example: "Quote, just lay all the merch on the table and leave an empty mo- uh, mayo jar. Someone just takes a shirt and leaves the yen in the jar. It's an honor thing. It blows me away. That wouldn't happen in America." I'm like, wow, that is pretty incredible. Like, I, I'm kind of shocked when I heard that as well. I was like, I didn't, I know Japanese culture is very respectful, uh, but I didn't realize it was as simple as you could do that. Like, I know Max Morrison kind of leaves his table a lot because obviously he has to prepare for matches and things, but um, I don't think people would take stuff off there necessarily. But yeah, trying to leave like a jar from, like, we know if there was a jar with money, somebody would steal the jar. it's not just the fact that you'd get a t-shirt for free or something or you put the wrong amount in the jar would not stay on the table so i thought that was a really interesting one but makes me love japanese culture that little bit more when you went to get the chinese food they told us yes and we stole the chip tip jar from them terrible all right match five survival 12 man tag team match um this is the 44oh the atticus koga bobby beverly eddie only eric ryan gregory iron and ricky shane page versus team h2o chuck Payne, devon moore jimmy lyon lucky 13 ron mathis and schlack i already mentioned i thought there was way too many people in this match which i took away my enjoyment from it a little bit but go ahead mason um gregory uh, gregory gives rob the dx symbol and then attempts to jump off of the top rope but then, but he didn't do to anything to Rob before that. Like he was just standing up there. Like and so Rob just walked out the way, and uh, Gregory just jumps onto the mat. Uh, Schlack does a suicide dive, which surprises me. Why? Because he's. I don't really think of him as like a dive. Like oh, do you think of him just like a hard hitter? Yeah, it was okay. like a hard hitter. Just grab a weapon and then hit somebody over the head with that. Uh, that's what I think of him as. Uh. 
Eric steps on Jimmy's feet because he has no shoes on. And Gregory and Eddie uh, pull their trunks down to, to try and do a double stinky face. But Jimmy moves out the way and they do a double stinky face to Ricky Shane Page. Um, <laughs> that was my highlight of this match. Like, that I didn't expect. Like, at this point in the match, I was like, this is too many people. Um, that actually broke up the match for me in the fact that it added that silly comedy, comedic element, which I kind of needed for this one. And I didn't expect it either, which made it even better. Like, the one with the referee, when they set it up, like, I was like, all right, you can see where this is going. I legitimately thought they were just going to give him a stinky face. I didn't see that the, yeah, so I kind of like that. Lucky 13 totally misses the back foot to the outside. And, like, he jumps, and he's supposed to hit whoever was on the outside, mm-hmm. but he totally missed. I think he should have just stuck with a regular dive, because yeah. he just fell straight onto the grass. I mean, at least he didn't fall on his neck. Yeah. That would have been bad. But, um, and the skewers got stuck in Jimmy's head. He got skewers stuck in his yeah. head. Yeah, you, you, you can't have a deathmatch event without that happening at some point. That's kind of, well, that's pretty standard. It's Kogar's, like, M.O. now. Yeah. Not Kogar. Is it Kogar? Yeah, it's Kogar. And um, they do a few slams on the head to make them, like, go deeper into his head. And um, I think it's... Uh, yeah, and after a frog splash, he still kicks out. Marcus Kane comes out and distracts the whole 440H. Was that was it? Yeah. I'll put 440. But... Uh, yeah, well, Ohio's initials are... Oh, wait, sorry, it's O, so yeah. Oh, okay. 440. Gets cleared out of the ring, and Gregory Iron is left with Schlack, and he makes Gregory Iron, Iron kiss his shoe. And then Schlack puts Gregory on his shoulder, and then Lucky 13 does a DDT off of it for the win. Now, I know you said you had difficult to hear in the names, and I actually had Marcus Gray written down. You said Marcus King. Now, I'm not sure it's Marcus King. Gray either, but when I looked it up on uh, Twitter, because I obviously always put plus wrestler, um, there was a broken Marcus Gray, but that's definitely not the person who interfered. So um, I was going to ask Ryan if he knew who that person was. Um, the only other comment I did get while he's trying to think about that, um, Ricky Shane Page on Twitter. Uh, Jerry, I'm going to need you to edit this out of the VOD. Um, that was the stinky face part. Uh, so I, I did find that. There wasn't many things from Twitter mm-hmm. normally, and I could normally pick out a few quotes. Not many people were really talking about it, to be honest. So, no. Brian? Um, is it Marcus Crane? Oh, that might be it. Oh, that yeah. might I, be I, I'm, I'm blanking. I, I don't remember, but he is a, an H2O. Um... It's the same kind of rhyming thing, Gray yeah, and Cray. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I think got Marcus Kane. Oh, I thought you said King. I'm no, going to say it wasn't King. Okay. All right. Um, in general, I agree. Too many people. Yeah. But this was also, I think, on a, a kind of a play on going into a, a big wrestling season, which is Survivor Series, and, and trying to mimic that. Because a lot of indie promotions, you know, a lot of indie promotions have rumbles in January. A lot of indie promotions yeah. have you know, Survivor Series style matches, team matches in, in November. It, it's it's just, it's something that happens. However, I thought that it was a good set of people. Like I said earlier, I'm a big 440 fan. Um, especially, you know, I, I, I've, I've been a big fan of RSP for a long time. RSP being one of the co-founders of Beyond Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, Eric Ryan and Eddie Only fan. Um, on the H2O side, I mean, Devin Moore, Chuck Payne, Ron Mathis, Lucky 13, you know, Jimmy Lyon. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the mystery member is Schlack. Like, I love a good Schlack reveal, you know, because actually there is no reveal. There is only Schlack. You know, it, it's, it's, he's such an imposing force. And, and obviously, like, there's half of the wrestling community that says Schlack is one of these problematic individuals. There's the other half that say, no, Schlack's a, you know, pussycat. You know, it, it's, I don't know what to believe because I don't know Schlack. I really don't. But he's so, he's a spectacle in and of his, himself. Um, which I think is is why he's had this longevity, but also why he's never going to be in AEW. He's never going to be in WWE because he's slack. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lucky 13 is one of those, you know, just consummate professional veterans. You know, he's been around the block for many years at this point, and he's just awesome. Every every time I see Lucky Thirteen come out, I'm happy. You know, he kind of reminds me not only just because he looks like him, but the way he wrestles of Jerry Lynn, um, which is a high form of compliment in my opinion because Jerry Lynn is one of the greatest of all time. Um, fun match, just once again, too many people. Yes, too many people, and, and and maybe they should have done it in a Survivor Series elimination style, where I we would get that. down, you know, to. Um, I'm just gonna throw random. We get down to uh, Lucky Thirteen and Ricky Shane Page at the end, you know, like awesome. I would have been because at least it would given us a singles match kind yep. of ending. Um, it was fine. I thought it was fine, you know, and, and and I hate to say this about this entire show, just as we're kind of going into the the tail end of it. Um, as a big H2O fan, this show, the you know, this show was fine. It was not amazing, but it was not terrible. It was it was fine. It had really great moments, which we're about to get to two of my favorite two matches, I think, are the, the final two matches. So yeah. yeah. All right, let's crack on then. Match six was the tag team match. G Raver and Jimmy Lloyd versus Austin Luke and Marcus Mathers. Um Mason, we kind of talked about this one a little bit just off air ahead of time. Like you know that I'm a big Marcus Mathers fan. That's one of those names that probably resonated most with me from the No Holds Bar network interviews. Like just just to be so impressed with somebody so young to be so polished. Um, I don't think I originally realized that he's a, he's a second generation wrestler. Oh, he might even be a third generation. His dad is definitely a wrestler. So I didn't realize that side of it to begin with. And that kind of obviously explains a lot why he's so, why he is so polished. Did you get me to say the wrong name? No. 
Okay, I know you like to mess with me and try and deliver and try and get me to say the wrong name, but I actually I'm I've got this written down. So no, once I knew and because we talked about well, you said you loved the fact that Marcus had such a big match, as in it was the one right before the main event. And um, yeah, the only thing that's kind of surprising me, and uh, like I said, perhaps I didn't have the commentary on. Not a lot's being said right now about the fact that he holds the the equivalent of the money in the bank. Like he holds that um, he has that right to challenge for the IWTV title. And since that's happened in August, like I haven't really heard it mentioned. So we've had September pass, October's passed. Uh, we're in the middle of November, pretty much. It's been pretty quiet. I don't know if they're kind of trying to get away from that storyline. It almost feels like Otis right now. Like he's got the money in the bank, but nothing's really happening with it. Like they haven't really. Yeah. If they haven't thought of the next step, like they've had events at the each uh, arena as well, and you're thinking, oh, they're going to pull the trigger now, and no, they didn't pull the trigger. So. I don't think this was the right time to... Oh, I'm not saying it would have been in this one, but I'm just mentioning, as Marcus Mathers is in this match, I'm kind of was thinking something more immediate would happen, and right now, it's it seems almost like an afterthought. Like, I would want to see him walk out to the ring, raising it to remind everybody, hey, look, I have the, the money in the bank type thing, like, I can challenge for the IWTV title whenever I want, but it's not even really being used as a gimmick at all, so... I don't, I don't, I don't want to see it on H2O. I, I want to see it on a different. That's a hot take, but I want to see it on a different organization because I um, think that would be really cool. Because if nobody knows who Marcus Marcus is, um, and then he comes out with the money in the bank, and everybody's just really, really shocked on what that is. Yeah, because they didn't see the event previously. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be really cool. Uh huh. I, I I'm going to disagree. I want to see it at H two O. I wanted to see him cash it in immediately, which nearly happened to IWTV hundred, except for a very professional wrestler came in and took him out. But oh, that was who probably was the. No, that's his name, a very oh. professional wrestler. Um, I, I'm trying to remember. Is it, it's one of the Hatfields. Um, is it Dasher Hatfield or Boomer Hatfield? I always get those two guys mixed up. But it was one of those yeah. originally, anyway. And um, no, the pop was huge. We're like, oh my gosh, Mike Marcus is going to be the IWTV champion. And then they took it away from him. Um, so no, I want to see it at H2O because I think those fans know who he is. And they're, everyone's rooting for Marcus, like 100%. So I would love to see it happen at the H2O Arena uh, for their fans to be able to see that rather than at a different event. Like for a World Series, you don't want to win it on the, um, uh, you don't want to win it when you're on the road. You want to win it in your own stadium in front of the fans. So, uh, I would just want to win the World Series. I understand anywhere. that, but if you have a choice between yeah, the two. Yeah, if, 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 the, if the Red Sox win and it's not at Fenway, you don't get that pop. No. Nah. Yeah, like, you, you want the home field pop. 2004 was different just because it was it was so long, but it took it away. It took a little bit away from the fact that it wasn't actually at Fenway. Well, the, it, the it fact happened. it didn't matter who you were in 2004, you were like, oh man, they're actually gonna do it. <laughs> you know, I I was watching baseball at the time, so it was extra exciting. You know, but it it is one of those things. It's like you you know at, at that point you just want to see them win. You're just like, okay, this has got to end. Just even Yankees fans were like, finally, like, you, you, good job. <laughs> like, the Cubs even more, too. The Cubs even more so yeah. when they won it, yeah. But well, see, from my perspective, I was only a Red Sox fan for four years when they won it. So I haven't known any real pain except for Pedro on the mound in 03. But yeah, I've had four World Series titles in the 20 years I've been in the state. So, yeah. but I understand for. Massachusetts fans and Boston fans and people yeah. have had generations where they just haven't had a yeah, win. We're raised to be like, you love the Sox. 
Uh They are the only thing that matters, but they are terrible and they're garbage and they suck. (laughs) That was the thing. It was, it was the underdog. And actually that's what led me to fall out of love with baseball is we no longer had an underdog team by 2007 when they won again. I didn't care anymore. Like I remember watching it and being like, cool, we won. (laughs) All right. There you go. You know, like that was about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Mason, uh, tell us about the match. Well, before the, the other week, Tom Brady passed, uh, I can't remember who it was for the most passing yards, and it was at the Patriots, and there was literally just a sign on the scoreboard. If it would have been <laughs> in Tampa, they would probably would have had a whole fireworks show. Uh, I'm going to say Drew Brees, but I'm yeah, not Matt, Yeah, sure. it's probably, it, it was Drew Brees, or it, yeah, I think it was Drew Brees. So let's get into the match. I can't believe I messed. I, I confused myself with Marshall and Marcus. That's because you keep trying to do it to me every time we review one of his matches. It's so it's so as you're right. It's more of a tradition now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus does a suicide dive into a DDT. Oh, wait, actually, I missed. Yes. It. I mixed mixed up Austin and Marcus for the first page. So okay. No, it. you're right. I have, that's the first thing I wrote down. I put oh, suicide dive into a DDT from Mathers. Absolutely loved oh, okay. it. Just... It looked awesome. Like I was like enjoying the suicide dive anyway, but then the combination of those two things together, oh, it looked really good. And then G. Raver does a suicide dive to Austin. They're throwing they're throwing chairs and ladders into the ring, and G Reaper throws a chair at Marcus, and it lands perfectly. Um, and Jimmy picks up Jimmy. Oh yeah, Jimmy picks up Austin. Jimmy Lloyd is one of the wrestlers in this match. Could could wasn't he earlier? No, Jimmy, oh, no, Lyon. Jimmy Lyon. Okay. Uh, uh G Reaper uses him. Um, Jimmy picks up Austin, and then G Reaper uses him as a springboard. Jumps off of Austin's back and onto Marcus. I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin slammed. Uh, at, oh yeah, Austin got thrown on a chair and it and it hurt his tailbone a lot. Like that must have really hurt. Mm-hmm. And Marcus gets got a huge roundhouse kick, and Austin tries to suplex G Raver off of a ladder onto two doors onto the outside, uh, but G Raver got got out. And double knees Austin through the doors. Uh, Marcus gets brain busted and pinned onto the chairs, but still kicked out. And Swan Tom off of the top by G Raver. And Marcus power bombs G Raver on a chair on top of a ladder. Like the ladder was laid down on its side, mm-hmm. but it was still really painful. And G Raver wins with a J driller. And yeah. And then at the end, go on. What happened after the match? And then Austin turns on Marcus after that. He did. He didn't really beat up on him too badly, I thought. Yeah. I was like, I would like to see you giving him a few more hits. But anyway, we got the point. Um, you mentioned the perfectly uh, delivered chair. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was from last night. I don't know if you saw AEW last night, Ryan. I haven't, but I saw on Twitter. It looked like it was Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy. And um, he's holding up the chair. You know how like they put the chair on their head, and uh, he literally held the chair, and Orange kind of grabs it and then just puts it on his own head. The the clip looked absolutely. Oh terrible. no, the, the the whole spot was terrible, uh, <laughs> and 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 that's coming from you know an OG OC fan. Because yeah. I'm sorry, and, and and just real quickly, I used to say as much as I love Orange Cassidy and his alter ego in Chikara that we don't talk about. Um, yeah. 
I, I always said, I was like, OC is going to be a star, but the orange, the freshly squeezed character is never going to translate long term. And now we're two years in. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's, I'm so happy that he's getting the recognition he deserves because I know some people don't get it. Some people just do not understand, mm-hmm. you know, oh, he's just a comedy wrestler. He can go. Yeah. He's one of the most talented people on that roster. So, and it makes it that much better because when he starts going, you go, oh, what? You know, because mm-hmm. he's good. He was, um, you know, I guess we can talk about it. Um, I went to an H, uh, not H2O, Beyond show where he wrestled twice. Mm-hmm. At one point he wrestled as Orange Cassidy. And the other time it was a Chikar showcase where mm-hmm. he wrestled as Fire Ant. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I elbowed my girlfriend and I go, see the guy in the red? That's Orange Cassidy. And she's like, no, it's not. And then when he started wrestling and his, you know how his skin gets really red when he gets flushed? Mm-hmm. Like he just gets, and she, she saw it on his arm and she's like, oh my God, that is Orange Cassidy. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I told you, but he's doing springboards and he's over the top rope. And I'm like, he's one of the best professional wrestlers on the planet. Yeah. And- never know and that's what's brilliant about orange cassidy but yeah sorry yeah, i hear orange cassidy and i have no, to go I, into a rant i'm always happy to talk orange cassidy um he's still i still listen when he's asked who's your favorite wrestler i'm still saying orange cassidy and like nothing has dissuaded me from that at all he's just yeah. so entertaining and yeah he will that, be aw world champion oh and if I, he's not they have dropped the ball I don't think he needs to be, but um, if he did not, I would still be. I'd be okay with it. Think of how funny it would be, though. Think of the things he would do, being like, like showing up um, uh, when he was IWTV champion. He would show up to the ring with his backpack and then just Uh nonchalantly take the belt out. (laughs) Like, yep, okay. (laughs) Oh, it would be. It would be cool for sure. A funny spot would be if the belt is just too heavy for Orange Cassidy, so they give him a mini belt. I want. I would love to see <laughs> they that. They give him one of the toys that you can buy at Walmart. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. Would, that would totally work. Yeah. Now, there was one thing I, I wrote down in the match. There was a coast-to-coast. Coast. Now, my question is, I just don't, I, me personally, I don't like seeing the coast-to-coast. Coast. Has Shane O'Mac ruined it, or is it just me? Like, Shane as soon as I see a coast-to-coast, coast, I always think of Shane McMahon now, and I, for that reason, I just hate it. So, I don't like Shane First and foremost, it is a Van Terminator. And that's it. The only person who ever perfectly executed that was Rob Van Dam. Mm-hmm. I know no one can see me, but I'm doing. I, the we Rob saw you do the RVD. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> Shane, it was really impressive the first couple of times he did it, but now where it's just one of his spots. Yeah. And 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 I do want to bring up for WWE, it is very impressive because they don't have a 16-foot ring. They don't have an 18-foot ring. They have a 20-foot ring. That is a long distance to go post to post. Whenever I see it in an indie show, I'm like, that's a 16-foot ring. It's impressive, but it's really not that far. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to do. Um, I think H2O, I think they even said on commentary, they do an 18-foot ring. Um, it's definitely bigger than a lot of the rings you see at a lot of indie promotions. Um, but it is what it is. Um, it's fine, (laughs) but Shane O'Mac did kind of ruin it. What's what's the hypotenuse for that? 
18 and 18. All right, 18. This is going to be fascinating to listen to. 18 squared is 324. So the other side would also be 324. So if you add that together, that's 648. So the closest square root to that would be 625, which is 25. So the diagonal would be 25 feet. Um, I have seen somebody do that diagonal, and that was very impressive. Yeah, I, I think, think he did that once or twice. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the most impressive thing is that you were able to do all of that in your head, whereas I was, after you said 18 times 18 is, I went, I have no idea. <laughs> um, square numbers are something, when we used to have to um, invigilate exams in England, like, you can't take, like, a book in or anything. Like, you've got to be, just concentrate on the uh, the people who are taking the test. You've got to be, walk, walk around, see what's going on. We used to have to do this for, like, three hours at a time, and it's like, oh, my God, I'm going to go crazy. So I used to try and either find, like, some sort of puzzle that could keep my mind occupied for a little bit, or after a bit, I was like, hey, well, I'm a math person. Wouldn't it be really useful if I learned all the square numbers up to, like, 100? So I could do calculations like I just did now. So, yeah, it was something I learned 20 years ago, and they just kind of stuck with me. I I've always been a numbers person anyway. And number facts I can remember. But, yeah, who won the last pay-per-view or who was on AEW last night? Forget it. Yeah, My brain doesn't work that way at all. Obscure pop culture references? I'm good. Yeah. I can do those all day long. I'm pretty sure it's almost ended my relationship multiple times <laughs> because um, just as a little fun story, I wasn't feeling well uh, a couple weeks ago. And my girlfriend looked over to me and asked me, she said, are you okay? And I said, I don't know why. And she goes, you haven't made any stupid references in like <laughs> half an hour. Because I do. Every actor I see, I have an anecdote about. Every song I hear, I have an anecdote about. I just know pop culture. I'm surrounded by pop culture at That's all times. one of those memes. It's like a 90s song. Yeah, remember every single lyric to it. Important fact that I need to remember. Yeah, don't remember that. The brain is, uh, is yeah, not very helpful with things like that at all. All right. I guess we should. I, not that I didn't enjoy this match. I really enjoyed this match. And I think you said it was one of your favorite two matches as well. Uh, Marcus as well. Loved seeing it. Absolutely. But I think we've got to move on to the last match as well. And match seven, the exploding barbed wire match, the thing that most people were going for. Uh, so not just match Remont out of retirement. Um, at Sushianita. I'm looking at Ryan to see if I got that pronounced correctly. My Japanese pronunciations aren't always good. Whew, looks like I got that one. Okay. Um, Mason, go ahead. He Take it away. With Chainsaw Tony. He did, yeah. Yep. Um, match. Um, as soon as Atsushi comes in, he attacks Matt with a barbed wire bat. Um, Atsushi broke a steel chair over Matt's head, which I didn't like yep. because it uh, it wasn't like that. He didn't wind all the way back, so it was a little obvious that it was unscrewed. Oh. If he would have rid all the way back, and then it would have went all over his head and then broke. That would have been cool. So the science of it didn't work. You knew for that amount of force wouldn't have had that type of reaction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, still chair over Matt's head, and then and then light tubes. He smashed light tubes over Matt's head and, and stomach. Yeah, and the, and stomach. Um, and then Matt smashes the light tubes over at Sushi's head and then carves into his head. That's then he spits the mist in at Sushi's face. And then Matt got hit with a light tube to the stomach. Um, Matt is about to hit Atsushi with the bat onto the outside, on, onto the barbed wire explosives. But Atsushi hits him with the mist and then a few light tubes and, and bats. And then Atsushi finally pushes Matt off of the edge 
and in the outside, and there's an explosion and a minute-long fireworks show. That I did not like. But, I mean, I liked the fireworks show and the explosion and everything. That was so cool, uh-huh. and that was so awesome. But I didn't like that he just barely fell off. Like, he was holding on for, like, 20 seconds, and then he just fell off. I wanted to see him get hit the head over a light tube or a bat or something and then just <laughs> fall onto the barbed wire. I think that would have looked much cooler, but I don't know. Cause, and then what confused me was I thought that was the end of the match. But it was like once you got like thrown onto the explosions, there would have been a fireworks show. At Sushi would have celebrated right. and then won, but no, no. That's not what happened. Um, And then... Atsushi lit a fireball in Matt's face, and he still kicks out. Atsushi turns on the sirens and then hits Matt with explosive light tubes. Like, it's the same light tube, except it explodes onto, like, fire and stuff. Okay. Um, and Atsushi gets a barbed wire and puts fire on them, on it. And then, like, it takes forever to light. Like, it lights pretty slowly, and then he puts even more gas on it. And then it just lights up way too much. And then Matt Tremont gets, like, thrown into it. And then, yeah, that's a three count easily. And then Matt Tremont has a smile on his face at the end of the match. Yeah. like, And we kind of hinted at Ata that he um, he helped him up. And um, they were both talking on the mic. And I couldn't hear anything they were saying. But it was obviously mutual respect because it was the, the hook yeah. there. And uh, Matt yeah. Tremont's singlet got caught on fire. Mm. They did have people there because we were worried about the apron earlier catching on fire. They did have people there with fire extinguishers, particularly for this match. They were very visible. And if it kind of got too much, they kind of sprayed pretty quickly and got in there. Um, Yeah, I had a few things I didn't like in this one as well. Like you can roll out one side of the ring and nothing happens. Uh, But if you were to roll out the other side, then all those fireworks would obviously go off. Um, it did make me look forward for Guy Fawkes Night, though. I know you don't celebrate that over here, but uh, yeah, Bonfire Night and Fireworks Night in England is November 5th. This was uh, October 31st, so I got an early fireworks show for that. Yeah, the lighter didn't work. Like, that's kind of an important part for this uh, segment. And he <laughs> just threw it on the ground. Luckily, somebody else had one, so they got it. But yeah, it did not catch on fire. It was just that tiny little bit. I was like, oh gosh, that didn't quite work as well as it could have done as well. Well then, well, then he started throwing um, literal fuel onto the plate onto the fire so yeah at that point it did um i was i was I very like i was very disappointed well, in this match if, if we'd have traveled four hours to go see this um it would and that was the one with the aew though the one that the aew tried to do which was on a much lower level like it it didn't work on many different levels and this one to me didn't really work either this was not my favorite match at all like even the parts before this happened i think were much better but yeah, the end, the fireworks, did he really need to go for a minute? <laughs> like, I, did, I didn't see the point of that. I was trying to look like where Matt, no, I could Matt rolled under the ring yeah, or something, but you couldn't see from the camera angle, which I'm sure is deliberate, but I, I don't know. Time to red. But I didn't see the point of the fireworks, though, because that wasn't an explosion. It was literally, like you said, a fireworks display. Yeah, yeah I think I that should have ended the match. I would have been happier if that, if that would have been the end of the match, I would agree. I would have been happier with yeah, that. Yeah, but I love the end of the match anyway, but... Um, I didn't like at Sushi's part. Well, I don't really know him, 
So okay. to me, he was just the person doing the damage and not taking anything. Well, I was. Him. Oh, he, he had a few minutes, but I was. Yeah. I was waiting for you on this one because you told me you'd done some research on him. So I was like, all right, let's get straight into oh, the match cool. then, and you can tell me about all you know about him. By research, I did. I mean, I looked it up on YouTube and then saw they had a few other matches before this, and I was thinking about watching match. Documentary, I think it was. There was. I watched. I, I did. didn't watch it, but I did. I planned to. That was kind of what wanted me to go to see this event. I haven't seen that. It's because I found something that looked more interesting. You know, like, we have somebody who knows all about both of these characters well, though. So if we shut up, yeah. we can actually get some more something a little bit more insightful. He, he's just taken a little drink as well to wet his palate. So. We're nearly two hours in, so uh, bring it on. This is the this is the reason we got you in. We know you know about Matt Tremont, and I, I I could see even through a tweet your eyes light up once we mentioned that we were thinking about reviewing an Onita match. So go ahead, tell us all about it, Blade Jump. So let's let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> so, you got time to go get a drink now as well. You, if you want to go get your lunch and then come back, that that'll be okay. Ryan will still be talking. I will stay here though. Okay, just out of politeness. Okay. When Back in the day, before the WWE, or before IWTV, before any of this, there was a thing called tape trading. And that's yeah. what we had to do, is people needed to make copies of VHS tapes of wrestling, and you would buy them, or trade for them, or whatever what you had to do. Did. That's what Chainsaw does, yeah. So early on, um, back in the day when um, you couldn't just stream everything, um, High Spots was the go-to place for finding tapes online. And I uh, discovered FMW, um, mainly for Hayabusa. Um, Hayabusa was one of my favorite wrestlers. And that led me into um, the first time I ever saw a match like this was... Um, I might get the teams wrong because it's been a while since I've seen it, but I'm pretty sure it was Hayabusa and Terry Funk versus Mr. Pogo and Masato Tanaka in mm -hmm. a exploding barbed wire match. And I said, what? Because the, the, the concept was foreign. Um, fast forward to AEW's... <clears throat> exploding barbed wire match. You got air quotes there for the bench. Yeah, I think there should have been air quotes around barbed wire too, because I'm pretty sure it was snipped barbed wire, but that's just here. That's neither here nor there. And I was very excited to see a legitimate death match on national pay-per-view, you know, national television, a, a mainstream wrestling organization doing something like this. They'd done barbed wire, they'd done thumbtacks, they, you know, they'd done hardcore but this is another level and then they uh, we all know what happened so then basically shake his head <laughs> tremont and onita say hey we're gonna do it right yeah i enjoyed this match however there were a lot of things that left me disappointed i think they over promised and under delivered yeah. Um, I think it was good for what it was. I think it was for a guy who hasn't wrestled in a year and is not, you know, no offense to Matt. I, I love Matt Tremont. Uh, 
-hmm. isn't in the best shape of his career. Mm -hmm. And a guy who is 62, 64. Really? Oh, I did not. I did not know that. All right. Um, Onita is. I thought 53. That's what I was thinking. uh, Onita is 64. Wow. So you're you're going into this is Undertaker Goldberg territory. Yeah. You know, it's two people who and and Tremont's only 32. I was about that was one of the things I had in my notes. And if you hadn't have said it, I was just about to ask Mason, how old do you think Matt Tremont is? (laughs) Because I was thinking because obviously if he's retiring, I'm thinking he must be like late 30s or something. I was thinking 39 was what I was thinking in my head. And when I saw that as well, I thought it was 33. So I was a year out. But I was like, oh, my gosh, I could be. (laughs) But but you got to think he spent his career primarily doing deathmatch. Mm hmm. That puts a lot of wear and tear on your body. Oh, sure. So you got to get, and, and once again, he hasn't wrestled in a year. Mm-hmm. He's got ring rust. Mm-hmm. That was my initial thought is just, well, Onita's not going to be able to move. Tremont already has issues moving sometimes just based on the injuries he sustained over the years. But there's going to be explosions. So it'll, you know, the spectacle will overshadow the the shortcomings. So first and foremost, you take down no ropes. All four ropes were up, which I did not agree with because traditionally in this style of explosion match, the side with the, usually there's two sides with beds of explosions and yeah. there's no ropes on that side. So you can go right over into it. The other ropes are typically taken down and barbed wire is strung up also with explosives in it. So when you hit the barbed wire, that also explodes. So the first thing I noticed was they just wrapped the ropes in barbed wire, which I'm not a huge fan of, which they really barely used. It was it was for aesthetics. Yeah. Like I think maybe at one point one of them got like their face rubbed in it. And I think that was the only time they used that barbed wire. Secondly, the the second thing I noticed was there was no explosives rigged up to the barbed wire ropes. Mm-mm. Okay, fine. It is what it is. Um, now, uh, you probably have seen the video. You mentioned, you know, Tremont finally rolling off into the explosion. Um, if you saw um, uh, some of the videos going around on Twitter that had a better angle of it, he was firmly in the center of that explosion when it went off. Oh. He did not get under the ring before that explosion. He fell into the explosion. Um, I believe... Um, well, you're, it looks like you're looking for it then. Yeah, so well, I, I I'm not going to find say, it. Um, isn't he actually in hospital for, like, burns? He is. He, he, he has third-degree burns. Um, Tiffany had a video of it on her page. Now she posts 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, so it might be hard to find, but, um, you know, it's somewhere where you can, where you can find that. And he was dead center of explosion. So, and I noticed that because at first when, when the fireworks display was over and he rolled out from underneath the ring, 
I was like, oh, I thought the same thing. Oh, he he bailed. He bailed yeah. on the explosion and it went off yeah. and whatever. And I thought the black on him was just from like the the ash from the fireworks. Yeah. No, that was charred flesh. <laughs> that oh, was that's I think that was the first thing that was gonna put him in the hospital. Yeah. Um, the finish with the barbed wire board obviously was the yes. thing that definitely put him in the hospital because he yeah. was on fire. Yes. And that's a <sighs> I was never properly trained. I wrestled for a very short time for an organization that had no business running because it was not safe. <laughs> it, the the, word, the the guy was a trainee of the New England uh, School of or New England Pro Wrestling Academy. Um, I believe he was training under Brian Malonis at the time. I'm not sure. Um, and he had no right running an organization because he barely knew what he was doing. And he was the one who was training me. So I, being the smart person I am, decided, oh, well, I'll just do hardcore then. <laughs> because you don't have to really be good sometimes. You just have to do dumb things and have a high pain threshold. Yeah. I did barbed wire. I did fire. I did all that kind of stuff. I have never seen someone that engulfed in flames. Yeah. That made me nervous. Um, I don't think that spot was done well. I think it would have been better if they had the board up on something and he went through it because that would have dispersed the flames. Since it yep. was flat, though, he just went into fire and fire remained. Um, there was just too much fuel put on there. Like it's because it didn't take, it didn't catch initially, and to make sure, I think they were trying to make that look much better. And I think Anita just went too far. I agree. I I really do. Um, the, the exploding light tubes, though, I will say, was a nice surprise. As soon as he picked up the bundle and I saw the wire running from it, I got very excited mm. because. I've never seen that before. And honestly, it looked really, really cool. Um, I This is the only rating I'm going to give um, during this conversation, obviously, because it's the last match. I give it a 6 out of 10. It was good. It wasn't great. Mm -hmm. And what I think it taught me is that what Tremont is doing is the right move. He's spending less time putting his own body on the line and more time creating the next generation of deathmatch wrestlers. Mm -hmm. Onita needs to do the same. And I think what would have been better would have been either a tag team match, or which is funny because there was way too many of those, or <laughs> a a match with two up-and-comers with Onita and Tremont in their corners, getting evolved, involved just to, you know, do their thing, get their spots in. Yeah. But I think the the evolution of the exploding style death matches, I think it's time to pass it off to the next generation. That's what yeah. I believe. Because there's still a spectacle. Um, you can go on YouTube right now and you can find uh, Onita when he was younger, much younger, versus Terry Funk in an exploding barbed wire deathmatch. And that's the spectacle I wanted to see. What FMW was doing in the 90s and the early 2000s 
was essentially to me the japanese ecw it was giving you world-class high flying and technical wrestling mixed with the most violent sadistic style matches you could ever think of what h2o is doing is kind of the same thing and i thought h2o and fmw would give us the perfect storm and it it really didn't um i just think onita's age and tremont's ring rust led to just a okay match still better than aew's yeah um but it it was i was disappointed but i wasn't disappointed in the sense of i walked away from the show thinking well this was a waste of time Mm -hmm. i was disappointed because my expectations were too high and honestly that's my fault i should have known that a pushing 70 and a guy who has retired was probably not going to be the match in my my imagination. It was good. Um, and now Tremont, I, I don't know if it's because of this match or just because he already had this planned, but Tremont is now having another match against Ricky Shane Page for the H2O title in a no-rope barbed wire. I think that is much more in line with what he can do right now. I don't think... And 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 Ricky Shane Page can carry him all the way if he needs to, because Ricky Shane Page is that damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was disappointing, but I I saw a lot of people on Twitter being like, you know, that sucked. It didn't suck. It just wasn't what you expected. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, I can say I built it up. I was super excited by it. I was prepared to travel four hours to go and see that, and four hours back. And yeah, it was like this is such a unique match. You might never get a chance to see this on American soil. Like this is the first oh, yeah. time really, like we've had that chance. So I think I, th- I agree. I think we all built this up out of proportion. And um, yeah, like I say, we've been chatting about it for a while. Like um, I, I, it was the first, just that first match I didn't particularly like. But when I went back and watched the rest of them, yeah, they were enjoyable. I, I re- my, my favorite match was definitely Marcus Mathewood. Without, without a doubt, that was my favorite one. Yeah. Thank you, thank you for being on this this uh, season. We hope to see you next season. Oh, Ryan, this is yeah, this is an MGB tradition. We're, Ryan's the only person, with the exception of us two, who's been on all four seasons. Um, I don't even know if Jackson's been on all four seasons, to be honest. Um, I know he sometimes makes a little cameo, but as far as I know, Ryan certainly. Yeah, thank you so much, Ryan. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to talking to you again in season five. Oh, absolutely. We, we, you know what? And we can do it more than one season too. Like, I mean, it's fine. I don't have, I don't have my own show anymore. So sometimes I just need to let loose. And I don't even know if any of my co-hosts are alive anymore. Um, I mean, we we obviously know we lost Joe Nolan in that in that terrible uh, the terrible pizza factory explosion. Um, but you know, Scott, I think has kids or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows what happened to Tommy Collins? I think he, I think he's on the Patriots now. I don't know. I know you've been very gracious, and I know you've, you've always said if we ever need you for anything, that you would, you would always drop whatever it is to appear on our show. <laughs> and we really appreciate it when you do that as well. There are certain things that we can bluff our ways through. And there are other things when we really do need that expertise, and whenever we need you for that, we know that you'll always do it. So. We certainly appreciate it. And it's always my pleasure because it's always a good time. And it's always 
interesting. And, and, and I like that. I've been on plenty of podcasts, but this is the only one I think I've been on multiple times. Ah. Um, I'm hoping to change that um, with, uh, I'm, ho- I'm hoping Why We Watch comes back eventually. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think it was on that twice. I'm not sure, but. <laughs> Let's put it this way. You'll definitely be invited back onto Good Cop, Bad Cop as well. I know you appeared on my birthday episode because I was requesting, I wanted a special guest. I said, Matt, the person I want more than anybody is Ryan because it's always a pleasure to talk to you and we don't do it anywhere near enough nowadays. It's true. That'll, it's true. that'll guarantee that that happens. All right, I'm going to click in stop or else this will go on for another hour. Because Zigzag by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. HTTP colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0 slash.